Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Fastest lap set by Felipe Nasa. We chatted about that at the time, about 15 minutes or so ago, that 135.605, and he's opening the gap up to 4.2 seconds. 9.31 in the morning at Daytona International Speedway, a VP in-race update in GTP, first of all. Nasa has mentioned for Penske Motorsports and their Porsche 963, leading in car seven from Jack Aitken's Whalen Engineering Cadillac V-Series R, that's 31, and then the sister Penske 963, car number six running third. In LMP2, it's crowd strike racing by APR's Orica, Colin Brown in the 04 car leading, but only by 1.3 seconds, so that may well be the scrap that we need to next focus our eyes upon. Christian Rasmussen is doing the pursuing there for ERA Motorsport, number 18, and the 52 Tom Dillman driven into Europol by PR1 Matheson Motorsport Orica completes the top three currently, but that's been chopping and changing an awful lot, particularly around the pit stops. GTD Pro, there are three cars in splendid isolation now above a field of 10 GTD cars on the timing screen, but the pros read like this. 62 James Collado leads for Risi Competizione. He went to the high side and made it three abreast across the start finish line when he was neck and neck with the GTD leaders. He's got a leader 3.3 seconds over the BMW M4 of Paul Miller Racing and Neil Verhagen, number one. And it's the 77 Michael Christensen AO Racing Porsche in third. And GT Daytona. A wonderful fight, seeing Indy Doncha finally break the stranglehold of Onofrio Triassi. So Doncha for Wingward Mercedes leads car 57 ahead of Triassi Competizioni's Ferrari, the 023, and the 12 Aaron Tielitz, Vassar Sullivan, Lexus in third position. That's the VP in-race update. And what about the number six Porsche from the GTP class, Bruce Side Jones? by side with Jack Aitken going out of turn three, trying to get up into second place. Unfortunately, had to go past, I think, the 40 racing uh, Lamborghini and the number six Porsche ended up on the grass. Certainly Kevin Estra got it back onto, onto the black stuff, but that would have been a big tooth shaking moment. Let's go down to the pit lane. And our CrowdStrike pit race pit lane reporter there is Joe Bradley. Who have you got for us, Joe? Uh, Brian Sellers out of the number one Paul Miller BMW. Uh, Brian, we're watching a very busy racetrack right there and you were watching it also and your car was involved in all of that. How easy is it for you to watch your teammate go through that? I, I missed that last part. How easy is it watching your car and your teammate having to tend to that? Yeah, I mean, it's not so bad, to be honest. Um, I mean, you just got to understand that they're doing the best they can in every situation out there, right? that uh, you have faith in the people that, that you put in the car around you, and, and we certainly do. So, um, you know, Neil's done a great job for us up to this point. Um, it's tough. The Ferrari shows quite a bit of speed right now, and I just doesn't seem like anybody has enough to keep up with it. So um, it's four hours left. I think, uh, I think to beat the 62 car, we're going to need some help. It was beginning to look like a, you know, like a sprint race there. How, how hard is it to stay with the discipline with, like you say, four hours of this race still to run? I think it depends on your mindset. Um, 
the reality is, is right now there's not a lot of discipline. You've come this far, so. Um, so you mean you just quick give it, go for it. Yeah, I mean right now you just go for it and hope for the best, right? Um, it, <laughs> second place doesn't mean much here, you know, and, and I I don't say that to uh, to take away the accomplishment of it, right? Everyone comes here to win. Um, it's our biggest race of the season, so for sure we'll do everything we can to try and make that happen. But uh, you know, Reese doesn't make many mistakes in uh, in times like this. And neither do you guys usually, Brian. Good luck. Thanks. Very much, very similar conversation to uh, so many other drivers that we've heard from during our CrowdStrike pit reports throughout the course of the nearly 20 hours of running. This is, it's slightly bizarre, I keep thinking every year in, year out, that we start the campaign, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, with the biggest race of the year. But I suppose in the World Endurance Championship, we used to have and still do have, actually, the biggest race, arguably, in the, of the year, Le Mans, as round three, is it? It used to sit at the very end of the year when we had to, that sort of winter calendar, if you like, beginning in September and ending in June. But, yeah, this is the one that everybody wants, closely followed by the Sebring 12 hours in a month and a half's time, I suppose. And you get great points for finishing in second, but, unfortunately, nobody remembers that as a result no no you're entirely right in fact uh, when you look back through motor racing history sometimes you are completely surprised who actually won or was running at the front but didn't take even class yeah. victory but the thing gets me the placement of a race like this at the front end of the season if you have a rotten race you retire early and your your likely rivals are gathering bucketfuls of points at the various six hour marks and then at the end of the race you're on the back foot the entirety of the season when the more 24 hours got pushed as you say, it was the 2019 or 2018-19 season to the tail of the season. To me, that was the logical place because otherwise you don't get a big score at the more in the middle of the year. And last year we saw that with um, with the Toyotas, the Mike Conway car didn't pick up many points and spent the rest of the season winning. But because they didn't do well in the big one with the big handfuls of points, they were never going to win the title, and it's really quite dispiriting. So, you know, for me, the big one should be at the back. I'm not suggesting you have to run a season that ends in a Daytona 24 hours. A season ending in January wouldn't seem normal, but could you run it at the end of the year? Sacrilege, I know. Sacrilege. I mean, the, the argument to not, to not have that as the case is that this... You know, there, there are no points on the board prior to this, therefore nobody's worrying about championship and can completely attack this event in isolation. Knowing there's a load of points, yes, on offer, but you only have to worry about points permutations when we're well clear of Daytona and heading to that, that little event known as Petit Le Mans uh, in October. Uh, that in itself is a, you know, a race with rich history now, 25 years old, um, but it's not quite the Daytona 24 hours in terms of the, the heritage that stretches back to the, uh, the early 60s. No, indeed, but again, it's fantastic that you look at the difference between the races, they have their own identity, and uh, long may that be the case. Yeah. Certainly, Road Atlanta is just the most fantastic circuit, and you know, American road races are very fortunate some of the tracks they have to race on. Too right, and uh, yeah, every single race has its own little character. I love the fact that there's a big shake-up of race durations too, and sometimes races incorporating just half the classes that we have on display here today but it has to be open invitation, if you like, to everybody within GTP, LMP2, GTD Pro and GTD here at the, the Keystone event. We had uh, yesterday afternoon 
59 cars start the race, a lot fewer than that now, I'm afraid to say. And uh, the, some of the latest retirements confirmed to be both of the AWA Chevrolet Corvettes, number 17 and 13. Since that announcement from race control, I don't think we've had any other official retirements so far. No. The, the other two Corvettes actually came really close to that. They've had their difficulties and have dropped away from the pro battle, but at least they're still going. Yeah, I think we've lost 15 cars overall. We seem to have 44 okay. cars still running, but uh, some of them a little bit walking wounded. One of those I include in that was the Nolan Siegel slightly bodywork light Ligier. We saw that caused the, full, the last full course yellow when that bodywork engine cover came off and landed at the side of the circuit. Can't complain though, unfortunate for them, but it has bunched up this raid and race and made it all the more exciting. But at the very front of the field, Philippe, Philippe Nazza, every lap is pulling just marginally further clear of Jack Aitken. And Jack Aitken did very well to resist attack a couple of laps ago, coming out of turn three, approaching the infield kink when he was being attacked albeit with another car between them by Kevin Estra. Estra put the number six Porsche on the on the grass, bounced around a rejoin. He's fallen back by a couple of seconds, but seemingly at this point in the race, the works Porsche 963s are untouchable, really running at a fantastic pace. You uh, inadvertently mentioned the other four-letter word beginning with R there, rain. Um, Shay, during her stint, suggested there were sprinkles in the air, but I said if if we can get you between hours 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, then it's less likely that the weather will start to interfere. Let's get to Joe Bradley, who can bring us a crowd strike pit report. Any sign of yeah. that rainfall, a shower maybe, Joe? Uh, well, I am in the weather, aren't I, guys? Um, what you didn't see, what you guys didn't see, and that was purely because um, it was big black rain clouds behind the main grandstand, which was out of your sight. And they were basically, the, the, the sky was black, and we all thought, oh, here we go. Little bit of precipitation when you just kind of feel a bit of light rain on your face. It didn't transpire, though, and the black clouds just disappeared. And they didn't come across the grandstand and come into your view. So a bit odd, but they do say that if you don't like the weather in Florida, wait five minutes, and that's pretty much come to bear here. And at the moment, I wouldn't say the sky is blue. The sky is uh, reminds me of a wet Sunday in Snetterton without the rain, though, quite yet. So it's still dry. There's still no sort of rain in the air like it was at 9 a.m. this morning when I walked in. It very much was. But uh, whether or not it's gonna, it is going to rain, um, it's still very, very threatening. And as I say that, the sky behind you now has gone from a light grey to a little bit darker grey. So, yeah, it's still a possibility, I would say. Yeah. Well, the threat's coming from the cloud cover, definitely. There's been an awful lot of cloud in recent hours above the speedway. Um, the wind's going to pick up, I'm hearing, though, as well. So the wind's increasing for the rest of the race, which is probably helpful in terms of taking away any of that nasty weather as now there's a spin for the second place GT Daytona car, the 0-2-3. Triassi hammers the right boot foot and actually rejoins very swiftly indeed. But that on the infield at the International Horseshoe and on the on off-road, Triassi was just ahead of Aaron Tielitz when that happened. What was the gap back to the Vassar Sullivan Lexus? It's about a minute and 50 seconds, in fact. So he may well have hung on to second place. 
Well, no, in fact, he's got uh, the fourth place car right on his set. It was a very quick rejoin. He could have sat there easily for 30, 40 seconds waiting for a gap in the traffic. Did he jump? Was he pushed? Well, he had the Dragon Speed Orica going oh. around the outside. Was he pushed? We can answer affirmative he was. Paul Miller racing the BMW. Don't forget, fighting in second place in GTD Pro. Tapped him up the rear. Round he went. I think, quite frankly, that uh, Onofrio Triazzi was so busy looking at the Dragon Speed Orica on the outside, thinking, oh, hold on, that might not work. Round he went. Ended up facing 180 degrees from Norm, but managed to rejoin just ahead of Mike Skeen in the court-off Preston yeah. uh, Motorsport Mercedes. So they are now third and fourth rather than the Ferrari being in second place. Meanwhile, as they say, at the front of that class, 13.6 seconds is the advantage that Indy Doncia had over Triassi at the start of that. Obviously, it's going to be even more than that over Aaron Tellitz uh, when they get to the end of this next tour. Yeah, and, and on the uh, chance to witness that again, I noticed Aaron Tellitz sneaking through in the day glow yellow and black uh, and the sole surviving Vassar Sullivan. Lexus, so that car able to get up to second position, which is now confirmed on our timing screens. So Triassi lost about 10 seconds on that lap. It was a 1.56 by the time he'd come round to the strike in the trioval. The next question is, what will be the decision from race control regarding Neil Verhagen's breaking point there in the Paul Miller Racing BMW? Because it was the the kidney grill of the BMW firmly into the rear of Triassi's Ferrari and uh, couldn't really have done a lot about that. Now, what Neil Verhagen will say is, well, he braked far too early than I was expecting. Um, the question is, would Verhagen have made the international horseshoe, made the corner had the contact not been made? I think the fact that Triassi was trying to leave space for the Orica to go around the outside the Dragon Speed car meant he was slightly tighter on the corner. Looking at the front left-hand corner of the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW, there is a little bit of broken bodywork there. Don't forget the back opposite rear corner it also went missing somewhat while ago. Hopefully it's nothing too big, but we all know when the cars are going high on the banking, all that aero loading, the bodywork that has damaged can certainly become fractured and uh, become worse than it was before. It's under review, that incident involving cars one and zero, two, three. Hardly surprising that, but an amazing spin and continue, really. I think the rejoin was perfectly safe, but it was the speed that Onofrio reacted to that. And suddenly thought, OK, well, I've had contact, I'm off on the grass, locate first gear and try and get back in the race as quickly as possible. Yes, it cost him about nine seconds, but it could have been a heck of a lot worse than that. Christian Rasmussen, meanwhile, switching classes to LMP2, is now the fastest car in the secondary prototype class. He leads LMP2 in Era Motorsports number 18 car and has just done a 139.678, nearly 11 seconds up the road from a tighter battle that involves Tom Dillman and Philippe Massa as now the number 10 Acura briefly leaving the road. This is not troubling the top eight in GTP because Acura have been, well, certainly for this side of the garage, struggling with their number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti car and it's Marcus Ericsson returning to the racetrack in fact uh, after a pit stop which was a scheduled one but he came in was there for about a, a minute and 
10 seconds or so, and he's now back out onto the track. Right, the scrap at the moment is for second place overall. It's still the Cadillac number 31 from Wheeling Engineering holding that position with uh, Jack Aitken at the wheel, but Kevin Estra, you know, some drivers just, it's writ large and everything they do in the car, they are extra hungry, and Kevin is one of those drivers, always has been ultimate attacker, and he's right on the tail now. He's a, a third of a second, a quarter of a second down on the, on the um, Cadillac going around uh, some GTD runners on the banking, lost a little bit of ground there, but he, every time he falls back, uh, Kevin Estra closes in again on Jack Aitken. The Porsches are looking really sweet, and the race leading Porsche of the sister car from Porsche Men Penske Motorsport, Philippe Nazar, is uh, 5.6 seconds clear. It'll be even more than that, I would suggest, because the traffic wasn't too kind to Aitken and Estra. And not too far behind Colton Herter, he's just about another second and a half away in fourth place overall. It's tight at the front, not for the race leader, but the battle for second place is where the action is. James Allen in from seventh position in LMP2 for a stop and quite possibly a driver change, as now the wins backed number two of Ben Hanley has a real tussle on his hands zigzagging their way through. This is going to be some lappery from the crowd strike uh, racing by APR car of Malta Jakobsen. So Jakobsen is working lap 636, whereas the number two car of Ben Hanley is a couple of laps behind that. But he's not going to make it easy, Ben Hanley, for the Dane behind to skip through. Weirdly on the screen, they're actually together in fifth and sixth positions, but the other way around. So this is the, the fifth-placed LMP2 car lo looking to put another lap on the sixth-place car for United Autosports USA. Yeah, well covered. Again, any shots in the sky is still remaining very grey. Hopefully any vestige of rain is going away, but especially for teams like Tower Motorsports, because they've got a pit stop coming up, so they don't want any rain within the following lap. But uh, all looking cool, calm and collected for them. Town Motorsports have had a really, really good run in this Daytona 24 hours. Into pit road will appear Felipe Massa in the number 74 Riley. Tower Motorsports pitting right on cue as well. As Bruce mentioned, the team ready to jump over the wall there to tend to the latest pit stop. There was a, a driver change in the number 81. So James Allen out and Kiffin Simpson in to the Dragon Speed Orica, which runs seventh. This is going to be one for Joe. This is the one to, for Joe to keep an eye on for LMP2. So let's get to a crowd strike pit report right now. Yeah, so the number eight Tower Motorsports car is going to have a driver change. It's Scott McLaughlin who's going to take. Oh, I think it was uh, Ferdy, wasn't it? Ferdy Alsberg who uh, was driving that car. He's now handing that to Scott McLaughlin. Uh, Philippe Massa, on the other hand, they can't get him out of the car. Uh, he's staying in. I'm not saying they can't get him out. He doesn't want to get out. He's being told to stay in. Oh, almost went a bit prematurely. He's snagging on the clutch there. And that was Massa on the limiter there with the fuel is still engaged. And there goes IndyCar driver Scott McLaughlin to chase after the former Formula One Ferrari driver. So quite a star-studded field, isn't it, we have here. And that's the LMP2 pure racing battle resuming out on track. We had a decision regarding the collision between the two GT cars on the infield and it's a warning penalty for car number one. So Neil Verhagen just getting a slap on the wrist but he won't need to visit the pit lane because of that. So just a slight misjudgment for Neil Verhagen. Maybe some early braking from Onofrio Triasi 
as you say, an avoidance of an LMP2 car that was on the high side into the international horseshoe. Uh, but uh, the number one car will not be delayed because of that. And the number one, remember, needs to stay as close as possible to James Gallardo's Risi Competizione Ferrari. Let's head to Joe again. Yeah, we've uh, got a flurry of LMP2 pit stops, and this time it's the leading number 18, the era motorsport car of Christian Rasmussen, the Indy Next champion at the wheel of the car and stays at the wheel of the car. I didn't see a driver change there. I'm pretty sure I didn't miss that. Fielding going in. So all pretty standard pit stops what we see. Now everybody doing these pit stops as quickly as possible. Because time can be gained if not lost. That's the philosophy, isn't it? Totally, yeah, you're going to lose way more than you, you stand to gain if you start to take risks during a pit stop, particularly this close to the end of the race. Feels a bit strange saying that when we've got well over three hours still to go, but uh, with every tick of the seconds on the clock, uh, there's less time of the race to try and recover any sort of incident that you may be having, so, ha having, so you uh, just need to hit your markers. A reminder then that the incident responsibility assessed to car one, assessed to Neil Verhagen, but they just get a warning at Paul Miller Racing with the BMW M4 after that nose-to-tail contact to the rear of Onofrio Triati's Ferrari. It is RS2 IMSA Radio with the 62nd edition of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. We're live on the track here at 107.9 FM and WDIS Sirius XM Channel 207. It's Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones keeping you well up to date with uh, what's going out on the track and any incidents and stories breaking out in pit lane or indeed behind the wall. Joe Bradley uh, keeping us in tune with the crowd strike pit and paddock reports. Jay Adams going to also uh, make sure that she is covering the other end of the pit lane. So it's going to be a two-pronged crowd strike attack for the pit reports. And let's get a quick one now from Joe Bradley. In fact, what else have you seen? Yeah, we've, uh, another LMP2 pit stop for you again. Another uh, very sort of regimented, if you like, tyres have gone on. In fact, oh, no, as I say that, the fuel, I was left with just the fueler. And now we're bringing out uh, a couple of planks of wood, one at the front, one at the back, and then some air pads to lift the car. Ah, this is the jack, so the, the, the air jacks in the car don't appear to be working. And I've not, I haven't noticed this, I don't know if Shea has, but uh, the, the car is being lifted to allow them to change tyres on air pads. It's kind of, a, kind of a jack, but manual, not air jacks within the car. So I'm not sure if that's an issue. I'll check with the team. Because it, it, you know what? It's not, all right, it's, it's effective insofar as you can get the wheels and tyres changed, but it's certainly not as clean cut as an air jack just being plugged in and the car going down. And then when they release the air jack, it's kind of like an, a, a, an air-filled pad and you've got to kind of push the air out, physically push the air out, and then pull the plank out. Ah, oh, this is messy. This is messy for the 99. That's going to cost them time every time. Let's stay in the pits with another crowd strike report, this time from Shea. Down at the other end of the pit lane, the 40 WTR Andretti car is in the Acura getting full service. A windshield clean, not a tear-off. No driver change, but four new Michelin tires just waiting on the fuel. Yeah, but that uh, 99 issue that uh, Joe was describing for Paul Luke Chatin's car 
the 80 racing machine is now back into the race but if they're going to have to keep doing that uh, far from ideal to get a good result again how strange things can quickly turn because the AO racing car was regularly at the front of about four or five cars that were taking turns to lead the race but it's now dropped down to eighth position and at least five laps off the lead pace uh, which is Christian Rasmussen right now for ERA Motorsport, but not very far away. Malta Jakobsen for CrowdStrike Racing into Europol by PR1 Matheson and Tom Dillman. Riley's Felipe Massa and Scotty McLaughlin, who's just taken over, as Joe described, the Tower Motorsports Orica. Here's Colton Herter. Actually, that 40 car's just completed its stop. Kevin Estra will come down pit lane, the number six, and Joe Bradley's got something to pick on that he mentioned a moment or two ago, and then we'll get to Shay for the latest on the six, Porsche. Joe first. Yeah, team manager from Eel Racing, Gunnar Jeanette, confirms they've lost the air jacks, lost them about two and a half hours ago. He smiled. It's, he's been around this sport enough to not let that stress him out too much, but he does realise, and yeah, they are going to lose time with every pit stop, with every tyre change, because it's just not as clean and crisp as an air jack. Kevin Estra's got a new nose. Well, sorry, not to panic Caroline there. Uh, not he, but Porsche has a new nose going on it. And they've taken this opportunity to do fuel and tires for the number six Porsche. No driver change. Also into the pit lane is the number 85, JDC Miller Motorsports Porsche. I came down here for a chat with Richard Westbrook. He's decided not to talk to me just quite yet. He's staying aboard for another stint with four new Michelin tires. Clean of the windscreen and waiting on the fuel. Also in the JDC Mustang sampling car, just a couple boxes up. That's the number five. It looks like they did do some service inside the cockpit, but I did not see a driver change for that car either. It also was fuel and tires. And wow, both of the privateer Porsches getting away at the same time. That was beautiful synchronicity, but already gone is the Penske car. And off towards the end of pit road. Onofrio Triasi is in in the Competizione for in the uh, Triasi Competizione Ferrari 296, which had that uh, spin, well, contact and spin into the International Horseshoe. But this is now a scheduled stop as we head back to Joe in the pits for this interview. So it's uh, Ferdy Habsburg. Oh, hang on a moment. The third place Porsche has just gone off the third track. Place Porsche six. is off the road. Yeah. So this is uh, was this the outlap for Kevin Estra? It was, and the number six car hits the brakes, but there's absolutely no grip as it turned in and nosed into the barrier, and all of a sudden Penske Motorsports 963 challenge to back up the race leader, which is now in the pits. Car seven is under huge jeopardy because as Kevin now stalled the car. Well, he's found reverse. That was the big problem, was finding the reverse gear with a hot gearbox. They are often so resistant to going into reverse. Now he needs to work his way through the gearbox to the forward momentum, and that is proving very, very difficult indeed. So I'll keep an eye on this six Porsche that is just not moving at all. A shake and bring us this about the sister car, which might be the only gun in the barrel now for Penske Motorsport, Shay fuel and tires and most importantly it beat out the 31 which has Jack Aitken aboard those two cars are very nearly nose to tail I'm watching Tawny in the flag stand to see if she's reaching down for the double yellows and she did just reach down for something but the pits are still open we are still green so for the time being race control giving everyone the opportunity to dive into the lane 
Yeah, and that is because, as you were chatting, Kevin Estra was able to start moving again in the white pinstripe Porsche 963. But having rejoined in third position, Colton Herta has already got by that Porsche. Alessio Picariello will have been too far back. No, he wasn't, so he's got ahead of Kevin Estra. Timon von der Helm also up a place to fifth now for the JDC Miller Motorsports car. So Penske have lost out not only to Acura, but to the two customer 963s for Proton and JDC Miller. A horrible exit back out to the racetrack for Kevin Estra and most uncharacteristic of a very talented driver, Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. So he'd still be on the lead lap, I think, but only just, bear in mind, he was uh, duking it out with Jack Aitken to try and take second place so Porsche's works cars could run first and second. Didn't see why he ended up going off. There'd just been the pit stop, turn three, but it was just agony waiting for him to find some some form of motive movement there but he has got it done but uh, it's just a race every time the number six gets back in the mix bear in mind he was about this car was about 45 seconds down 50 seconds down on the sister car full course yellow brought them back into the pack and the desperation to get the move done to move into second place move past jack aitkin led to him bouncing across the grass not so long ago uh, going through the kink at turn four but this time it was seemed to be all on its own unless some video footage is produced otherwise well kevin's doing his absolute best to try and warm up those front tires by flicking the steering wheel to the left violently he then rejoined and yeah back onto through the kink on the exit of pit road then stuck, just hits the brakes where he would normally have done so and just skates right off and in onto the grass. I think he was just clear of the tyre wall, but the car's moving around all over the place on these ice-cold tyres. It was a lock-up from the left and then on the front right as well, and he's desperately pumping the brake to make sure that it doesn't fully lock up, but just couldn't arrest the speed in time. No, he couldn't. As he was trying to turn in the corner, he had the number 70 Inception Racing McLaren up the inside. Whether that just put him off and he just went off past his braking point, but the car is going again, the number six Porsche. But instead of being in third place, challenging for second, he's down in sixth place. He's got 662 laps on the board. His uh, race leader, 663. That's Matt Campbell. So really, what we're we looking at, three hours, 40 minutes remaining in this 24-hour uh, race, 24 hours of Daytona. And it's uh, looking as though, well, hold on, there is still time for the pendulum to go the other way. Still a time for a full course yellow to lead the pack being closed right up. But I just want to check he hasn't fallen more than one lap down the race uh, leader. No, he hasn't. Just sweeping through to complete another lap lap around. That'll be 6.63 laps on the board for his car as well. Yeah, the gap then from Matty Campbell now back to Estra, first to sixth, is a minute and 14 seconds. A lap time around here. A real one, if you're pushing on, is a minute and 35. At the moment, they're doing 137s, 138s, and Jack Aitken a touch slower than that first time around because that was his outlap and he was allowing the Michelin tyres to get back up the temperature. But you, you think about the number of times that Estra will have gone into the International Horseshoe on cold tyres, and he'll be thinking, well, I know where to break. You know, I've, I've attempted to warm up the tyres as much as I can Go, uh, abiding by the uh, pit road speed limit and he was he was violently flicking the wheel to the left and to the right before he got back on the way to make sure that front tire temp was vaguely up there i mean you know it's not going to be until you've done probably two thirds or maybe a full lap around here but these world-class drivers can generally adapt to it 
whether he caught a bit of grease on the track or I don't know something maybe some semi bit of coolant that would end up on the offline there tricky to say and maybe he might not even know what caused that problem but then you've got to have you know peace of mind a collection of, of thoughts to just say let's not concentrate too much on the time of hemorrhaging here and try and uh, get the car back into the race as quickly as possible there was definitely an issue though locating reverse gear and then coaxing the gearbox back into first to pull away from the grass hideous i think yours is a very good point and I, I think you're probably pretty much spot on in terms of a bit of liquid on the circuit something slippery because that you know the car just didn't want to turn in at all at that point he uh, he ended up just but we wondered if he got close to the tire wall uh, yes about a foot was the distance yeah. between the nose of the car uh, but luckily he did get it going but uh, it really you know it could close up with another full course yellow if we're going to have one the weather looks so it's going to hold still the blue sky we saw earlier this morning uh, you can see little slivers of it but it's largely a gray day but importantly the sky is no longer charcoal gray behind the main grandstand so hopefully whatever rain was possibly coming through has moved on past and we will have dry running to the end fingers crossed on that but for kevin estra all that experience all the success he's had this that would be a moment that he will not want to remember at all let's hope from his point of view it's not one that denies them a podium finish but he's down in sixth place all six cars on the front stint of course are in gtp on the lead lap but he's right at the tail of the lap 20 seconds if he lost 20 seconds more he'd go a lap down which we know is the ultimate thing you do not want to do because a full course yellow would no longer bring you back into the mix if that was the case it's that time again for a round of gtd pit stops the race leader windward racing mercedes into pit road shea adam so what service are they doing on the 57 uh, that's Joe's and I'm actually at the Lexus and the second place car and it is fuel and sticker tires for Aaron Tielitz staying aboard for another stint. Okay, so Tielitz pitting from second after the contact to the 0-2-3 of, well, now Ricardo Agostini's car. It was Onofrio Triasi though at the time and the 0-2-3 having to come fighting back again. Indy Doncha's pit stop seems to be going a plan so far though, pitting after 616 laps. And if Joe's in the vicinity of the 57 crew, we should be able to get another CrowdStrike pit paddock report either during the pit stop or maybe quickly afterwards. There's been a driver change in fact there as Doncha hands over to Phil Ellis. So if uh, Indy is in conversational mood, it might not be a bad idea to catch up with him after uh, at least a couple of stints where he was really charging hard, especially that fabulous fight with Onofrio Triasi. Also, GTD Pro leader comes into pit lane, so Neil Verhagen staying out in the Paul Miller Racing BMW. He moves from second to first, but James Collado is in, Shea Adam. And he's saying it, so I'm going to grab him for a chat in just a few moments' time. A bit of a sticky gun, once again, on that right rear of the racing competition Ferrari. This was the brake change that they had issue with, was on that tire. But they managed to get all four tires changed. No harm, no foul, because the car is still up on the air jacks, waiting on the refueling to finish. Still up on the air jacks. There we go. Now it drops down. The fuel nozzle is still attached. And we wait for the sideboard to go. That's APG who's taken over, Alessandro Pierguidi. So back into the office he climbs and it's a very familiar space indeed in uh, a now a year old car, the Ferrari 296. It took a 
a wonderful victory last year in GT3 format at the Nürburgring 24 hours around the great Nordschleife uh, circuit there in in uh, the west of Germany and nobody quite saw that coming because that's traditionally been a, a race dominated by the four big German manufacturers and the 296 looking to try and get victory in GTD Pro here at Daytona in 2024 which again would be a, a superb result for a car early in its GT3 run. Yeah, it was a bit of a fairy tale run that, that period of June because that was the first win for Ferrari in its sort of foot return uh, to sports cars. And then a far bigger win came in a 24 hour race just within the fortnight. And it was the Le Mans 24 hours, of course, which was the full official works return. But for the Frickadelli racing team, Klaus Abelin almost beside himself at the end of the race uh, where they took that victory in the Lubbergring 24 hours. But uh, it's very, very busy in the pit lane and uh, Joe Bradley has caught up with a driver who had probably the best last hour in this race. His name is Indy Doncha. He's just out of the Winwood Racing Mercedes, car number 57. Yeah, Winwood Racing, uh, a very busy uh, place to be at the moment. Indy Doncha, though, as uh, you're smiling, Indy. That was a cracking stint. You enjoyed that? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's tough racing out here, and uh, we're fighting the Ferrari hard. And, uh, it was really uh, difficult to pass him. Uh, I, I think it took me six, seven laps where to catch him, and uh, finally it it, uh, it 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 happened. And uh, yeah, really happy with that. I, I think from where we were watching from, it looked like you saw the traffic coming to you, and you were thinking all the time. Yeah, you have to make use of the traffic everybody has. Uh, sometimes it's uh, not in your uh, in in a negative way. Sometimes in a positive way. And uh, so sometimes you need those things. And have you logged where the Ferrari's strong, where it's weak, where you can where you can do that again? Well, uh, on the straight they are pretty strong, uh, but we are strong on braking. So uh, I think uh, it's a compromise. We are good in the infield, they are good on the on the banking. So let's see. And you enjoyed that, didn't you? Thank you. I wish you could see Smile Boys. He's uh, he's had a good stint. Thanks, Joe, and I must say, I've probably known Indy for about uh, nearly 10 years now. He's normally smiling, makes me laugh quite a lot. He's got that very dry sense of humour. You know, when you listen to the words coming out of the mouth, you think one thing, then you see the expression on the face and you realise he's uh, just trying to put one over you. So we do, we do always like drivers with a, a sense of humour, but clearly a very good right foot as well. But very interesting, your question there, Joe, about the relative performance of the Ferrari versus uh, the... Uh, Mercedes, the Mercedes a better known uh, car in GT3 simply because the Mercedes AMG has been around a few years more but the 296 Ferrari it does look very sleek standing still but that acceleration it has out of corners it's very very good in a straight line so that's something that uh, he will have to consider when he gets back in the car at some stage between now and the end of the race we've got just over three and a half hours remaining in this the 60 second running of the 24 hours the Rolex 24 at Daytona International Speedway up front it's still the number seven Porsche leading the way. Only by four seconds, though, from Jack Aitken in the 31 uh, Cadillac. And he's got Brian, he's got uh, Colton Herter in behind. Of course, you might have automatically thought, where's the number six? If you've gone away for 15 minutes, you'll wonder why the number six Porsche isn't in third place, challenging for second. But an off-track uh, moment onto the grass at turn five is why that has fallen to the back of the pack. Back to sixth place overall in GTP, the last car on the lead lap. In LMP2, though, it's the, the world of Oricas, and it's Christian Rasmussen leading the way, the number 18 
entry. It's been going very well in this, uh, these later stages of the race for Era Motorsport and uh, the young Dane Christian Rasmussen is doing precisely the job that's required of him and he's starting to stretch clear. 14 and a half seconds clear of Malter Jakobsen, so it's Dane and Dane. And then Tom Dillman third in the class uh, in car number 52 that's been running very well for Inter Europol run by PR1 Matthiasen. But uh, right now it's all about the era motorsport car in P2. And in fact, in P2, if you've got a lead of more than four seconds, you're doing very, very well. The lead at the moment for him is sitting on uh, about 14 seconds, 14 and a half seconds over Jakobsen. Pato Award now driving the number two United Autosports USA car that he's taken over from Ben Hanley in the Wins livery. Rasmussen, you've just said charging hard, he's just done the fastest lap in LMP2 to date. So 139.5 is the fastest that anyone has pedalled an LMP2 car in nearly 21 hours of action. And Philip Ellis in the 57 has not long been installed there in the... Uh, GTD class leading Mercedes, but he's just done that car's best lap of the race so far as well for Windward Racing. So nice new set of tyres putting being put to good use. It's still Matty Campbell leading after 670 laps in GTP and overall by four and a bit seconds over Jack Aitken as we get this crowd strike pit report from Joe. Yeah, Ben Anley has just handed over the number two United Autosports Horica to his teammate, current IndyCar superstar, Paro Award. I'm, I'm filling time here, guys, because I'm standing with Ben and now he's gone into conversation. He's just had a chat with Richard Dean. Now he's having a chat with his engineer, Gary Romcho. I'm not going to be rude and stick the mic under there, even though I know Gary very well. But uh, I'm going to ask the question, what, is, uh, what everybody's thinking about this number two, and that is basically, uh, I can see he's describing handling characteristics now to Gary. Uh, very little we can do with the entire pressure regarding that at this stage. But uh, it's going to be all about getting this number two back on the lead lap, isn't it? And that's going to be Robert Shaw on the pit wall using all that tactical use that we've seen the Le Mans class winning engineer do. Let's uh, see if we can eavesdrop and get a bit of insight. Of, uh, what they what they what they're planning there's lots of gesticulation there i can't really read it it's kind of money gesticulation i think ben might be thinking is he uh, can i have a pair eyes and we'll, uh, we'll we'll do the job but yeah it's uh it's gonna be uh, were you asking gary for more money there were you because you're doing that yeah uh yeah we just you know we just had a little bit more of an unpredictable car compared to what we've had in the build-up to the race, so we're just trying to understand why that is, really. Do you think that's down to the? Uh, do you think that's down to the, the, the temperatures? Completely different. It's like a different month, not a load of different day. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this should suit us more. Um, we kind of We thought we might struggle to start the race in the heat, and we'd come alive towards the end. But we seem to be stuck. We had a, we had a brake issue for quite a long time, so everything was super hot on the back there. So I don't know whether that's done some damage to something. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're hanging in there. Three and a half hours left. There can always be yellows, you know. Well, I was going to I ask you from last year, so I know that more than anyone. Exactly. Three, three, Thirty. Minutes. We've got to be in a position to be able to use that yellow, you know. Um, what I was going to ask you when I walked in here is: there anything that you guys can do to get yourselves back on that lead lap? Uh, well, I mean, 
we did a pretty good job getting in front of the, the CrowdStrike car, you know. Uh, that was for the get back on the lead lap, but then Rasmussen just seems to be that touch quicker than everyone else, so he's now jumped us, so that puts us now back behind the leader overall. So we got in a good position and then we've just lost it. There's still three and a half hours. I mean, I'm considering how, how clean all the testing was, I'm surprised at how messy the race has been, you know? You know, the conditions have been pretty good, but there's been a lot of mistakes, so we've managed to keep clean. Just a little issue with the with the temperatures on the back there that that might have cost us some performance. We don't know, we'll have to analyse after the race, but it's not bad. We just expect it to be a bit stronger, especially with the temperatures, how they are today. Always intriguing for us though, Ben, we love it. Let's head down to Shea Adam, who's got the GTD Pro, I believe, came in from the lead, James Gallardo. Yeah, James, if this is how hard you work when they're telling you to save a little bit and you get out of the car completely drenched in sweat, I don't know what it would look like when you're told to push. How much were you giving out there? What do you mean? I was I was, I was pushing as hard as I could. Uh, no, I, I think the pace is, is, is very good. Uh, the car is very well balanced. Uh, and I think the team have done a great job in uh, preparing for the end of a race car, which is, which is good to know. But as we know, uh, we've had our ups and downs. At one point, we were completely in flames. Uh, during the pit stop. Uh, luckily all the guys were okay with uh, some minor issues so uh, yeah I mean anything can happen of course uh, but yeah we'll, we'll see I mean uh, I'm happy with what the guys have done so far. Uh, nice to be back in a GT, uh, definitely lower heart rate in a GT car and uh, yeah let's see what happens at the end but uh, whatever happens uh, happens uh, I'm proud. How much easier is the 296 to drive than the 488 was because they were completely different categories of cars? Yeah, I mean, they're very different. In all the years at Ferrari, 10 now, uh, I've gone through a lot of cars. The 458 and the 488 were very similar. This is a lot different. It was more designed for quick repair. Uh, the quality of the car is, is a lot better. Not necessarily quicker, uh, but it's, uh, it's an amazing car and uh, I think it's yet to show its full potential. Um, we're working hard to, to try and improve it and uh, to get some more race wins because it, it deserves it. You finished second here before. You know how awful it is to watch the watches being passed to someone else. How hard are you going to push in that final stint to get Ferrari their third major 24-hour victory in a calendar year? Yeah, I've had a lot of podiums here. Never, never the win, I mean, uh, but that's just the way it is. I mean, what can you do? Uh, it could be the same today. Whatever happens, I'm not really bothered. I'm just happy to be here and uh, enjoying driving the race car. Glad to hear it. Welcome back. Yeah, interesting. Um, interesting comments there about you know being more relaxed in a GT car. Obviously, in a prototype, you've got an awful lot of science on your side, pushing the car down on the road. So I would have thought hustling a GT car, particularly around this place, would have been a a real bodily experience, but he's finding it more relaxing, James. But I suppose it's going back to what he's been used to for the, the majority of the decade he's been with Ferrari. Yeah, entirely so, but you do automatically think if you're in uh, you know, the GTD class against prototypes, you're going to be looking in your mirrors as well as uh, looking forwards when you're trying to attack, whereas if you're a GTP runner, you just got to look at what's on the track ahead of you because you're not going to be overtaken by another faster class of cars. But uh, I think it's possibly they just feel like a comfortable pair of shoes for James. He's raced them for so long. Not, not just race them, race them at the very, very top level. I mean, the success he's had, notably alongside Alessandro Pierguidi, it's, it's legend how many things they've gone through to win. But you know what? It's also driver mind management, isn't it? Tell yourself you're not too fast, you'll take what comes. But you saw how hard he was pushing when he was out on the circuit to get ahead of that GTD battle that was just ahead of them on the track. 
he worked it perfectly. And remember, we had that fabulous sight of uh, three cars abreast going round the banking with James high above Onofrio Triazzi and down yeah. at the bottom, Indy Donchi and the Winwood. Uh, Mercedes as well, so he was pushing on, and <laughs> I love the way he sort of rebuffed that he was out there just uh, saving fuel. <laughs> How to insult a driver? They're giving a hundred percent. You go, <laughs> yeah, I was out of the throttle and just you know using the momentum of the car to glide past you cruise, around the outside. Cruise and collect, eh? But the 296 GT3 making its debut at the start of uh, last year, then, and as Shane made the point, Ferrari as a brand have already won the Nürburgring 24 hours and Le Mans, of course, last June with the 499P. So within the same 12-month segment of which we are within until May of this year, this could be the third huge victory for the prancing horse. It's only the 296 GT3 uh, that has some help from Orica, incidentally. Both the 499P prototype, the Le Mans hypercar, and this new GT3 car were designed and engineered by Ferrari. And Orica assembled the 296 GT3 and helped to provide service as well, whereas the 499P, Orica not involved with that at all. A handful of years ago, if you talked about in a calendar year trying to win the Nürburgring, Le Mans and Daytona, well, it wouldn't have happened because I don't think a single driver would have done all three of those races. But such has been the sort of reformatting of sports car racing in this boom time. We now have, with GT3 in particular being so strong, we do have drivers who will be in all three of those races in the calendar year. But uh, before, they might as well have operated, you know, 20 years ago on different planets. So I, I really like the fact that uh, drivers can go single-seater. Drivers often have, like, the, the holy trinity of what they try to win. And famously, of course, that, that uh, it was always an estimation. Was it winning the Monaco Grand Prix, the more 24 hours in the Indy 500 that was the uh, the hat trick, the golden, the triple crown? The triple crown. Right? Of yeah. course, other people interpreted it a different way. No, you've got to win the Formula One World Championship. But in terms of GT3 racing, if you win all those three, I think we can perfectly easily and rightly call that a triple crown. If you're in any doubt as to who is the star driver right now in GTD Pro, well, Sheldon van der Linde has just thrown down not one but two absolute best laps within that category. He did a 145.796 on lap 625. He's just crossed the line again and gone even quicker, down to a 45.771. The South African, again, in the BMW M4, is absolutely flying because he's got nine and a half seconds to try and find on Alessandro Pierguini's Ferrari. I think, frankly, he just gets very bored very easily, so he needs a focus. But uh, joking aside, interesting to see that number one Paul Miller racing BMW can lap as fast as it can. We had the, mm -hmm. for a little bit of damage at the front, the contact down at uh, turn three that pitched Onofrio Triassi into a spin. That was a warning for the crew, don't do that again. But also the rear bodywork on the opposite flank of the car was uh, a little bit battered as well, but much earlier in the race, so not quite as aerodynamically. Ah, now the damage, I never really got to the foot. I'm just hearing uh, Shea Adam from down in the pit lane saying the number one car was hit up the rear by the number 23 when they were coming to the pits overnight, which was the Aston Martin, heart of racing team car running into GTD Pro, so <laughs> friends and enemies, hey? Not sure whether Alex Riberas was uh, at the wheel of the car at the time, but he is now in that heart of racing uh, Aston Martin Vantage. It was Mario at the time, I'm hearing, in car 23, Mario Farnbacher. That's right, yeah. And to the outside line, the Proton Competition Mustang sampling car of Alessio Picariello. 
his first major experience of uh, a prototype at this level. Cariello coming onto my radar, although he was on yours well before that from his experience in Asia, although from Belgium originally, and then followed for the next probably three or four years, establishing his name within GT3 running in Europe and also GTE competition with at least one title in the European Le Mans series in the last handful of years. But 2020, I just happened to be looking oh, at his uh, statistics. So he'd come back from racing in in the Far East. I mean, it's a really strange career. Not many drivers uh, leave Europe after a few years of single-seater racing and then head over to Formula Masters in China. But it kept his career going, did well enough in that and started to make a name. And then when GT racing began to blossom over there, people looking for a co-driver oh he's rather good he knows the circuits but he's done the rest and became very much a friend of Porsche that's why he's moved up to the Porsche prototype program and taken to it very naturally indeed it seems that Proton customer 963 is the second best now of those uh, new cars uh, there are four of them in the race the Penske Motorsport cars were first and third when Kevin Estra had his moment coming out from a scheduled pit stop. Zero grip as he hit the brakes into the International Horseshoe, couldn't stop the car in time. And as the number seven, which leads the race in the hands of Matty Campbell, comes out onto the back straight once again, he looks behind him and it's going to be a long, long time before Dries Van Tor appears, between Kevin Estra appears, I should say, out of that uh, left-hander at Speedway Turn 2. Uh, now down in sixth position, but well clear of Dries Van Tor in the next best GTP car, which is the BMWs. They have had uh, early success in this race, and then it went very, very wrong at roughly the same time, actually, for the 24 and the 25. Within about the same 90 minutes, their race somewhat nosedived. Uh, really did, and just to reiterate, for Kevin Estra, he, he lost the best over a minute with that rotation and this, the inability to get that number six Porsche going all over again. No such problems. Matty Campbell doing a fantastic job in the sister car, number seven, leading by under five seconds. Jack Aitken is remaining there or thereabouts, but with the problem for Herta, who'd been pushing him very hard indeed, with him being removed and dropping down to sixth overall, that was the chance for Colton Herter to move up into third. But since getting there, he's remained roughly five seconds down in the better place of the uh, Waitella racing with Andretti Acuras. It's the AR606. He's nine seconds down on the race leader, but he's got a, a comfortable cushion of the best part of uh, 20 seconds back to Alessio Picariello in that number five Proton competition Porsche. So for now, it's sort of settled down into a little pattern among the GT4 runners, uh, GTP runners. Three and a quarter hours remaining. Lots of battling, but not at the very front of the field. Yeah. They're just uh, keeping their powder dry before the... The real fight begins, if you like, in about an hour and 15 minutes' time. So often I've heard it mentioned that if you're on the lead lap and even just hanging on to the tail end of the lead lap with two hours to go, then there is still a chance of taking victory at this wonderful event. The 6.2-litre V8 that you can just about here in the background, powering Philip Ellis through speedway turns two and three and now onto the back stretch. This is the 57 Windward Racing Mercedes that has an 11-second lead over Vassa Sullivan's Lexus for Aaron Tielitz in car number 12. And then the Triassi Competizione Ferrari of Riccardo Agostini, 0-2-3. Don't get that confused with the 23 Aston Martin, the 0-2-3 car running in third position.
Yeah, just taking a little look at that. And Aaron Tielitz has definitely started to close on Philip Ellis, so the car that's second in GTD is closing in. For Vassar Sullivan, they need to draw something out of this race because the number 14, the sister car, had retired long ago from GTD Pro. And I must say, ahead of this race, that was one of my class favourites of GTD Pro because of the lineup of Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnicote, so much success together stateside last year, Carl Kirkwood and Mike Conway, who can sort of do no wrong in a prototype, but running in the GTD class. I looked at that and thought, you know what we always say, Johnny? Have a well-balanced driver lineup. Yeah. It's far better for you, for the team, for everyone if it's well-balanced rather than having a few stars and a few others. This is GTD Pro, of course, so I expect them all to be stars. But I looked at that and thought, oh, that's got some good ingredients. But alas, for the number uh, 14, it didn't go the distance. Nobody's gone the distance, but it dropped off some time ago. So for Vassar Sullivan, if they can at least get second place or maybe a potential win uh, in GTD, then they will gain some at least some reward for all their efforts in this event in Daytona. Concentrating for a moment on the three-time Supercars champion, Kiwi driver Scotty McLaughlin, who is at the wheel of the number eight Tower Motorsports car. Absolutely loving this event. It was Nick Damon who caught up with Scott earlier in the weekend, and he said this has been on the bucket list for quite some time, and he'd like to keep coming back to this uh, 24 hours of Daytona because the intensity is similar to that that he's experienced in the IndyCar Championship for much of last year and um, Yeah, thoroughly enjoying a kind of early start to his motor racing calendar And there's not a lot really that clashes with this only the, the Dubai 24 hours this year And that's not by design. We should be back to the normal dates for 2025 He's a great addition, the man from Christchurch. No, I, th I think very much so. And really, I, th I think for years, not everyone twigged this, but it's a very good way, certainly in the days before drivers had sims to play on at home, just to keep the eye in. It's one thing going testing, but racing is racing. And, you know, it keeps those competitive juices being rewarded. You put the effort in and uh, it may or may not work, but it also gives you, you know, we always talk about the highs and lows of motor racing, and unfortunately you normally have to suffer uh, this both of those uh, through the course of a year but I just think it just keeps a driver sharp over the winter, gives them something to focus on as they're, they're going through the closed season and an early start is definitely what they want they're racing drivers, Yeah, they want to be on a track So the tower car is running in third ahead of the Riley of Felipe Massa car number 74 and then Malta Jakobsen in the CrowdStrike racing by APR car great chat that Joe had with Stuart Cox in the nighttime hours. Stuart was quite surprised at the, the pace within LMP2. Um, well known teams that are in that solid block from first to eighth and ninth to 16th overall, really pushing on from the early stages. And uh, there has been no let up in the LMP2 scrap. All the more impressive to think how good that pace has been there's still only 20 odd seconds separa separating Hero Motorsport and now into Europol with the Tower Motorsports car though finding time here and there on Tom Dillman uh, McLaughlin's experience behind the wheel of a prototype is uh, is you know relatively slim on the ground but obviously with all of his now more recent single seater experience after a number of seasons of the IndyCar Championship and then you move from downforce car single-seater to downforce car double-seater, if you like, twin-seater prototype, then there's some comparable skills there, no doubt.
Yeah, no, certainly that is the case. Right, let's take a look at what's happening at the front of the race. Can I get people excited by saying that uh, the gap is coming down, but uh, Matt Campbell is still sitting on a lead of 4.2 seconds. That's a bit of a struggle to really... But it was a much better lap that time around for Jack Aitken. Again, traffic has no doubt come into play because certainly Matt Campbell is looking very comfortable leading this race for Porsche Penske Motorsport. Sitting on, yeah, four seconds is sort of fine, but uh, as we've seen, you have a few laps consecutively with... Uh, with traffic, then things can slow down. Now, a driver's just come into the pits. You were just talking about him, Johnny, is Scott McLaughlin. Yeah, uh, so that's the end of a pretty standard stint for Tower Motorsports. Also in is the Riley. We'll get to that in a mo, but it's 10.30 in the morning. It's time for a VP in-race update. Matt Campbell leads in the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 by just under five seconds. This is lap 683 we're working. Jack Aitken for Cadillac and the Wayland team. The V-Series are running in second, number 31, third position. It's the 40, Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti Acura, ARX 06. Colton Herter remaining at the wheel there. Set for quite a bit of change in LMP2. As mentioned, the third and fourth place cars have just reached the end of their fuel stint. So they're now in. Scott McLaughlin for Tower and Philippe Massa for Riley but it's still Christian Rasmussen who's really been setting the pace, holds on to the fastest lap within the category of 139.5. So Era Motorsport lead, car 18, into Europol competition, and Tom Dillman in second, number 52, and Scott McLaughlin was third, but is now in pit lane. GTD Pro, Alessandro Pierguidi leads in the Risi Competizione, Ferrari number 62, ahead of a rampant Sheldon van der Linde and the Paul Miller Racing BMW M4 car one. And third is now Lauren Heinrich in the AO Racing Porsche number 77. GTD, without the pro suffix, is being led by the 57 Phil Ellis-driven Wilmward Racing Mercedes from the Lexus Vassa Sullivan Aaron Tielitz, uh, control number 12 and the 32 caught off Preston Motorsport Mercedes of currently Mike Skeen. That's our VP in-race update at 10.32 in the morning. And Joe was watching, well, those two LMP2 stops that we mentioned. And what about Christian Rasmussen? Is he your end for ERA Motorsport? Yeah. Yeah, he's in now, Johnny. Uh, whilst the Rasmussen car, the ERA, the ERA number 18 is being refuelled, Right, so we had the number eight in ahead of the 74. Now, remember the previous pit stop, McLaughlin chased down Massa off the pit apron. They came in for this pit stop in that reversed order, McLaughlin ahead of Massa, and they left the pits uh, in exactly the same fashion. Brand new unscrubbed rubber went on both the number eight tower car and the number 74. So the team's maintaining a good uh, collection of uh, saved rubber to take the, uh, these cars to the end. And the ERA era car uh, just left pit apron as well. Drivers stayed on board in that one as well. So we are seeing the countdown to the chequered flag beginning to sort of show its head. Now, one thing, thank you very much, Joe. One thing we'd like you to look out for as uh, part of the CrowdStrike pit lane reporting crew is next time the Paul Miller Racing BMW that Sheldon Linder is hurling around the track, running second in GTD Pro in that uh, BMW. There's long been damage to the right rear corner, but the bodywork is seemingly becoming ever more tattered and loose. So that may need a fair bit of attention. He's just 10 seconds down on class leader Alessandro Piaghini's Rizzi Competizione Ferrari, but I, I think uh, it might be a very good idea to get down and see it with your very own eyes. Well, the issue at the moment is that 
the BMW should be able to do about another 15-odd laps. Let's just check whether the stint that it did earlier on, which was 33, incorporated any caution. There were two caution laps in a stint that went from lap 588 to lap 620. So let's round that up to maybe a 30-lap stint. Even that might be a bit of a stretch under full green conditions. But Sheldon's only done 14 is a point. So maybe another 14 laps before it will need fuel. The team, of course, will be rather concerned about the bodywork and whether it's going to chew itself up before we get to the 27, 28, maybe 29 lap marker by the time which the BMW will need a bit more energy, although we're not really using that parlance within the GT ranks. It's just basic fuel still for those cars. Uh, but this... Uh, Less so than Sebring, but Daytona is known as a, certainly a car breaker regarding the engine and transmission because they're having to work so, so hard on the really fast sections of this circuit. But the infield's certainly not too kind to a car that is uh, suffering from flapping bodywork. Notice Tom Dillman's just come in in the number 52 car. There's been a driver change at inter-Europol competition. And Joe Bradley keeping a watchful eye on that and other things in the pit lane. Let's get another CrowdStrike pit report from him. Yeah, the EO Racing 99, the car has come in. We've had a change of driver, John, uh, Paul Luke Chatter has jumped from the car. The tyres have stayed on the car. Now, this is not a tactical, uh, sort of, any sort of tactical reason the tyres have stayed on the car and having to double stint them. I think that's been led by the fact that this car hasn't got any air jacks and changing tyres cost them a little bit more time than they'd like. So that this decision of keeping the tyres there, what we would normally see is when you change the drive, you might as well change the tyres. That's not what we've just seen on the 99. So we'll see how those tyres last. And it's tough being the new driver in because you don't really know what Paul Luke Chateau's been doing with that set of tyres. Let's, let's hope he's not been wringing the neck of them. But Alex Quinn in the 99 heading uh, back out onto track with uh, some rather second-hand tyres, it seems, sadly. Uh, Pietro Filipoli getting on board the 52 car I mentioned for Inter Europol by PR1 Matheson Motorsport. That car, in turn, slips back behind the era motorsport car of Conor Zilic. So Zilic has just taken over as well from Christian Rasmussen after a, a fine double stint. And let's see whether Zilich can match the sort of times that the Dane was doing. As the number 81 car heads through the uh, backstretch chicane. That's the Dragon Speed car for the man from Barbados originally, Kiffin Simpson. And uh, rounding speedway turn three, or four rather, just at that time being swamped by Jack Aiken in his all red and, and uh, black rear of the Whalen Engineer Cadillac V Series R, which is desperately trying to hang on to the coattails of Matty Campbell, who leads the race. Yeah, the gap is 7.9 seconds, so it's going out always in favour of the number seven Pensy. Porsche Penske Motorsport 963. However, we know what we've got left. Just over three hours remaining in this race. We saw everything bunch back up last time. There was a full course yellow. And if you don't know why that was caused and triggered, it was because the bodywork, the rear engine cover came off, and some of the rear bodywork came off that uh, Sean Creech Motorsport uh, Ligier and was parked just off the banking. 
uh, towards the end of the lap after it had come off somewhere after the chicane. We thought it must have been before and couldn't find it when we were looking for it because clearly uh, the driver on the board at that time, Nolan Siegel, had to went, went a further lap and went past the pit in and had to carry on for another lap with no bodywork uh, pretty much behind his dri the driver's head. The rear wing was still there, but the bodywork and the rear dorsal, the dorsal fin was no longer with the car. Around the world on RS2, IMSA Radio, here at the track, 107.9 FM is the frequency you'll need between now and the end of the race. 3.03 still to go, that's three hours, three minutes and three seconds. I did that earlier on as well. 11, 11, 11, and wasn't it? It was on that occasion. Just to have a, have a sort of handy knack of getting to the clock when uh, they are easy numbers to remember and tally up with. Anyway, uh, Sirius XM channel 207 is where we remain too. And in that three hours and three minutes still to go, obviously we will keep you entirely up to date with what is set to be an, an even more intense fight in all four classes to the chequered flag. But the checker indicates purely the end of the race, but the start of the conversation and the post-race uh, post look back. So there'll be Michelin post-race tech to round up our coverage from Daytona for 2024. And that all kicking off shortly after the chequered flag this afternoon. But it's mid-morning in Florida and still plenty of cloud cover above the raceway. When we get to 11 o'clock, I'd be pretty confident to say that uh, the major threat of rain will have disappeared because uh, there was something like 3% chance of rainfall between 11 a.m. and 1.40, the end of the race this afternoon. Car 23, I'm hearing from Shea, is heading into pit lane, and that is the Alex Ribeiras part of racing Aston Martin that tagged the back of the number one BMW in the dead of night. So Shay is watching this pit stop. It's fuel and tires for Alex Ribeiras, but yes, the hood is actually popping up quite significantly. They do have 100 mile an hour tape. Cleaning off the nose, that's good, that'll make it stick better. Um, but I don't think the piece of tape is actually big enough to really do very much of anything. There is a great deal of air that is being pushed underneath the hood. It's lucky that it hasn't come up yet. The latches are doing their job. Alex now cleared to leave. Johnny Knott, the lead pit lane official, is going to go have a quick chat with the team and make sure that they're happy with the work that they've done. Yeah, certainly that's been rising by a good couple of inches for the last stint. It sounds like me trying to wrap some Christmas or birthday presents. Never quite enough tape to hold the paper down. <laughs> you need a larger sheet before you start uh, beginning the job. A well-deserved slurp of water for a uh, for Colton Herter, who's just come in in the number 40. Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti Acura. So that another pit lane report from with CrowdStrike from Shea Adam. And uh, there'll be a whole host of those between now and at the end of the race, which is now just three hours away as we tick by past 10.40 in the morning. And if you're in a class where cars can roughly do an hour, that's rather helpful now for your, your back timing purposes. Although often in a 24-hour race, you've got so far out of that pit on the hour, pit on the hour rhythm. Um, you're having to re kind of rework the spreadsheet with every lap that is ticked off. 20 laps into Phil Ellis's stint in the 57 car. Likewise for Aaron Tielitz in the Vassa Sullivan Lexus. Mike Skeen pitted a lap before that in the number 32 Courthoff Preston Motorsports Mercedes. 
And I still think the better part of another 10 laps for Alessandro Pierre Guidi, slightly more for Sheldon van der Linde in the Paul Miller Racing BMW in the, G the GTD Pro category. It should be the Ferrari that pits of those three first, and probably two laps before Sheldon van der Linde. But the, the one factor that might change things in the Paul Miller Racing camp is how bad that rear bodywork is getting, because it is just starting to work its way up the car. It's not just the very back of it. It's heading towards the C-pillar now, and the team will be keeping, and the spotter, by the way, high up in the grandstand, or high up in the uh, World Centre of Racing building, will be definitely looking at, at that through the binoculars. Dean and Paul, to give them their mentions, are the spotter. Cole, so, sorry, Dean Cole. Shay's desperately trying to make me more knowledgeable than I am. But uh, uh, we, we got there in the end. Dean and Cole, the Paul Miller Racing BMW spotters for this race. And Sheldon van der Linde is difficult to spot, uh, judging by the speed that he's been laying down. He still hangs on to the fastest lap within that category. Right, I'm thinking that Jack Aitken will have to pit this lap. He's only got 5% energy still to use. 10% energy for the race-leading number seven Porsche. A short while ago, I thought they were on exactly the same amount, but uh, maybe one further lap for the number number seven Porsche and that has stretched its advantage to nine seconds so little by little Matt Campbell has been building a bit more of a cushion. Shay you've got more stoppers these are from the GT prototype camp. Both of the privateer Porsches are in JDC Miller Motorsport owner driver change time and Vanderhelm out Phil Hansen in. Ooh, that means that Westy will be taking it to the finish. That's exciting. And in the sister car, or sorry, the other privateer portion would be the Mustang sampling Porsche. That was no driver change, just fuel and tires. We do have the number six in the pit lane as well. I saw a driver getting out of that one, but I did not see who was getting in. Shay Adam with her, the crowd strike pit report there and uh, a very busy time as it always is towards the end of a GTP segment. A cursory glance over the right shoulder from Nick Tandy, who is making sure that the fast lane is nice and clear, and he will now round the corner. Got to be careful, though, now on the outlap. Doesn't want to repeat Kevin Estra's escapades down at the International Horseshoe as Nick pulls those belts uh, nice and tight and heads back out onto the racetrack in the number six. Yes, on small elements, things and races, 24-hour races, can pivot on just tiny moments. But bear in mind, not too long before Kevin Estra had the pit stop from which he emerged and went off at Turn 5, he was bouncing across the grass at Turn 4, which went round the outside of the Forte Racing Lamborghini while he was challenging uh, Jack Aitken in the number 31 a Whelan Engineering Cadillac. That didn't cost him too much time. And to recover, close in, and then just as he was trying to pass again, of course, he had the pit stop and out of the pit stop and off the track. But effectively, a minute loss, and that has really, really hurt the number six car. And it does seem the pendulum of fortune has favoured the number seven in the latter half of this race. Here, the 60-second running, Johnny. And therefore, when the pit stop is served, a number seven car coming in as if on cue with just over nine-second advantage over Jack Aitken's Cadillac. So Matt Campbell and Jack Aitken pitting on the same lap. They hit the pit entry beam at, uh, well, 9.5 seconds separating them at the end of lap uh, 690. So we will easily go north of the 700 lap marker, but we're going to be well short of the 2020 distance record of 833 laps. I remember that year at Daytona. Keep 
glancing at the scoring tower, uh, where at the very top of that is a lap counter, and we got beyond 700, 750, 800, and wondered whether we might even go all the way to 850 laps, but we were pretty sure, and uh, it became certain that there was a distance record um, much before the closing hour, actually, and then it's just a question of how far we were going to get a very special year, 2020, which followed a difficult one in 19 when we were fighting the weather here in Florida. Thankfully, no weather arriving just yet, as now the 31 car is back on the move, and that big five-and-a-half-litre naturally aspirated Cadillac engine, you can hear in the background there, sitting just about, and it's a tight squeeze to get that lump into this chassis but a glorious sound it makes and has made a lot of fans this weekend, I'm sure. Heading back out onto the racetrack goes the number seven of Matt Campbell for Penske Motorsports and Tom Blomqvist now taking charge from Jack Aitken of the number 31 Whelan Engineering car. Third position, Colton Herter. Remember, he pitted a lap ago. Alessio Picariello and Phil Hansen have been in recently as well in the customer 963s, as Shea was reporting. And Dries Van Torp is the last, I think, of that gaggle of eight GTP cars to need a pit stop, although sadly the BMW's a long, long way back now, about 13 laps away from the race-leading Porsche. Yeah, really what's happened in the last hour or so is the fact that the other uh, BMW that was eight laps down has fallen back uh, so that on the same lap or just one lap ahead Dries Van Tour in 24 of Conor De Filippi in 25 so 25 is the one that's had two hits of trouble whereas to 24 it was all in one go when Dries Van Tour wasn't able under cover of darkness to continue into turn six took a while hooked the car up towed it in but not in because the, the strap came off and the car was left sitting on the track uh, pretty much at the exit of turn two eventually had to be put on a flatbed all the time went missing there but ironically before and after the pit stops the BMWs were going very well indeed when I say the pit stops I mean the times they spent in the pit garage getting sorted out again good speed from a couple of GT cars the first of those Kyle Marcelli in the number 45 which is the uh, other Wayne Taylor racing car that we've not mentioned a great deal about in the entry. Remember the two Acuras, but there's also a Lamborghini Huracan uh, driven by Kyle Marcelli that's just done its fastest lap of the race, a 147.7. And uh, a good half a second faster than that, Alex Riberas now in the 23 Heart of Racing Aston Martin, which runs as a GTD Pro car. Fourth position in that, and ordinarily you would think, well, that's quite a good um, position to be at this... Um, at this 21-hour marker. The problem is, if you're not in a top three in GTD Pro, you've had a nightmare, basically, because it's been... It's really strange to see that Pro lineups that far down in 30th, 31st, 32nd position. A reminder, I suppose, that there's actually nothing different technically-wise between a GTD and a GTD Pro car. Um, it's purely on the driver lineup, but we've got stories galore of... Driver, driver combinations with AMs in them doing a heck of a lot better than the pros. Yeah, it just means that uh, we've got uh, GTD pros in 17th, 18th, 19th. Then the next block of 10 positions from 20th, which is Phil Ellis in the Windward Racing, and Mercedes down to 29th, which is uh, 
car number 43, which is the Andretti Motorsports Porsche, all ahead of fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh in GTD Pro. So yes, it's been a class that's been troubled. And up front are the troubles over for Alessandro Piergidi, or, or more to the point, James Collado was a little bit cagey about what he expected from the rest of the race, but sitting on an advantage in that class over the number one uh, Paul Miller Racing, BMW, the car with the tattered back uh, rear right-hand corner. And we'll wait to see if that gets fixed during the next pit stop, or do they need to fix it? But it certainly has become more ragged and therefore slightly more of a distraction for the driver, one would suggest, when uh, trying to use all the aero they're looking for high on the banking here at Daytona. Just hearing of another official retirement, uh, the Nolan Seagull, Seagull car has been out for quite some time uh, for Sean Creech Motorsport, that Ligier that lost its rear deck, and then a lap or a lap and a half later, uh, they had the engine cutting out, so it actually caused a, a full-course yellow. Not the car stranded out on track, but the piece of bodywork, which was significant on the apron somewhere between turn speedway turns three and four well that number 33 car is now officially out which is a real shame it's the only ligier um, called the ligier in the race ligier lmp2 jsp217 and uh, it's not going to make the finish also a bit of stats that uh, could be interesting if tom blonkfist is able to get ahead of matt campbell and take victory for well in engineering cadillac because three in a row? it would be three in a row and would tie Elio Castroneves for the most wins in a row as well. So Elio, what we need to know now is when those years were for Elio Castroneves here at Daytona. I'm sure you've probably got it tucked away on your, in no, your notes. They're very easy years to find. 2023, 2022 and a year called 2021. Fine. So, <laughs> OK, very recent indeed. And two of those shared with Tom Blomkvist. There must have been because... Uh, um, Blomqvist on a hat-trick, Castroneves completed his 12 months ago. Simple. Yeah. Don't know why he needed to ask, frankly. <laughs> I should have remembered that, but um, there's been... Uh, there's always a lot going on in this race, and you have to always remember who's driving with who from year to year, which does rather change quite a lot. And there's some other racing going on around the in world. Between. In between. Mm. Which takes the attention. Now, out of the second of the horseshoes goes the race leader, Matt Campbell. He's got nine seconds as an advantage over Tom Blomqvist, but Blomqvist will be seeing that as a challenge to whittle away at. We're six laps away from the 700-lap marker, and here is Joe with a CrowdStrike pit report. Now, I'm not sure whether I saw the number one on the 023 Triassi Ferrari. The GTD, I think, the leading Ferrari, this, this one, as it's come in for a pit stop. Driver staying on board, tyres going on are oh uh, that is a set of already scrubbed tires uh no sorry i was wrong i'm looking under the wheel arch now and they are very very glossy got a lovely glossy sheen that will uh, be scrubbed off by the time it gets to the pit out car still on the jacks drops off the jacks now that was a beautiful ferrari soundbite for everybody there we always love those and from other manufacturers too um, a lot of our CrowdStrike pit lane reporters have the pre-race instruction to stop talking and just shove the microphone as close as possible to the engine bay or the exhaust so we can enjoy cars leaving pit road. And we've had plenty of that in the 62nd edition of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. RS2 IMSA radio around the world. We're 
also broadcasting a course here at the track on 107.9 FM and on Sirius XM channel 207. It's Johnny and Bruce in the Global Broadcast Centre, but only for about another six minutes or so. And let's head back to Joe with, with another CrowdStrike pit interview this time. Well, the number 18 era LMP2 class front runner, let's call it. Ryan DL, you're part of this team. Um, it's a bit premature to get excited, but it's hard not to, isn't it, with like, what, three hours to go? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, been an amazing race, I think, for all classes. So, uh, you know, every year coming back there, it seems to get better and better, bigger crowds. But, you know, we uh, we came within 19 minutes of finishing two years ago with this team and, and had a gearbox failure. So, long way to go. I know everybody says I'm down to panic, but, you know, what I do is uh, manage the pace at this point. Um, Christian's going to get back in for the end. I think he's definitely got the legs this weekend on me. So, uh, we're going to put him in for the finish and hopefully we come home first. Everyone I've spoke to as they've gotten out of their LMP2 class cars have said they're flat out, Ryan. They're flat out. It's a fist fight. Is that how you guys are fighting it? Yeah, I mean, I remember when I first, uh, I sound old now, but when I first started doing endurance racing, it was managing the equipment, but the cars are so well built now, and especially the P2 car is so detuned to what it's capable of running. Uh, with, you know, we can run at more power, more RPM. So it's kind of overbuilt. Um, you know, obviously there was a couple of early failures, uh, which was kind of unusual for the mowers in these, but everybody's running very similar stuff. Everybody's prepping to a high level. Uh, you know, our prep started the day after Petit last year, so you know, I think as a team we've done everything we can to rebound from the last couple of years of disappointment after winning it in 21, so we're, uh, we're all saying our uh, prayers at this point. Keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're in there. Staying down here in the pit lane with Oris Morano. Oris, you're the factory director of the LMDH program for Porsche in this 963, but with the two customer teams performing so well here today, did anyone expect that we would have four Porsches inside the top six with three hours to go? We're very honest to you, no. <laughs> what we did expect is that more of the other customers, which had other manufacturers actually, which had unfortunately some issues with their cars, we expected them to be in the race. But uh, the customer as such, we actually really expected to be in the race as well. But uh, having so many Porsches up front, that was not up to our expectations, to be honest. JDC Miller Motorsport have done such a great job with their car, as have Proton with the Mustang sampling Porsche. How surprised are you to see how quick their development has been? I mean, the teams they do, it's a, it's a big task to get them up and running with the 963 because it's quite a complicated car but these guys they're doing a tremendous job you know they have the engineers and everybody ready and uh, yeah in the in the race they learn very very quick for the about strategies and everything and it's nice to see how they develop and and JDC had some bad luck with some uh, yellows early in the race that brought them a little bit on the back foot but they do a great job and all we need now is another yellow and they're all in the game how much does Porsche actually help out the customer teams during the race I mean, there's a technical support, obviously, and then uh, the setup is up to the customers because that's something they do by their own. But uh, again, they do a great job with this one. If somebody would be really on the back foot and, and they would really somewhere, yeah, they would go somewhere in a direction which doesn't make sense, then we will go and say, hey, look, that doesn't really make sense. But uh, other than that, they are on their own and they do a great job. The one car has four factory drivers. The second car, the JDC car, has no factory drivers from Porsche. What's the, the thinking behind Porsche trying to step in and say, 
let us help you at least with this. I mean, these are discussions we do internally and the driver lineup is something JDC and actually they have a really good driver lineup. They don't really need help from the, from the manufacturer on this one, but the drivers, that's something we discuss internally and uh, again, I mean, those, those teams, they do a great job even there. It's three separate teams, three separate programs, Porsche overseeing all of them, but you're not sharing information with each team. It is still its own separate thing, correct? We do share, we do not share setup information in between, but we obviously do share uh, technical information. So if something happened with, with, with uh, technically, if, if uh, a bolt comes loose or anything like this, we have one common open points list where uh, all the open points, all the issues come in. It doesn't matter whether it's a works or a customer car, but setup again, it's up to the teams really. Thank you so much for a few minutes. It was very interesting to chat with you. There's Corrado, the factory, LMDH president. And that's Shay with uh, actually what turned out to be a double CrowdStrike pit report with Joe Bradley before that. Tremendous work. Thank you, Shay. A really insightful interview about the Porsche 963s, whether in factory hands or in customer hands. We're at a minute to 11 o'clock. Delighted to, uh, to welcome back John Hindoff to the Global Broadcast Centre. We're nearing the really important hours in this now, but um, I'm still guessing as to well, who's going to be point, taking GP. who's going to be taking these that's watches at the end of it. Go on, yeah. What are the important hours? We, that's the joy, isn't it, of this type of motor racing? Was it the first hour? Was it something in the middle of the night when someone got a uh, got a, a lap back? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, we've got our BDO nose strategy award to to think about as well. Uh, Bruce Jones, your your impressions of, of what you've seen in this 60-second running of the the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Does the does the formula work for a, for a first question? Uh, absolutely, it does. About uh, I suppose an hour and a bit ago now, when we had the release from the full course yellow, we had some absolutely brilliant scrapping in all four classes around the banking. Uh, you know, that will stand with me for a long time because the drivers in the GT3 class seem to have loads of space for playing. And one of the very best battles was, uh, was um, I've got slightly mad there for a second, the Winwood car, of course, with Indy Doncha pushing so hard on Onofrio Triazzi. And it was just so enticing just seeing where they could place the cars, where the advantage was for each of the manufacturers. So that I always love. The prototypes always catch my attention. I think it's looked, looking set fair, I think I'd say, if I was wondering whether to wear a raincoat when heading out. <laughs> uh, JP, your thoughts from what you've seen? You've watched an awful lot of endurance racing. You're a voice of the FIA World Endurance Championship on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and visual channels. This race has got a real international feel now and it's, it's back to its very best, isn't it? Totally. Um, everybody wants the Daytona 24 hours in their calendar, first of all, and then in the trophy cabinet afterwards. And I love the fact that from all sorts of different disciplines, you know, Scotty McLaughlin shouting like crazy to, to, to Nick Damon earlier on in the weekend that he'd been desperate to come here to tick it off. And he comes from a, a touring car background, very much, I know, IndyCar nowadays. And every corner of the world is recognising this race as one to be at and then one to succeed at. Thanks, guys, for joining us in the Global Broadcast Centre. I know you'll be glued to the end of the race. Have a good one. That is Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones. Uh, thank you to them, particularly for our sacred coffee-powered 
Daytona Night Owls in the, the wee small hours. Johnny didn't manage to wreak that much havoc with the yellow flags, Peter. I told you to have faith. I did. It was in safe hands. It was. Very indeed. safe hands indeed. Just want to say a very good luck to Henry Keck, who's having to miss the end of the race to go and play uh, with a, a very important basketball game. Uh, he's been listening to IMSA Radio all night and uh, he's uh, having to, well, he'll, he'll keep it on as long as he can is what I've been told. Henry, play well, have a good one. Uh, hope your team win and we'll, uh, we'll get the full story, I'm sure, at some stage. At IMSA Radio, if you want to get in touch, welcome back to the Global Broadcast Centre to Jeremy Shaw who has been enthralled with these battles in all four categories. Uh, 11 and a half seconds between first and second in GTP, eight and a half in LMP2. What a, what a scrap that's been between Aera and the 04 CrowdStrike Algarve uh, racing car. GTD Pro just under 50 seconds and around about the same in GTD. And yet we've still got effectively a full WeatherTech sports car race to go, Jeremy, before we can wave the flag and hand out the watches. Yeah, about a minute less. You're right, uh, 2 hours and 38 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, so, yes, uh, fantastic motor race, just tremendous. And up at the front, yeah, Porsches are looking really, really strong at the moment. But, you know, Cadillac's within 11, 12 seconds. That gap, though, over the course of its last stint uh, from Matty Campbell, has gone out from it was three seconds well it was a caution period not too long before that so he's extended out now to over 11 seconds over the course of the last hour or so so he's definitely inching away colton herter though doing a really nice job there in that third position not lost much ground at all to the cadillac we saw the accuracy struggling earlier on then three porsches in a row uh, the two privateer cars the five and the 85 they're separated by yeah only only a few seconds although that gap has extended just a little bit lately um, over the course of the last 20 laps it's actually gone from uh, three seconds to ten uh, and then nick tandy who's charging along in that number six car after that mistake by kevin estra and uh, he's been the quickest car on the track now for quite a while that's nick tandy the battle in lmp2 john it, there's five cars there on the lead lap scotty mclaughlin is the is the guy who's moving there uh, getting closer now to pietro fittipaldi still in fourth position is the tower motorsports entry but it's been a really a fantastic battle between those five cars. Number 1804, which is now in the pit lane, 52, 8 and 74. Um, just a thought as well. Don't forget that that number six Porsche has now had four penalties for power usage, as well as the little whoopsie that we saw. Nick Damon is watching the second place LMP2 car. This is the Algarve Pro Race CrowdStrike machine. Yeah, the CrowdStrike number four came in. It was a completely full service. Malfa Jackson uh, got out of the car and uh, he's just undoing his helmet. He might be able to get a grab of work with him almost immediately. It's a pretty standard service. I mean, he's, not, he's much faster than the car than getting his hat off. It's uh, way too many uh, bits of the, the hands device. Sometimes you get caught around everything. Uh, one of the weird things was I put my hand down to get, jump over the wall and, and it was wet, so I know that's supposed to pull some fluid. It's not rained whilst I've been off, has it? Uh, it's been trying. very humid and trying, but no, it has not rained. Uh, it, obviously, therefore, I, I need to work out what's on my hand then before I get anywhere near anything important. 
There's a, uh, there's a quick word with uh, Mouthy to get out. Um, so on this uh, zero four crowd strike, it's, it's it's a real real fight out there for P2 between between all of you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's super super tight out there right now. Um, now Jolin just got back in the car. Um, I mean the car is fast and yeah, it's tricky out there right now because everybody starts to go a bit quicker and like even the GT cars and the GTP cars as well. You see that they start to fight a bit more. So in the traffic, you need to be a bit more cautious because you know the others will be more aggressive, but still. You need to move forward and go for it. And we've had a real change in the weather. The humidity's dropped quite a lot. Is that, uh, you know, it's a bit cooler, but more the humidity has gone down. Has that affected how the car feels on the track surface? I mean, for us, I think it's a slight advantage that the temperatures have increased a little bit here since the night, but it's definitely cooler compared to yesterday. Um, so not that we struggled during the night, but the rear was a bit more loose on the car. Um, and now it seems to be gone. So we're in a good position. Under three hours to go, do you get back in the car to finish or is that your work done for the, for the race? I'm not 100% sure yet, but yeah, we'll see what David figures out with the strategy. Thanks a lot. Uh, so, Jackson, out of the 04 CrowdStrike LMP2 car, which came in in second, but it's so close, it's probably got out in about fifth. Uh, it's been a brilliant battle to watch. Thank you, Nick. Nick Damon down in the pit lane for this part of the race. Catch up with a couple of messages from you, our audience. Jesse Young just past 3 a.m. in his part of Australia. Uh, sorry, her part of Australia. Holding on with barely any sleep watching the P7, uh, the Pensy Push number seven with Matt Campbell. Being brilliant. He has done a cracking couple of stints. Cracking finish on the way. Uh, checking in from Baton Rouge for Joy Juicy. Two shoes enjoying their first race here. Been camping at the West Horseshoe since Thursday. Well, I hope you'll want to come back, JTS. Uh, this one is one of my favourites. Uh, from the UK, Barnaby Scarf. The annual, I'll do the ironing this Sunday afternoon, darling. Paying off, set for a genius. good finish. That's genius. In all classes. Do you like that, Peter? Genius. That is excellent. I don't stuff. mind a bit of ironing as long as you've got good entertainment to watch or intake while you're doing it. Nick used to watch the baseball while doing his ironing. Did he really? Yeah. Did he? Did he iron his socks after rooming with Alan McNish? And, and NAS, NASCAR, when we used to get the the highlights or the live show in the UK, um, sadly we don't get that anymore now. This has been enthralling hardly able to pull, to pull ourselves away even when i went for a quick snooze in the front seat of the bmw x1 had the radio on listening to the dulcet tones of our night owls keeping me in touch there's nothing you'd put your house on here at all not any of the top places in any of the classes been possible to call impossible to call and be of course heard there about the the presence of the Porsche customer teams I, I think they've been incredible JDC you know a team here in America that have bought one of these cars as a customer they kind of had to go go on the, go on their own such is the life of a, of a customer team and what a lineup they put together um, some great drivers um, of, of varying backgrounds too uh, when you think about it they've all come from a slightly different place and they're there on the lead, lead lap and if you're on the lead lap with two and a half hours to go you are in the hunt for this motor race make no mistake about it likewise the number five Mustang sampling great to have Mustang sampling back in IMSA uh, with a Porsche this time uh, run by Proton Competition Alessio oh. 
Picarello as uh, he's been a Porsche affiliated driver for a few years now but has never raced this uh, Porsche 963 prototype and I think he's acquitted himself very well with some super experienced teammates I bet he's been a sponge all week Ricky Taylor in the number 10 Wade Taylor racing the much uh, delayed car after that new wiring loom was put in just running a bit long in turn number 6 in his outlap but no harm no foul got passed by the 85 JDC Miller Porsche, Nick Damon can square the circle on a couple of stories we've been following in this crowd strike bit report. Yeah, kind of uh, apt because the number four Corvette has uh, come to a stop and uh, is being fuelled and is having its tyres put on. Okay, so the number four Corvette, that was doing the best, that went behind the wall, that had a power steering problem, which if you remember back all those hours was the same problem on the 13 AWA car. The number three car, John, um, which was giving us all the excitement of the smoke and the, um, oh, don't go yet, giving us all the excitement of the smoke and the fire, that had a bit of an incident and ended up in cracking the oil tank, and that's what they had to replace. So it cracked the oil tank, that's your vet. So it cracked its oil tank, that's what was leaking down, that was the fluid, they had to take it behind the wall to replace the oil tank. And I must admit, no one quite knows what's wrong with the 17 car, it just wasn't having a very good run and then various things went wrong with it, but two power steerings, one accident damage and one to be analysed after the race. The car that's very much not damaged, going very well, is the Porsche from AO Racing, aka Rexy. Rexy is in for full service. New shoes uh, to try and hide his claws, his claws, him. Uh, and uh, a new driver, Michael Christensen, who's gotten aboard the car that came in from third place in the GTV Pro category. Also into the pit lane, the Riley, number 74 LMP2 machine. This is a driver change. We've got Felipe Massa out. Felipe Fraga in and four tires that are new but they have been scrubbed so they've got a little bit of experience around the track but not very much and this is all going swimmingly just waiting on the fuel and the driver change to complete. A lot of confused oxygen. So he's just been told off for staying up too late to watch this one. <laughs> Rooting for the Porsches 7 and 5. Loving the stream. Don't know where you are. See you. Speedy Wombat sounds like that might be somewhere down under. And Sean Jakes enjoying the 24 hour race in Bedford. Uh, building some Lego and a course of cup of tea. Perfect Sunday afternoon. Giuseppe Ricci, an interested spectator, man of few words. Penny for his thoughts. 9 6 uh, at 9. Try that again. 499p on the way to. Ricci Competizione, he made no secret of it at uh, Petit Le Mans, uh, not last year actually, but the year before when that car was first announced that he would like to compare one of those cars. We've not yet seen a hyper car in IMSA competition, the regulations allow for it, Peter. And if anybody's going to do it over here, you'd think uh, if Ferrari were to allow one out of their corporate control, it would be Giuseppe who'd get first call. You'd certainly hope so, and you're right. Ferrari have an amazing heritage at this uh, at this uh, very very race, and you know they've had cars that have been named Daytona, so you know it really is synonymous with the the Ferrari brand. And Giuseppe Ricci, what a what a true racer he is, um, and at the moment his car is leading by 11 seconds. GDD Pro. Now that was the sound of the Tower Motorsport 
LMP2 heading out. Shea Adam can give us some news on that car. I was interested in this car because I noticed a new nose on the wall for it and thought, eh, are they trying to clean out the air ducts more efficiently by just swapping the nose? Answer, no. There was right front damage to the dive plane that apparently Scott McLaughlin had radioed in and said was making a difference. So not only did they change the nose, they changed the driver. Scotty Mack is out. And now it's Ferdy Habsburg. Not going to do his whole name. I actually just call him Ferdy. Um, and also in the pit lane is the Era Motorsport LMP2 machine. This is another double stint for Connor Zillich. They are using him up today. Uh, planning on saving a couple of bullets for the end of the race. So Connor with another stint. He was tired when I interviewed him earlier. He's going to be positively exhausted for the rest of the week, but he's giving his everything to Era Motorsport to try and win his first Rolex in his first ever IMSA race. Yeah, that looks pretty standard. Fuel still going in, not standard. Uh, back down the pit lane for the number 65 Ford Mustang with a very jaunty angle at the, uh, at the rear for that wing. They're not putting that out, are they? Uh, Nick Damon is closest to that. It, it looks like a sprint yeah. car with one of those uh, off, offset rear wings, except it's going in the wrong direction. That would have to be driving uh, <laughs> clockwise rather than anti-clockwise around a dirt track. Yeah, just, uh, oddly, I just noticed that as well. And it's, it, it's I don't know if it's support. It must be the support given way because there's no, no other car high enough to break that. Those actual rear wing supports are quite interesting because they're very, very angled back and long. The actual moment, the point of the, the point of where the pressure comes from the wing is way further from where the wing is itself. It's got the, the, the stretch has got to be, uh, well, I'd say probably as much as two feet or 65 centimeters, um, because they obviously where you actually have the uh, the wing pressure, the wing push down, will affect uh, the distribution of the weight it's behind the rear axle, for example, will actually provide a little bit of lift at the front end. I think they try to get it over the rear axle entirely, but they have a very long, and perhaps it's now been found too spindly wing section, and they may have to beef that up. Driving down the fire lane at the back of the pits to get back to their paddock area. Uh, I'm not sure that's allowed. Um, Shea, Adam, you were in the driver's meeting. Yep, they're allowed to do that. Okay, um, it's, I'll uh, take it back, I'll take it back. There are many different ways to get a stranded car back to the paddock. One of the options was through the fire lane, but obviously if your car is a bit further down beyond the Rolex chute, that's not a real option. And then they want you to go around the track and just come in the main garage entrance. Uh, it's at Europol Inn, right opposite me from P2, being there or thereabouts pretty much throughout the race. Pet uh, Pietro uh, Fittipaldi behind the wheel of that one. Third place pretty much all night, to be honest. That looks like a fairly standard stop. And off it goes. They're definitely at the No driver change in that one. Into Europol. The uh, course of the reigning Le Mans LMP2 winners from last year. Uh, so PR1 won. is the reigning uh, champion in the Michelin Endurance Cup as well. Yeah, it's so quite an alliance. I wonder if they've used that. Times. I wonder if they've used that front section we saw the other day. Yeah, on, <laughs> on the, the back, back of the Ford Pickup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, we've uh, we've done all the points. We've awarded all the points for Michelin Endurance Cup in, in terms of the interim. Points have they been posted yet? Have we got? Uh, yeah, I've got those. But but by the way, the um, PR1 Masters Motorsports, they've won the, Emmy, the Michelin Endurance Cup five times right. over the wow. course of the last uh, seven or eight years. So yeah, very much a team. Yeah, I did do that. I did uh, check out the points in uh, Michelin Endurance Cup. 
get to the right screen here. Um, it's 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 you're all after three of the four segments then in GTP wheel engineering unsurprisingly because they seem to win it just about every year uh, have 14 points to the 11 of the number seven car in the manufacturers it, it's a bit closer 14 for Cadillac 13 for Porsche um, they really it's really between those two in LMP2 after the uh, 18 hour mark points are awarded at six hours eight uh, six hours 12 hours 18 hours and at the end of the race in lp2 crowdstrike racing by apr number zero four car has 13 points to the 11 of inter europol with pr1 and the 10 of era motorsports so that's still uh, very very open in gtd pro uh, paul miller racing has 12 points that's car number one uh, and then risk competency only and Ford Multimatic Motorsports have had since had problems. They were tied on nine, actually, along with the Corvette Racing uh, with uh, Pratt Miller Motorsports number four car, which also had problems. That was on nine as well, but uh, it's really now between number one and 62. In manufacturers in GT Pro, GTD Pro, 12 points for BMW, 11 for Corvette. And then finally, GTD. Uh, pre uh, quarter off Preston Motorsports and Inception Racing, number 32 and number 70, were tied at the 18-hour mark, but the 70 car uh, has had some difficulties uh, later in the race, so uh, it's the, the odds now are in favour of the quarter off Preston team, which won the MEC last year, very impressively. Trials and Competizione also have a really good race so far, nine points for them, and in the manufacturers in GTD, Mercedes has 13 points, McLaren 11, and Ferrari 10. Jeremy Shaw, along with Peter Mackay and John Heindorf in the booth. Shea Adam and Nick Damon in the, in the rotation for our CrowdStrike pit reporters. Essential. Um, thank you very much to Joe Bradley as well, already providing us with some fantastic information, some really good interviews this year. Um, I said a moment or two ago in uh, the CrowdStrike Hospitality Suite, I think we've got a very strong contender already for race of the year with this event so far. I think it's even more so for event of the year, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in terms of what we've seen on the track, it's been super exciting. Any of the races that we had, even before the main race, Pete, it was worth the price of admission, surely. Oh, the, the two Mazda MX-5 Cup races, the Whelan Mazda MX-5 Cup, were just thrilling uh, from start to finish. They always are here at the Daytona International Speedway. But then one of the real... Was it the surprise package? I'm not sure. It was certainly a, a cracker of a motor race at the BMW M Endurance Challenge, which was one of the uh, just with the most tense fuel mileage game, at which it ended up going to the way of the number 91 Kelly Moss crew in an amazing final stint from Riley Dickinson, a proper sports car factory driver-esque final stint when you really need to be quick and use very little fuel. It was really impressive and well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, we've just ruined that if people haven't watched it. Yet. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It's still worth it. It is, absolutely. It's yeah, worth it was, watching uh, it play it's out. Ju just a, a, a 
10 second summary uh, doesn't even come close, no. does it? No. Indeed <laughs> not. Absolutely it's not. not. It really doesn't spoil anything. It just it should make you just want to watch it more. It wets the appetite. Yeah, indeed so. Indeed so. Meantime, talking about spoiler alert, that uh, Ford Mustang is in the uh, the paddock garage, having a new rear deck and rear aerofoil fitted, with two hours and twenty minutes to go. As yes, right now they problem, had problems with that uh, rear deck and the wing on that Mustang because we, all, all three we, of them now yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that problem just never came up in testing uh, and who did we speak to about that uh, yesterday I think it was Dirk Muller wasn't it yeah. last night um, and uh, you know they've done a lot of testing but of course they haven't run with a whole bunch of cars running together and they haven't run into each other either you oh, know knocking alongside true. yeah that's true too and, and you can't I mean, remember BMW had a tricky start uh, Jeremy with the M4 GT3, yeah. Uh, again, that was I mean, it was uh, diffuse, diffuser related rather than spoiler related. But uh, you know, you think you've done everything you can, but, but until you come to data, you, you don't test a lot here at Daytona on the road course. There's limited amount of testing. And what you don't do is test when there's other people out there and when there's yeah. big gobs of of tire rubber offline yeah. and. Your drivers getting tired and driving across the grass, etc., etc., and so on and so forth. Yeah. You the, can't uh, simulate everything, can you? Well, no, exactly. <laughs> the number ten. Well, I, I take you back, dear listener and viewer, uh, to Audi doing more testing than ever before, before they went to Le Mans, and but then they chose not to race in the early rounds of the championship and just went to Le Mans. And it was a wet Le Mans, and they'd not done a They'd not forgotten to do wet testing, but of course they hadn't done wet testing on a track with 50-odd other cars. And what they found that was that their air intakes at the front, when rubber got in and got damp and it expanded, they got, it, got, uh, it got blocked up and they started overheating. Uh, it's just that little thing. Uh, the tent has gone behind the wall again, Wayne Taylor racing uh, with that Acura. The blue and black car, and meantime, in this crowd strike pit report, a man of few words is something you can't say about Nick Damon, uh, and always worth listening to is something you can say about Giuseppe Ricci. Giuseppe, I won't, I won't jinx anything, but obviously the car is going very, very well. You've, you've had some struggles over the past few races in the IMSA Endurance Series. Is it a case of you knowing the 296 better now, or just the BOPs come back in your favour? Well, uh, the BOP is is very important uh, in this class or in, in the whole series. Um, and I feel that this time it's probably been sought about more and fairer about it. There was a lot of adjustment to that, of course, after uh, the roar. And it was said that the manufacturers got together and had that conversation. Were you part of the conversation about that? We've had a lot of conversations about it. Um, it's something that... All we ask for is a level playing field. We, we, we don't ask for an advantage, but neither do we want a disadvantage. We just want a level playing field, and the rest will decide it on the track. The 296, it's almost like a prototype. That serviceability must be a major advantage. Um, yes, it's, it, obviously, it's, it's the new, new family of Ferraris. Um, but uh, really, it's, it's, it's OK. It's maybe a little more fragile. 
Uh, the 488 was a very good race car, very good car all around. But, uh, but this car is, uh, I think we've been able to iron out a lot of the little problems. We know now we have our first privateer 488P in uh, WC with AF Corsa in Europe. Are you going to run a 499 here? The 499 is a, is a very complex vehicle. Uh, as, a, as a privateer, it can be done, but it does, it, it does require an awful lot of financial uh, commitment to, to making that happen. Do you believe the only, imp Im you know, the only thing stopping you is, is finance, or is it a case that you may have issues trying to get the hypercar um, working in the, in the IMSA regulations? I think we, we need to go at least two years for Ferrari to try and sort it out. And um, after they've done that, then uh, we, would, we would step in if we, uh, if, obviously, if we had the financial, the, fina the financial way with it all. So is it safe to say that if Ferrari did come here, the car would be run by Risi? Uh, yes, after two years. So Ferrari would have this whole season again uh, in the uh, World Endurance Championship uh, and sort out all the problems that, that potentially the car would have and then, uh, and then a privateer can take it on. I mean, it has, I, mean, I, I get the impression this has happened, but have there actually been concrete discussions between yourself and Ferrari? Um, no, not really. Um, I've been involved with Ferrari for a very long time, so a lot of things are said, but unsaid. Giuseppe, thank you very much. Thank you. That is the most brilliant Giuseppe thing that could be said, and it, uh, and there's there's actually so much I want to. Um, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that and unpack what Giuseppe said. You hear how Giuseppe Risi talks. He wastes not one syllable, never mind one word. Measured is what Jeremy's just said in my ear. And thank you, Nick. Excellent Daytona CrowdStrike pit report. Asked the questions very politely. Giuseppe Risi considered, measured. Hmm, that's very, very interesting. He uh, has told us before that he would like to have that car. It seems that that continues. Let's see where that goes to. Uh, we've got a VP Racing update coming in a moment. Want to catch up on one or two cars that haven't had the best of fortune overnight at one stage. Only cars that had double numbers that were exactly divisible by 11 had been withdrawn uh, from the, the race. And uh, one of those was the number 66 gradient uh, car, the Acura. And Declan Brennan is with us. Uh, assess the situation, because the car qualified well with cut leg. It raced well with all three of your drivers. Uh, how's, how's Daytona going to be when you, you do the wash-up? Oh, it is, it is the one that got away. Uh, it, the car was was great. We were very very confident uh, in terms of our strategy and and, our, and the way we were reacting and how we were proactive in terms of basically having a plan and working to that and not being worried. Even Cat at the start, I think I messaged you at the start, Cat. You know, in the crazy opening laps, and Cat got on the radio and said, "If anybody wants to go underneath me, go ahead. Mm. I am." 
I'm not playing these I'm games. not playing these games. Not with 20, 23 yeah. hours and 42 minutes to go. With either with red or green number uh, number panels. Yeah. She, uh, she, she, everybody was on script. It was fantastic. Didn't matter if we were ninth or 12th or as long as we were on the lead lap and as long as we were just, and then even Tatiana, who really oppressed us. So what went wrong? Uh, Oh, electrical! It's an, uh, it's one of those, it's, it's, and you know the irony is, and it's always, it seems to be always something that's never come up before. Ah, which is, you know, it's 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 something where where you, you there's a lot of things you can plan for, yeah. and there are things, and we found one or two bits and pieces that would have could have raised alarm bells uh, on on Friday night, which we attended to, and basically belt and braces. But then this thing comes up, and but I just want to say about with Tatiana in mind. It kind of is the larger picture about the Michelin, uh, the tyre the regulations for this yeah. weekend. I think they're sensational. Yeah. I love it. And I'd love to tell you why in a minute. Uh, uh, we're, uh, you're not alone, by the way, in having electrical problems. A, a lot of teams have have done. I, I'm, I'm led to believe, because Shea's just told me, so I'm not arguing with it. This will be the first DNF by a, uh, an Acura uh, here at this race mm -hmm. in GT3. Um, Let's uh, quickly run through the uh, rundown before we start. In fact, we start to get some uh, pit action, but it is Porsche from Porsche Penske Motorsport by 10 seconds. Matt Campbell in the seven from Tom Blancmist and the wheel and engineering Cadillac, the red and white number 31. Then it's uh, the uh, Wenteller Racing number 40. But that's because we've just had a works car and two of the customer Porsches in 585 and 6 all coming in all on the end of the lead lap in LMP2 the battle continues between Aero Motorsport Connor Zilic is being used up by Aero Motorsport what what a debut in LMP2 for the young former Mazda MX-5 racer or still Mazda MX-5 racer also going to be doing some Xfinity this year he's up against Colin Brown in this stint well Colin we know everything about and the crowd strike racing by Algar Pro Racing is now just nine and a half seconds back with Pietro Fittipaldi in the Inter-Europol by PR1 Matheson in third. Pietro's done a lot of work as well uh, in the second half of the race. In GTD Pro, uh, we've got uh, Alessandro Pagini for Risi by 13 and a half seconds from Brian Sellers in the red, white and black Paul Miller racing car and Michael Christensen in third is just off the lead lap in the 77 EO Racing Porsche. GTD winwards by 24 seconds, then a cracking battle uh, behind the 57 uh, with Vasa Sullivan and Aaron Thielitz in the number 12 Lexus, just eight tenths of a second away from Kai Cosolino and the 296 Ferrari of AF Course of the number 21 car, and then just a second further back is Maxi Goats for caught off Preston in the number 32 Mercedes AMG GT3 VP Racing in race update Nick Damon will take a quick catch up with you before we move on yeah it's all been going on here the key, key stops obviously were the 40 car which is the Acura the red one uh, Cotton Herder got out and they've also only took, they only took right side tyres just had the uh, 31 the wind energy uh, Cadillac that's coming and that has uh, taken four tyres but not changed the driver Four tyres as well for the number six, which is covering from that offer about an hour and a half ago. 
And any second now, we're going to have the, the leader, the number seven car, come in as well. Uh, the two customers' cars, I must say, were a bit out of my sight, and I, I do think they took—they all both took four tyres. Just exchange positions as well. Official retirement now with the Ford number 65 added to the retirement lift as Nick Damon stand by for action. You've got the leader, the number yep. seven Porsche with you. In they roll in, and despite the fact that immediately tempted it, and out gets Maddie Campbell. So it's driver replacement. I haven't got uh, the uh, total memory of a Porsche helmet as young, as young Shea would have, so I'll just say another driver got here. But you'll find out soon enough, you'll trip the, uh, uh, the uh, ID at the end of the pit lane. Uh, four, no, no, sorry, just again, right side tyres only for the uh, seven. So they have... Uh, move those away and now they're having a bit of a check oh no hang on no it's all four tyres sorry I mean, they were so fast on the left hand side I looked in the very convenient holes on the top of the wheel arches let me go on that one um, so effectively the Porsche mechanics were so fast I missed them changing two tyres not like that day over quick fit that's for sure um, and there it goes away as you heard it away on electrical power and then fired up and that was your leader and I saw nothing within that stop that prevented from still being your leader Nick Damon in the pit lane this is very evocative for me, seeing these red, white and black Porsches doing Porsche things. Uh, we've still got Declan Brennan with us, and I, I've asked him to stay, actually, because I, I want him to just expand on those tyre rules. Um, every year, we ask the teams, or him to ask the teams to do as much, if not more, with less resources. Uh, tyres being a significant one, we had... Uh, uh, Michelin talking about that earlier in the race and you're a fan of that and the team are a fan of that why Declan? Well I'm, I'm particularly a fan of it because it is it just adds an element of of what should be driver skills you know we're, we were always talking about what we need to do to put performance back into the hands of the drivers and although mm. as, as I'll expand on in a second that's not that still has some uh, technology to help it but I'll give you a perfect example uh, Tatiana got in, uh, her, would have been her first, maybe her second stint. Uh, she had to double stint her tyres, and that was going to be, uh, it was obvious that, and it was made clear that all the drivers were going to have to kind of do that at some point. So you were sacrificing your, your, your performance somewhat, and you were there to effectively stay in the lead lap, stay in contention, use up the tyres, save the tyres. Save and sh her, she was hanging on but at the end of her double stint yep. like hanging on and obviously and Andrus was brilliant on the radio telling her like let's Take let's work, yep. let's work with the traction control let's do what we can just to, to but so there's there is some but effectively you are still effect, it's a driver skill issue it's to well, you've got to do what, it. yeah you've got to be able to feel it and get what the most uh, and it's I love it because you it's kind of you know it's 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 a game one way and lose the other if you decide to to keep putting new tires on you're going to run out of tyres. Yeah, come the end of the race, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. this, you're going to, and this is. Well, it's the, isn't it the essence of endurance that drivers who can save a bit of fuel or save a bit of tyre, they should be rewarded? Absolutely. And I don't know if this is, is part of it or not, but a little cameo from about two hours ago when the, the seven Porsche with Nasser in it came in and the 31 came in four seconds behind. Yeah. Maddie Campbell got in and Aiken got in and they came out. So four, four seconds apart yeah. and Aitken within two laps had the lead down to under a second and it wasn't traffic yeah and I, I'm, I'm in my head I'm thinking okay is the Porsche 
taking longer to get up the temp? Yeah. Did they put old tires on? Yeah. It's all the stuff that you, the, the things you don't necessarily know. And I'm just wondering whether or not, if we have like a, a money dash at the end, of you know, if everybody comes in uh, uh, with a couple of laps to go and puts on fresh tires, then does it become a case of whose tires get up the temperature fast enough? Yeah. You know, who's willing? And here's the Jorge Lorenzo thing. Are you willing to push harder on cold tires knowing that somebody else won't? Yeah. That was Jorge Lorenzo's mantra and why he won as much was because yeah. he had the ability to push harder on cold tires. Uh, we said our best to Andres and the rest of the team. He's uh, packing up down there right now. It, He's probably listening. Look, I... Uh, it's the roll of the dice sometimes it's called endurance racing not endurance winning uh, I don't think your team needs a lot of character building but you move on you learn and we'll see you at Sebring yeah we had a really fast car really really fast that's the, obviously the, the most disappointing part I think it just kind of you know it just uh, heightens up the, the desire to the expectation well, uh, well more the desire to just to, to show what we actually can do at Sebring yeah Absolutely. See you there, Declan. Best of the team. Oh, my pleasure. Captain, Shana and the rest. Declan Brennan from Gradient Racing. Let's go to Shea Adam in the pit lane. Well, earlier on in the race, there was an issue for the FBK Porsche. This is the number 86 machine with Klaus Backler and Larry Tenbord to take it to the checkered flag. It started suffering from misfires and was missing some power. This was very, very early on in the race. I've just heard it go through the trioval. It was struggling, John. We need to keep an eye on that car. That could cause a caution. Thank you, Shay. Now, there's been a change at the front of GTD, although it's a change that's coming around with the pit stop. We've got the 57, uh, sorry, in GTD Pro. Uh, Pierre Guidi has gone to the lead. Brian Sellers in the number one, BMW, is, is uh, struggling with that car, and we're hearing from the pit wall it is brake problems for the number one car, who have now dropped back to 15 seconds away from Alessandro Pergidi in that GTD Pro leader. Yeah, about about 20 laps ago, the gap between the 62 car and number one car was about 11 seconds. Yeah. Uh, so it's gone out just a little bit, uh, particularly actually in the last few laps, it's certainly gone, you know, gone out a little bit more, uh, but um, you know, they, they are well clear now of that uh, number 77 Porsche. So is it's really just a race between now? those two. Uh, yeah, I think it is just about now. Car, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the yeah the, the BMW has been running the, the very similar speeds to the Ferrari up front, uh, and we just have to watch, just see what the next couple of laps see what they bring. Whether Sellers loses any more, more time, we lost a couple of tenths on the last lap. See what happens this time around as well. Well, I think what's happened this time around, uh, Jeremy, is that they're going to come into the pits because as, uh, most of the team are on the wall. And there are two very, very nice, fresh uh, rotors, pads, and calipers, uh, dry brakes. So it'll be pretty quick installation. You'll see one of these uh, super fast uh, changeovers, hopefully. Um, yeah, so the one car, they're waiting for it to come in. And if they're losing time every lap, there's no point really extending it unless they're very much on the edge of a certain number of fills to get to the end if we run to the green. The uh, lollipop man is getting ready to go in full Willy Wonka fashion. And we'll have him, and when they come in, I'll have a chat. And that's Brooksy, apparently. Okay. Well, there we are. So he's, he's, he's you're going to use his imagination. There we are for lollipop. I've just realised I've, I've conflated two films, haven't I? Because lollipop land is the Wizard of Oz. 
and uh, obviously I was doing really Wonka, so I'm going I'm to have to go and uh, revise my sweet-based uh, songs from films. Very disappointed in you, Nick, uh, on that one. The, the number one card doesn't need to come in right now, but I think what they're doing, they're coming in now with two hours remaining. I think from here, they can get to the end of the race with just one more pit stop. Totally agree. And as they're starting to find brake issues, maybe they feel it's not worth waiting they, they for. They didn't come in, did they? And they haven't come in this time, but they are ready with a new set of brakes for that car. Hello to Terry Murphy in Canada. Due to be here, can't be this week. He's just started... Uh, dialysis and uh, we feel for you Terry um, we have some experience of that in the family so listening at home all the best mate and uh, hopefully you're feeling better soon glad we've been able to keep you in touch with what's going on in sound and vision 70 Fahrenheit out there at the moment in the air that is about 21 Celsius uh, Slightly more toasty, 30 Celsius, 86 Fahrenheit on the track. As here comes Brian Sellers and the Paul Miller BMW to a new set of brakes. And Nick Damon. And obviously he much prefer me than the new set of brakes. OK, so the car now comes in. Uh, all of us suddenly realised this car's got brake problems, so all the big media people took four steps back thinking it might actually stop on its marks. It's got brake issues. Um, meandering around the back, uh, just have a look at this uh, damage on the rear right. There is not an awful lot left of the, uh, the rear valance, you'd say, on that right-hand side. Just going to show you, it's not as aerodynamically important as you think it is. And, you know, they kind of used all the air by the time it gets back there. And I have to say, I'm not very impressed with some of the, uh, t the tank tape work. OK, first disc is off on the right-hand side. These are absolutely amazing. You think about the time it takes to... I did brakes and discs on uh, Ash's car, which is in our bath. It took the pair of us four hours to do it. Um, this is taking them, you know, approximately about a minute at most because they have what's called a dry brake system. That's brake, B-R-E-A-K, uh, not B-R-A-K-E as a brake would be. What it effectively means is you haven't got to go through the whole bleeding process. You just disconnect the cable, put a new one in, and, they, and when you reconnect it, you keep the brake pressure. Um, they're going to have to move that cable. They're going to run over the cable, and then people don't like doing that. Now, interestingly, the fuel's still going in, so I think they may have actually got those brakes done. Uh, not far off the... Uh, <laughs> not far off what they were going to do with the fuel. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive, pretty expensive as well. That's just in most incredibly expensive. That's all part of, uh, of motor racing at the highest level. Formula racing down, still more fuel going in. This thing is being filled to the brim and still going. Wow, this is a very long stop. And there you go, we're smash, the dash, and away go. No driver change, and away goes the BMW M4. And that uh, should prevent this slow creep of drop-off they had. Uh, and whilst... Uh, Nick was watching the brakes. There was a new driver in that car as well. Brian Sellers got out of the pit lane. Uh, got out of the car, rather, as the car is weaving left and right, right to go through the through the exit. Possibly Sheldon Fondalinda uh, in that car. Let's see what it trips when it comes through. Difficult to see. Yes, it was. She Adam spotted that. But fair, fair due. And those are a set of brake discs that have been well used. I think they've had their value out of the, those, Nick Damon, down in the pit lane. You might want to have a look. Stay at the, warm your hands. I think that's a, that is only the first change. Is it? 
Su surprised they would make a, a brake change just with two hours to go if that was the only brake yeah. change they've had to make during the race. Oh, that's um, strange just, to me. Just hearing the did one about 2 a.m. in the middle of the night as well. Oh, Sorry. There you go. I missed that one. Oh, wow, wow. So they, they did 12 hours on the first set and only 7 or 8 on the second. Hmm. It's curious. So, but if you can do it, if you can do that within the time it takes to fill the car up with fuel, then You've why lost not? Nothing. You've lost. It's incredible. Which yeah. they didn't, I don't think. I, I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure. They did. Yeah, they did. They, they had the front brakes off and the front tyres on, and then they did the rear tyres separately. And the f now Nick's just telling me there's very uneven wear on the pads between oh. right and left. Yeah. That's not good. No. Oh, and oh. straight on for that car with the new brake, Sheldon van der Linde. Oh, hang on, right front tyre is not fastened. The wheel and tyre on the right front is not on. Uh, that has not been correctly fastened. So my guess there is the brake disc hasn't been seated properly on that right front. And Sheldon, you need to slow down there, mate. Take it much easier. They've been on the phone to him and told him just that. He was in grave danger there of shedding the right front wheel. And it's still hanging on right on the end of the spindle. Now it pops back in as he's come down onto the apron. This is a disaster for Paul Miller Racing, who've been in the top two or three for the whole of the GTD Pro race. And that will be doing some damage to the hub itself. Nick Damon hasn't moved that far. Van der Linde back into the pit lane. Right front, Nick, is where the problem is. And they've hopped over the wall. They're not looking at anything else. The right front is off. Oh, some kicking. Yeah, I think I think you're right. There may have been a seating issue with the disc, John. Yeah. And that's been the problem. Now, yeah, they had to come out with, with, with some bolts and screws to get that. Because what happens is they've actually got two bolts which effectively attach the disc in, which are then keyed on with a kind of a, a star key all around it. So you get lots of grip, obviously, to, do the braking but obviously if it's kind of a it's, you, you have the hub and then you have the brake and you have the rotor and, you have, and then you course you eventually that then comes onto the the, the nut the back of the wheel and if, if one's placed too far out uh, it means that the uh, the not the single hub the central hub won't actually lock when it gets turned in so it, it's unlocked and they dropped they dropped the nut which is never good Obviously, they must have thought the old one. And of course, it's quite good practice. If you've had a nut that's not going properly, you often you stripped it. Now, if they strip the hub, they are in terrible trouble. Because stripping the hub, it, there's nothing you can do, and it's a very long process to get the whole hub off. So hopefully that's not happened. Yeah, or, I think it has, Nick. I, I think they've stripped at least part of that oh. hub, that uh, spindle. There's so, yeah. so much. Yeah. The last thing you want to hear at this point is the endless... Of a uh, of an air gun because it means it's just sitting there spinning, and every time it goes round on a slightly damaged uh, spindle, it just makes it worse. So they go again, they going to take that. Are they going to take that? The other problem they have now, even they get this working and fixing, this may be the last tyre they could change. Correct. They can't get the now they can't get the gun off because it's gone so yeah, deep. Yeah, it's cross-threaded it effectively. It's gone so deep onto the. Under the hub, okay, and they've cross-threaded. It's been fouling the wheel. Uh, I, I tell you that that, that right is not good, Nick. That yeah, is that, not good at all. That right front, if, if it works, I don't think that right front's coming off in the, for the final two hours. 
Um, the, the one that's been damaged is, is, is a beautiful score mark. Oh, it's down on pressure as well. So that's, oh, right. If, if you look on the inside of the alloy, it's it's basically it's been uh, sorry it's been uh, sitting at the wrong angle. It's actually ground away the inside of the alloy wheel. That obviously meant there's no way that you're going to have a, a, a the air kept in the tyres. It's kind of it's leaked from inside from the wheel out rather than a puncture so it's on machine, top. Has, it's, so it's the, the, effectively what you're seeing here is the the disc because the wheel has come off. The disc has machined out a groove right through the wheel rim. Yeah, but the, the caliper being the highest point, we've done it. But absolutely right there, John. It's uh, it wasn't quite. No, it's off. Oh, he's locked it's gone. up. He's gone straight on. That's it. Uh, and there's pieces of metal filing coming out from the right front. I, I've got to tell you, I, I did not like that front wheel. It looked like there was an issue there. And Sheldon von der Linde is going very quickly into the kink here. He really needs to slow down. I, I suspect that right front wheel is going to do exactly the same again. The brake isn't doing what it should do. He's down at the far end of the circuit now. Oh, this is very worrying indeed. This started on his outlap into the bus stop chicane. They then couldn't get the right front disc, which had just been changed, that rotor. They couldn't get it to seat properly. There's two pegs on which that has to seat. And then as the wheel goes on, it holds it there. Von der Linde back up to speed again. Yeah, oh, my he's, goodness. He's, he's at least two laps behind now the uh, Ferrari. I think three laps behind the Ferrari. So uh, they're very, very costly. Uh, and most unfortunate for that Paul Muller racing team, boy, what a season they had in 2023 with five wins, dominant championships. They won, they swept the board. They won the um, sprint series. They won the Mission Endurance Cup. They won the overall championship, you name it. I oh, actually, no, excuse me, they didn't win the uh, Endurance Cup, did they? Uh, but they won everything else. Uh, and it was a brilliant year. But, and it was looking so good here, Brian. They've had a, a wonderful, 22 hours, but with two hours to go, I think it's got a bit pear-shaped. I've been looking at this battle at the front of the field. It's been fascinating. Since the last round of pit stops, which, which occurred about a 10 laps ago, between the two leaders, the gap came down from about eight seconds or nine, almost 10 seconds it was before the round of pit stops, down to, down to less than six. But over the course of the last four laps, as it extended again, Philippe Naja clearly got the message. He's edging away now again from Tom Blomquist. Uh, Louis Delatra is in the best, well, the only remaining Acura, uh, is slipping farther and farther back here at a pretty rapid rate. Uh, 26 seconds now, 27 seconds across the line to complete lap 730 behind. And a big gap back to the two, uh, well, three Porsches. Uh, Jimmy Bruni and Phil Hansen were exchanging positions after the round of pit stops, but lately, Jimmy Bruni has got back past Phil Hansen, and Phil Hansen also has been passed on this last lap by Nick Tandy, who continues to charge hard in that number six Porsche. So the two uh, Penske Porsche Motorsport entries are looking very, very strong at the moment. Nick Tandy uh, has got a fair bit of ground to make up on the on his teammate who leads the race, Felipe Nasser, following that uh, error by uh, Philippe Eng on the uh, outlap a couple of hours ago, but he is absolutely flying. Let's go to share Adam for a quick update from what's been happening at her end of pit lane. 
just had two LMP2 stops that were caused by damage. Riley came in, changed the tail section on the number 74 in fuel and tires while they were here. And the number eight for Tower Motorsport came in. Ferdy Habsburg brought the car in with some serious right front damage. The headlamp was actually pushed well in. Good thing Tower had yet another nose. They put that on, they put Scotty Mack behind the wheel, sent him out with four new tires and a lot more fuel. Oh, brilliant bit of remembrance here from Daniel Priest at the 2022 Nürburgring 24 hours. Shella von der Linde had a front spindle failure in the Rover BMW that sent them in the wall and out of the race. Maybe spindles and Sheldon don't get on. <laughs> I had forgotten that. He'll be, I'll tell you what, he'll be spitting in that car. I, I, Nick and I just, while Shea was talking there, passing backwards and forwards over the intercom, wondering if perhaps there's some damage to either the wiring for or the ABS sensor itself because they're still locking up that right front wheel at every opportunity and uh, that is not good news for that car if it's going to get to the end in an hour and 50 minutes or thereabouts. Aero Motorsport into the pit lane. This looks entirely regular as far as the stop is uh, as far as the stop is concerned, shit, Adam might be able to confirm. It is entirely regular and entirely planned because Christian Rasmussen is getting in behind the wheel, taking over for Connor Zilich, who must be dead by this point. And Christian is expected to take it to the checkered flag. Also into the pit lane, the number 57 Windward Racing Mercedes. Bill Ellis has gotten out. Daniel Morad has gotten in. Uh, down with Paul Miller Racing and it's uh, Brian. So there's Brian. Uh, motor racing is a harsh mistress, isn't it? It's all going well as it doesn't. Um, can you first of all tell us why you needed to come in to change brakes so near the end of the race? Well, uh, we, we ended up somehow with a significant more amount of pad wear than we expected. It had looked good all day, but maybe in the heat, you know, we started to deteriorate the pad material. So basically that whole um, final stint I did was on no pad at all, like so much so that we cracked the rotors. Um, then we came in, tried to do the change, and I think it looks like maybe something happened with the right front, obviously, that's what sent Sheldon off. And then uh, when that happens, you have ABS failures and faults and lamps that set the whole system into shock. So uh, it's just, yeah, it's frustrating. Just, just for own records, you had already changed the pads once, hadn't you, in the middle of the night? Yeah, yeah, we had. Um, and this is not a new problem for us. We've had this before. We've had it in the shorter races and like petite, shorter endurance races, sorry. So um, we thought we'd had it fixed, but apparently not. You know, it's something that we've spent a lot of time looking into, but uh, seemingly need to spend a little bit more time. So our feeling is that to get to the end of the race, you won't be able to change that front right tire, will you? That'll have to run the whole two hours. Um, I hope not, because I don't think it was new to begin with. Uh, but yeah, I, I, if I was a betting man, I would say that's the case, judging by the way they had to lock that thing on there. So, I mean, right now it's just about trying to finish. You mentioned ABS problems. We saw the wheel is locking up. So currently, is there no ABS on that wheel or no ABS on any of the wheels? Is this losing one take the whole system out? No, um, we were able to reset it. Um, we had to try a couple times but eventually we got it to reset so it looks like at those lap times I would say uh, the lamp is the yeah the alarm lamp is out now so I think we're okay um, you know so now we just got to see if we can milk the thing for a podium right because there's obviously no you know at this point you know multiple laps down to second there's no there's no chance for that so just focus on you know, trying to spray some champagne I hope desperate bad I really hope that podium thanks Brian yeah thank you
very informative. Yeah, Brian's always that way, isn't yeah, he? He's, he's very honest and um, a very, I don't know, would you say he's pragmatic there? I'm not, sh I'm not sure. I, th I think he's, it, that is an issue that they've been grappling with that car. It happened at Sebring and as, as Brian said at uh, Petit Le Mans as well. So, ah, what a, what a shame with uh, just under two hours to go. But if they can drag that car to the finish, they should be rewarded with a podium. A uh, couple of great battles going on in GTD. That was one of them. Kai Casalino now 30 seconds ahead and more, 47 seconds ahead of Daniel Morad uh, in second in GTD. It's a decent gap as well in GTD Pro where Michael Christensen has just taken over Rexy, which means the outcoming driver can talk to Shea Adam. Uh, it's Michael Christensen who's just gotten out. Uh, ah. Lauren Heinrich has taken over that car, which is one of these two full season pairings, and they're looking to try and finish the season right where they started. So let me uh, see where Michael's run off to, and I'll shout up when I've got him. I had a great chat with uh, the AO Racing crew on, uh, on Saturday morning before the race, and uh, in fact, on Friday, before the race and uh, Lauren uh, with uh, Seb Prio and Michael Christensen and they'd planned to actually split up the uh, the different aspects. The pole lap was set by Seb Prio, the Michael Christensen started the race and Lauren Heinrich going in for the run to the end. And just by keeping their nose clean, they're second in GTD Pro at the moment and anything happens to that Risi Ferrari, you never know. Rexy could be getting a watch. Just. Uh very quickly want to check in with Shea Adam while she's trying to track down the driver there. Uh, I'm right in saying, Shea, that we tracked the Tower Motorsport LMP2 car having to have two nose changes in relatively rapid succession. Back-to-back -back pit stops, as a matter of fact. Yeah, John. Uh, with, with a normal stint between them, not as if they had to come in one lap uh, afterwards. It was not a very long stint. It was okay. not the full length because of the damage to the nose. Thank you. I thought I hadn't made that up. Jeremy looking for a bit of information for his uh, lap chart, which he is doing on his lap. Let's, which is why it's called lap chart, of course. Uh, let's go to Michael Christensen, who's with Shea Adam. Michael, how much is left in Rexy for the end of this race? We've been flat out all the time. Uh, you know, it's, we have definitely off pace here compared to the competition, but uh, it shows that uh, being clean throughout the race is. Uh, Paid off a bit here, but but yeah, in the end, let's see. Uh, still some uh, minutes to go, but but yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's been a tough ride, but we are very proud of where we are at the moment. Big fan base cheering for you. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. Just a, a slight hint of uh, slight hint of was that disappointment? Was it? Oh. Is he just tired? Like uh, Michael's a. Uh, Michael's a very softly spoken person. He he's, a, he's a very um, uh, contemplating guy. He's a really, really nice person, is, uh, is Michael, and a hugely decorated driver. He's won this race before, six years ago, um, with the Allegra team. He's won the Le Mans in the GTE Pro category and the Pink Pig with Kevin Estra and Lawrence Fantor and world champion. And uh, what I get from that is, is that they, ha they have nothing left. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, what I hear is they're saying, that's all we've got. Yeah, I think yeah, that's all he that's, had as well. Yeah, that's all he had, it's all Lawrence had, it's all Seb's had, and it's all the cars had. And every bit of that team have done all they can. And sometimes in racing, it's not enough. And sometimes it is. 
and we won't know until about 100 minutes from now. That's a good point, actually. High noon at Daytona International Speedway as we go into the last 100 minutes of the 60-second Rolex. 24 hours of Daytona. If you've been with us all the way through, well done, you. It's the 107.9 FM transmitter. Still ticking away nicely. Sirius XM, Channel 207 and around the world on RS2, as well as our world video feed as well. And great thanks to NBC for allowing us to take over and give their guys a bit of a rest from a bit longer this year. We've got six hours of the race from uh, midnight to 6 a.m. Not often over here in the States we get to take over a national station. We'll be doing it in a few weeks' time in Australia for the Bathurst 12 hours. You'll be able to watch that here in the States, all live and free, uh, via the player at uh, radiolamont.com and, of course, the audio for everyone as well. Full coverage in about 22 days' time, 23 days' time of that. Looking Very much looking forward to going to, to Bathurst again. You should have had a leave for... Uh right at the end of this race to, that's know, to, a, that's to a, you know what Jeremy that's a very good point and it's made a huge difference to a lot of drivers as well I mean the teams if the teams are there the cars are already on the way but the uh, you're spot on uh, Bathurst and supercars events who organise Bathurst pushing it back a couple of weeks Porsche and Porsche so side by side it's the number 85 of Phil Hansen yeah. with uh, sixth place. Is it, is it Phil Hansen still in the 85? Correct, it is. Who's he side by side with? Well, he was side by side with, I think, that must have been the leader, putting yes. another lap on him. Oh, yes, was it was. It, it was, was Philippe yeah. Nasser. And the, oh, the, the leader's coming down, and yeah. quickly, well, uh, Tom Blunkfist has just set the best lap of the race for that car, 135.709 and has just taken two seconds out of Felipe Nasser for the lead, so it's only 3.2 seconds, uh, the gap now at the front. This motor race is on. So, an hour and 38 minutes to go here in the 62nd Rolex 24 at Daytona, and too close to call, Jeremy, with the, especially with the 31 Cadillac charging. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little, little while ago that the gap had come down, then it extended again, and then in the last four or five laps, uh, Tom Blomkis has really got the move on, and as you said, he just set uh, his best lap of the race at 135.709. Uh, is that the fastest lap of the race, actually? I think Not quite. No, I think that's the way of actually the car he's chasing, the seven car, 135.605. Yeah. It's very tight. Yeah, it is, and uh, that was set uh, about 100 laps ago by... Uh, Felipe Nasser, lap 637, exactly 100 laps ago actually, lap 637 for Nasser, 135, 605, 135, 709, just starting that last lap by Tom Blomquist. And uh, the number 85 car, Phil Hansen, he was go he was running really well the first part of his stint, but certainly struggling towards the end of it. Uh, and as you say, just falling off the lead lap then to Felipe Nasser, who now has Tom Blomquist right with him, less than a second between those two. So more than two seconds Tom Blomquist made up on that last lap of 35, uh, another 35.7 for Blomquist. Wow, he is absolutely flying. Well, I, 
think uh, I think the heat is playing into the hands of Cadillac here. 34 degrees uh, Celsius track temperature. I think it now. must have been traffic there because yeah, also, be, yes, it's been super consistent, NASA. Uh, but all of a sudden, that gap has come right down. No, I, I totally agree with you as well on that one, Jeremy. But I do think a lot of the Porsche drivers mentioned that they they felt the car was better in the cool conditions, whereas it seems the Cadillac is good in, in everywhere, but it's yeah. not an exact science at all, and you're right, the traffic definitely playing a big factor. And meanwhile, Louis Deltraz, he's just uh, falling farther and farther, about 37 seconds now, the gap from second to third, that uh, gap has gone out by, by 10 seconds in the last 10 laps, nine laps actually, so more than a second lap, but the Acura of Louis Deltraz is losing to those two leaders. Thanks to Cher Adam for her most recent stint in the crowd strike pit report. Rotor, Joe Bradley is popping in to the pit in end of things where he stumbled upon a problem with the number three Corvette. Yeah, I did. It. I have literally stumbled as well. The three Corvette. Now we get sworn. And I have no idea what that was. So the number three Corvette pulled off and then stopped halfway off the apron and had to be pushed back to its hit, but nobody really did anything to it. Maybe it was a kind of a bit of a reset, but it's now underway, so that uh, caused a bit of concern, didn't it? So, take an interview now from Nick Damon, who has uh, got Kai Cosolino, who's been uh, plying his trade with some aplomb, Nick, over the last 18 hours or so. Kai, it's all smiles because less than two hours ago and you brought the car in in the lead. It's uh, you know, let's not count anything, but it's been, a, it's been a great run for you personally. Yeah, I mean, uh, everything is going under control until now. Our target was really to survive until the last two hours, so we really nursed the car, uh, saved fuel, and now I went uh, full banana. <laughs> and uh, we were P1, but uh, I lost about 10 seconds because the gear got stuck in 2.5. Thank God we got it back in gear, so just keeping fingers crossed until the end of the race. How much has the car changed over the course of the 22 hours so far? Yeah, we set the car up exactly for these last two hours, so, you know, um, we know that track evolution was going to be key, rubber, so we set the car that we could be fast here. Maybe in the night it was not fantastic, but everything is really thanks to all the air, of course, you guys. For me, it was my first Daytona, but Simon... Miguel, Francois, really, they, they, they taught me how to race this circuit, and I'm so grateful for everyone. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, congratulations, mate. Back to the front of the field, John. Because the lead is down to just on two seconds. It's gone up. It's gone up to two it seconds, closer yeah. than that, yeah. So the, the, the uh, Bloomquist had carved quite a bit of time out of Nazar there uh, at the front of the field but uh, it seems like the traffic has sort of ebbed and flowed back the way uh, Nasser three tenths of a second quicker than Blancfist last time by but mind you just in sector one Blancfist has taken it straight back again yeah fascinating duel between these two I'm wondering whether Nasser lost a little bit of time actually getting past the, the lap car of Phil Hansen the, 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 what is now the lap car of Phil Hansen uh, because Hansen, of course, wouldn't have wanted to go a lap down in that JDC Miller Motorsports entry. Well, they're desperately trying not to, aren't they? They, they were. They have, they have uh, unfortunately, they did. They but uh, I'm wondering whether that was a little bit costly for uh, for the race leader. So there's a couple of laps there where he's in th a 37 and then 30, a 38 on lap 738. That's a lap on which uh, Tom Blokus really did narrow the gap just to, to just a few car lengths. 
So coming down and 90 minutes to go, the gap two seconds as we've mentioned. Uh, I'm absolutely fascinated, gentlemen, by the way this race has ebbed and flowed yeah. through the daylight hours. Yeah. I would have liked to, uh, lovely though they are, I would have liked to have seen slightly less of the Cadillac safety cars. But when we've had these long runs, it's fascinating, as I say, to see the swing of the pendulum from one manufacturer to another. It looked for all the world, Jeremy, earlier on, that the 31-wheel and Cadillac was running away with this. As the temperatures have come up, as the clouds have cleared, they're not having everything their own way, Porsche, came back into it overnight so the bmw for quite a well, while for a long time till they both bit the dust in the nighttime hours still technical problems is what bmw team rll has said what about the gearbox i think uh, I steering 24 gearbox yeah. oil 25 and i think yeah. it was the 24 where the tow rope snapped when it was coming back which cost uh, a little bit of extra time that's insult to injury well. isn't it <laughs> this uh, uh power steering of course nowadays is electrical so um, that's electrons rather than fluid that were doing what they were meant to do when those electrons get a mind of their own that's when you're in real trouble isn't it or when they start leaking leaking electrons just as bad as leaking fluids it's a world For i couldn't possibly understand <laughs> Game on at the front of the field. Tom, Tom Blunkfist. Oh. This is a quick lap from Blunkfist. He's looking good on the splits as they come up towards the start finish line. And indeed, he's just taken another three tenths of a second out. The gap is down to just on a second. Bit of clear road in front of them for a couple of corners if they can go by the right car. Here's the Porsche down the inside for Felipe Nasser. He gets through in the international horseshoe. Every time I see that right Porsche, the number 120, who dutifully moves to the right-hand side and allows Blomqvist through, that's actually really good driving. Just had to move cars width to the right-hand side and yep. knew he would go through. I like I like to see that, but every time I'm I sure see that... I'm sure you got the call from upstairs. Yeah, I'm yep. sure. Yeah, Spotters. you've got the leaders. Don't, don't mess it up. Yep. Spotters uh, are so critical in this race. Uh, very good indeed. It's Jan Hiller behind the wheel, so he knows which way is up. Every time I see that car, though, um, all, all I can uh, think of is the uh, is the colour scheme we mentioned uh, earlier on on the uh, that used to be on the Celine and uh, the Conrad Motorsport colours. Yeah, Conrad Motorsport. yeah, it's got a little bit of the um, uh, Garretson Enterprises. Um, uh, Dick Barber racing John Fitzpatrick oh, take yes. the white away of course but the blues are quite yeah. similar down to a second then at the front of the field the chase is on as we go under 90 minutes we won't be changing ends at half time this is a run all the way to the checkered flag now with a little high cloud but not much as I look out over the beautiful sight of Daytona and still that packed infield where the uh, support races were on either side of the paddock now taken up with even more cars Haggerty with the have taken over where the uh, the master the wheel and master paddock were they were packing them in there this morning 
gap down to three quarters of a second. Bloomquist picks another three tenths out of Nasser for this battle for the lead. What a showdown this is between two of the top prototype race drivers in the world. Nasser, the ex Formula One star, and he's right. There's no, there's no gap between them now. Bloomquist is right on the tailpipe of the number seven Porsche of Felipe Nasser for the race lead. Nasser with 20% of his energy remaining. Bloomquist with 15. They accelerate up through the gears, 100 miles an hour, 120 miles an hour. My goodness, there, pick up speed so quickly, up over 150 miles an hour, now 170, 80, getting up towards 200 miles an hour before they break for the Le Mans chicane. And the gap is down to visual. Don't get the stopwatch out for this one. Target acquired by the young Brit with the Scandinavian name. Yeah, and still pulling away from Louis Delatres accurate yeah, at a second point. per lap. And more, actually. Wow. wow. Delatres due into the pit shortly. He's almost out of fuel and energy. Jimmy Bruni in fourth, down at 10% as well. Tandy down at 10%. That's the six cars, the one that has uh, had the issues and he's in the pit lane they're not risking it this time on those stint energy levels that should mean one stop to the end for them one more stop to one the more end. stop yes yeah, one agreed. more stop to the end uh this for the number six two 45 minute stints from here and i yeah. think they can't do that you're right I, you'd with well, the way things sit right now the number six porsche penske motorsport machine would like a caution uh, to uh, to bring them back into yeah. the picture, and then they've got the pace to fight. No question about it. Yeah. They're, they're right there. But uh, who wants at the front? Well, we don't. We almost don't want a caution because this is just such a good battle to watch. Yeah, yeah. we're being selfish. Delatraz yeah, in the and pit it's go lane. time. You know, with an hour and a half to go now, this is this is hammer down. What have you got? Delatraz on the pit lane, getting full service. We'll keep an eye on the front of the field as that is a brand new set of Michelin medium compound tyres. That's all you can use now. There was the option of overnight. There was the option of soft tyres from seven o'clock last night to eight o'clock this morning. I don't think anybody actually used them. We'll find out after the end of the race. I did not see any of the red stickers on the sidewalls uh, in the stints that I did. Here comes Blomqvist, Joe Bradley. Yeah, we were looking at this car's pace and thinking the car may have dropped pace since the sun came out. However, that really showed well against the Porsche. Blomqvist will stay at the wheel of the car for this one. He's getting, yeah, brand new, brand new sticker tyres from Michelin going on every corner of this car. Fueling going in, team just preparing the windscreen by pulling a tear off. Uh, fiddly when you've got mechanics gloves on, need your fingernails. Bit of rubber pickup being pulled out of the ducks at the front, fueling still going on. Thumbs up from the back. Crew member giving Tom the signal when the fueler pulls away, then he goes. That was slick. What's interesting there, Joe, is that again went off on the internal combustion engine. The yes, Cadillac, it did. The Cadillac's yeah. been doing that pretty much for the second half of the race I've noticed. I reckon I reckon they're doing that to get more wheel spin and to generate more tyre temperature 
and do cooler burn burnouts as well. That's right. a nice bonus. But uh, I do. I wonder, have they found something where they find it's e if you go off on the internal combustion engine, you generate more wheel spin and therefore more critical temperature in the tire, in the rear tire. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. It, it, it's as good an excuse and reason as anything. I just had news from race control. Uh, of another retirement, this time the second retirement in GTP, and it is the Acura number 10 of Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport. So that is just the second of the GTP retirements uh, among see what has been quite a, an attritional race, to be honest. Uh, four, I mean, that five LMP2s now. Sean Creech is not coming back, I don't think. Uh, two, uh, uh, two GTPs, as we mentioned. So on, on this stint, uh, John, the, the Porsche is going to go, uh, well, at least two laps longer than the number 31 uh, Whelan Cadillac. Last time around, they came in together on lap... Uh, now, there were, well, two stops ago, they came in together. That was lap 691. The next stops... They were one lap apart, uh, 7.19 for number 31 car, uh, 7.20 for the 7, so that was a 29-lap uh, a stint for the number 7. And this time around, looks like 7 car is going to stretch it one more lap as well. That's really rather interest interesting. I wonder whether that, that might explain why the number 31 car was able to close in a bit, because he was running harder, using up a little bit more energy. To wait and see. I think we've, I think we've got 17 or 18 retirements at this point. And uh, hi to Steve Tadman says Daniel Morad. Please discuss. Not particularly well known on the world stage. Uh, possibly if you're a sim racer, yes, but not a big known name. But he's doing an amazing job. Top quality driving, my opinion. I don't think you'll get any argument from us, Steve, no. on that. But no. So I, I, he's been. He's been one of my drivers of the race. Uh, I thought Matt Campbell in the middle of the night was absolutely yeah. was stunning yeah. in the long stints. Every time he's, he's been in the car. Connor yeah. Zilich has been, I mean, plugged in, used and abused in, in that car. Well, and Christian Rasmussen has been fantastically fast. Well, how good have these, yeah. some of these young drivers yeah. uh, been in the, you know, drivers who, this is the next generation we're talking about here, isn't it, gentlemen? With uh, Ooh, some of these young drivers. Out again. Stayed out again, did you say? Yeah. Toby Sowery. So Sowery, what about him in the crowd strike? Yeah. yeah. I, I, th these Malte Jakobsen. Yeah, Malte Jakobsen. Well, we've known about Malte for a while. But, you know, when Malte yeah. brings his A game, he's as good as anybody. And he's brought his A plus game this weekend. Yeah, he's been playing his trade in sports cars now for the last several years. The other two, Rasmussen and, uh, and certainly Zilic, who's, who's only 17 years of age, for goodness sake, That's haven't. Scary. Uh, I mean, scary. Rasmussen drove with this team last year, was very, very impressive. They knew they wanted him back again. Uh, and uh, yeah, he went, he, he, I mean, he's just, he's a star. I mean, he, no doubt about it. Yeah, he won last year's Indy Next Championship. He won the USF 2000 Championship in in 2020. Back-to-back, uh, -back, he then won the USF Pro 2000 Championship. And then uh, last year, he won the Indy Next as well. So you know, here's a guy who is clearly on the rise. He's going to be driving this year in the uh, NTT IndyCar Series. Watch out for him. 
Joe Bradley has the leader in the pits, yes. finally. Yeah, yes, he's, uh, he's finally come in. He's not listening to Jeremy at all, is he? I'm going to tap him on the shoulder. Um, he's not getting out of the car, though. Um, we're going to see no driver change on the number seven Porsche. And tyres already done and dusted, just waiting for the fueling. It's uh, it's all very slick, and um, you know what? You can lose this race in the lane, can't you? And these guys are not prepared to do that. It's fairly standard. Joe Bradley keeping an eye on it. That car goes out on electric power, and then the V8 twin turbocharged engine kicks in. It's been in pretty good shape, that seven car, actually. Had yeah. too many dings and scratches on it. They've looked after it well. They've looked after it very, it's very well. It's another part of it, Pete, isn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, no, no question about it. No question. Um, Matt Campbell, Felipe Nazar, Joseph Newgarden, and Dean Cameron, the uh, the quartet there. Uh, saw Joseph Newgarden uh, at catering the other day, where uh, we had fried chicken. Uh, oh. But Joseph, did. Joseph just looked at, walked out to it, looked at it, and it was very tasty. It wasn't that and, and he, you could just see him going through his head going, that's BOP ballast on a plate right there. Um, and he asked, could he have some grilled chicken instead? Which, of course, the great team at Apex Catering did oblige. Yes, it is. Um, so I think that's that's the only difference, really, between Joseph Newgarden and us, I think. We, we eat fried chicken and he doesn't. I actually had the cod that night. It looked nice, too. It was very good. That was Friday evening, wasn't it? Yes. So he was thinking, that's half a tenth. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he can treat himself after the race. <laughs> For a moment, number 31 scored as the leader, but only for a moment. Felipe Nasa <laughs> goes through. No, I don't think so, John. That was a timing glitch. Ah, okay. Because the number seven car stayed out much longer, uh, and uh, he was he was better part of a lap ahead, and number 31 car certainly didn't lose that advantage. So it's a little glitch there on that timing system. But uh, yeah, as they came across the line last time around with this number seven car going out of the pits, there was a 30 second gap between them. That won't be reality. The brilliantly named Speedy McSpeeding says, I'm wondering why I've just watched the 62 Ferrari race go by the Paul Sinning 77 Porsche. Like the 77 was a Miata. Do you guys even know how to BOP, bro? Well, Speedy, the BOP for this race was set by the manufacturers. IMSA do not do it as we have the pass for the lead side by side across the oh, side by side round the, the, the Triasi Ferrari and Blomqvist knows how to get it done round the top side that was extraordinary stuff and what yeah. a run big big lock up from the Porsche in second NASA somehow gets it slows down somehow gets it to the apex of the first happen and this is the difference with Blunkfist is on his tires are up to temperature and pressure yes. Nazar's aren't yet clearly uh, exactly because Blunkfist right. was able to pass him very easily there uh, or relatively speaking shall we say um, and moves into the lead of the motor race really interesting stuff at the front of the field cat and mouse now what's fascinating for me it came from a long way back he's in the yeah. draft and I, I think NASA kind of knows what he's got to do. He goes to the high side past the Iron Links car, and that is just Grunt and Aero. Then they had to split past. I think that was the Triassi car, wasn't it, that they went by. And once he gets ahead, 
you think, well, just more grip. Felipe's got to just ease off a little bit. He wasn't prepared to. May have done some damage to his Michelin tyres. A little bit of side drafting as well. Then they had to split round the 296. Fabulous. Yeah, That's just more grip for the, for, for the Cadillac. Wouldn't. Oh, and with see, those see, couple of laps warmer and up to temperature and pressure tyres. Also, see what happened when the Cadillac came right back in front of Felipe and Nasser. Nasser just had massive uh, aero wash up the steer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's what's fascinating for me is is that Tom Bloomquist is the effectively third driver in that car. He's here for the endurance races, whereas Jack Aitken and people Durrani are the full season drivers. So. Do, what do Action Express do here with this Whalen Cadillac? Do they leave Blomquist into the end? Or do they put either Durrani or Aitken in at the pit stop? So, vibration on the new set of tyres being reported by Felipe Nasa before the lockup. So is this a set of used tyres? No, they were brand no. new. They were brand new when they went back on. Yeah, they're, they're all, they've all used up all their tires they had to yeah. use up they're, they're all fresh tires from here at the end um, well 99% sure of that they've been kept in a, in a locker with a, yes. a security code yes. going you're not touching them until uh -huh. the end of the race guys now, the only question is you know, have they been just sort of scrubbed for a lap or so perhaps just to get the edge off them but um, I think we've seen uh, from our CrowdStrike pit lane reporters that no, they're putting no, on absolutely it was brand fresh tires it was yeah, sure and they were shiny brand new yep. Battle again in uh, GTD. It's now for uh, second position with the uh, Mikkel Grenier moving ahead of uh, Miguel, Mol Miguel Molina and Albert, Albert Costa. So Mercedes ahead of two Ferraris who are really running strong at this stage in the game. And Parker Thompson, number 12, Lex Vassar Sullivan Lexus. He's been elbowed back now to fifth position in the class. That's happened over the course of the last. Uh, relatively short period of time what we are looking at now are i, I kind of don't like this term but it it, it it works these are the money laps these are laps that count and it was kai cozzolino about 45 minutes ago talking to our crowd strike pit lane team said it's all been coming to this we've set the car up for the last two hours you look at the weather forecast peter uh you look at what the track temperature is going to be and that's climbing already 35 celsius that's 95 fahrenheit in the same way as in my keys to the race porsche keys to the race for sebring it will be get to the darkness and have the car do its best work in the dark this is have your car do the best in the heat of the day and those who've got it right here are reaping the benefits now crowdstrike car in with nick damon yeah, it's a full service. It's the, they've also saved their tyres at the end, but they've uh, changed drivers. Colin Brown's got out. Didn't, obviously, a bit of a distance since he's got in, but it's interesting because you thought Colin might be someone they take it to the end. Nope, he's out. And uh, away goes the orange CrowdStrike car. And that's a CrowdStrike report about the CrowdStrike motor vehicle. <laughs> What's interesting about that point on the ferrari setup kai cosolino is in the 21 af course of ferrari is that they were very fast in the first hour or two of the race That's right um when it was very similar weather conditions That's to this. a good point so that was where they made their biggest gains then they kind of settled in a little bit and daniel surra was amazing oh, wasn't ten, he? 10 spaces in an hour yeah 10 spots least. in an hour incredible so clearly they have a car that works in in the heat 
Well remembered, Peter. Well remembered. Uh, how do you assess the Corvettes today? AWA have had a horror, horror show and the works supported Corvette racing by Pratt Miller. Semi-factory, I'm going to call those. Semi-fac. Semi-factory. Semi-factory, right. Semi-works. Is it like us? I mean, they're factory cars, I'm going to that's, say. Uh, that's, Pratt Miller, that's, 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 that's part of the GM factory. Is, is a semi-factory sort of a big building, but without a roof? Is that <laughs> <laughs> no, they've got the roof as well, okay. actually. It's got a bit of an air of Porsche Salzburg about it. Got like yeah, it does. <laughs> how, how do you assess that, Peter? A brand new car. I think that you, Corvette come to win always from the word go and they'll be really disappointed they'll be disappointed that the, the Pratt Miller cars haven't run cleanly and they'll be disappointed that the customer two customer cars haven't either but it's a brand new car it's a ground well, up um, yes it is yeah. uh, I mean it's his first race for that car but of yeah. course they were testing here just a couple of days after la last yeah, year's Rolex true. 24 so they've been on, this, on the case of this car for an entire year and more We've got uh, just under a month before TF Sport take to the track in Qatar for the FIA World Endurance Championship. Um, Tom Ferrier is a very shrewd cookie. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they go in the, in the shakedown, in the, in the prologue. They've got work to do. They'll want to do a lot of mileage, I think, um, because Qatar weather... What time of day is the race? That's a good question. Because if it's during the day, That'll be a lot more intense than this. It's a, it's a long it's a long race. It's eighteen hundred kilometres. Oh my! Okay. Um, so it'll go to I think it'll go to eight hours possibly, and uh, so I, I'm assuming it'll finish in the dark, start in the daytime. Haven't, I haven't. That's two races away and three events away. So I haven't quite started looking at the <laughs> timetable for that just yet. But uh, that uh, there'll be a bit of. What debriefing to do? What I would add, and what I would put very good money on if I were a betting man, is they'll get it right sooner rather than later. Yeah. They always do. They've got the C5 Corvette, which they launched the era of Corvette racing. They got it down in the Chevrolet hospitality area. Every single edition, C5, C6, C7, C8, they've all won. That's a very short stint there for the uh, LMP2 class-leading era motorsport uh, entry. Christian Rasmussen's just left the pit lane. Uh, he was only on, on pit lane uh, 10 laps ago, so that's way, way short. And uh, he's going to give up the lead, I think, to the 0-4 car. Are they back timing, do you think? Actually, not really, because crowd the 0-4 car was just in the pits, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, crowd strike has just been oh, Okay, in. so they've both done the same thing. Uh, they, can they go for an hour and 10? No. No, but that's, but that's probably two, two stints exactly. Isn't okay. Thereabouts. Short stints, you know, flat out stints. Maybe that's why they, they want to get on strategy with the 04 CrowdStrike car in LMP2 and then go on go on full rich, full flat out. Uh, Nick Damon is down at Tower. Any bodywork changes this time, Nick? No, they're happy with both the front deck and the and the nose situation. I think what's happened is the P2 cars have pulled the pin on when they can get there on one fuel spot. They're all putting four new boots on. So my guess is they're going to come in and uh, it, you know, get to the end. There's a new rear deck going on the Riley car, um, and there was a new rear deck going on the uh, 99 AO uh, Dragon machine as well. But it was a the leader itself, which of course is the 18 era car. Christian Rasmussen stayed on board, and that just got some new tyres. So um, 
yeah, I think they're now just putting the pin. And they're not, what basically means is that they're not banking on seeing any yellow flags. Yeah, my mistake. I, I, I misread that. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. Right. Uh, that, that's it. Uh, all, all of the uh, LP2 cars, I think, have just been in now. Uh, and there'll be one more stop to go from here. Chris Stewart says, loving the broadcast. Sim races everywhere, pulling for Daniel Mora. Shout out to team in proper. Done. Uh, he's doing rather well in full metal racing, is Daniel Morad, being one of the stars of this. Don't forget, we've got a uh, broadcast team. We've got our BDO Nose Strategy Award before the end of the race. And it's time for a VP in race update. Let's take it from the top where this battle continues. It's 3.4 seconds. That's as big as it's been for some time. Tom Blomqvist taking the lead in an audacious manoeuvre after the pit stops as Philippe Nasser was still getting his Michelin tyres on the Porsche up to temperature and pressure. So it is the 31 Cadillac that leads from the 7 Porsche at three and a half seconds. Then a full minute further back, Louis Delatraz for the number 40 Acura, the Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport car. It's the blue and dark red car. Matty Jaminet. Porsche Penske Motorsport number six is a further 31 seconds back and five seconds ahead of Jimmy Bruni in the bright yellow. Uh, sorry, in the uh, black and gold Proton competition. It's the bright yellow JM, uh, JDC Miller Motorsport. A couple of laps further back for Richard Westbrook in sixth. Nick Yellowly in seventh for the first, the BMW Team RLLs. They are about 90 seconds apart, the 25 and the 24 car, but still running. In LMP2, the Aero CrowdStrike Racing Battle. Just eased for a moment. It's as if somebody's turned it down off the boil to a mere simmer. As it's about 15 seconds. Christian Rasmussen's just gone through. Yeah, 15.8 seconds. Tom Dillman just coming out of the pits in third in the Inter-Europol uh, by PR1, no, sorry, that, he's not coming out of the pits, he's just driving around quite nicely, this is the uh, 52 car. Then another 23 seconds further back, Philippe Fraga for Riley in the Ranch 74 car, number 74, Scott McLaughlin for Tower. It is another 11 seconds further back, but still on the lead lap in class in that number 8 Tower Motorsports machine. GDD Pro, recent competition it has come to the fore. They were hot in the early running and the heat of the day. And as it's warmed up here, so has their pace. The 62 Risi Ferrari then ahead of Lauren Heinrich, another sim racer, the AO Racing Porsche, and the BMW M4 GT3 of Sheldon von der Linde after the brake problems. It's still in third place in GTD Pro. In GTD, really interesting. Daniel Morad leads by 30 seconds. Winwood Mercedes from Albert Costa for Conquest, who's got Miguel Molina in another Ferrari 296 behind the 21 by three tenths of a second. So 57, 34, and 21. Then it's Mick Grenier, another two seconds further back. And Parker Thompson and Scott Andrews make up the top six. And the Ferraris, Jeremy, are absolutely flying in the heat of the day in both GTD Pro and GTD. Yeah, they are indeed. Uh, number 34 and number 21, I mean, they've been moving up uh, 
steadily now over the course of the last hour or two, uh, really into their stride now. Uh, the question is, can they catch that windward Mercedes? 30 seconds, that gap. It was 35 not long ago, maybe 10 laps ago. Um, but they're closing in. They're certainly closing in. The two Ferraris there, number 34 car, the Conquest Racing entry for with Albert Costa at the wheel of that car at the moment. He passed Miguel Molina, which is not bad going, a few laps ago to move into second position. Uh, and then they both of them got past Mikel Grenier's Mercedes a little time before that. Parker Thompson doesn't seem to have the pace in that Lexus in the later stages that he showed earlier in the race and, of course, in qualifying, because it was Parker that put that car on the pole two years ago. Uh, Parker was spotting here for uh, one of the teams, and here he is two years later, he was on the pole position and uh, led a goodly portion, that car led a goodly portion of the early stages well, first half of the race, they led much of it. Problem for, well, a potential problem in coming for car number six, Mathieu Jaminet, on the lead lap right now, but maybe not for long because the Tom Blomquist is chasing down Mathieu Jaminet in that number six Porsche. So if Blomquist goes by, they are off the lead lap. So if uh, the number six Porsche wants to win this race, they cannot afford to lose this position and also can do their teammate a big, big favour here because the harder that Mathieu Jamini fights this, it will slow Blomqvist up and allow NASA to catch up. So Porsche Penske Motorsport, by virtue of having two cars in the general hunt here, definitely playing in their favour. Yes, yeah, so they've got past... Oh, mistake for Blomqvist. Sorry, sorry, Jeremy. Massive mistake. Big chink at the international horseshoe there for Blomqvist. That was a strange one. Lost the car completely Ooh. there as he tried to get on the power coming out the international horseshoe yeah, so uh, they've uh, they've put a lap uh, not only Richard Westbrook who's actually I think a couple of laps back now but Jimmy Bruni also has gone a lap down then Matthew Jaminet struggling to stay on the lead lap as you say and he, he doesn't seem to have the pace of the number six car doesn't seem to be as quick as the number seven no, I wonder if they've been spooked by those penalties they've got for using overusing their their, uh, their allowable power parameters, and they've had to go a little bit safer. And that very uncharacteristic error on cold tyres coming out the pits from Kevin Estra a couple of hours ago is, I think, has cost them dearly. But Mathieu Jaminet, there's a, there's a twofold benefit here. If he can not only stay ahead of Blunquist for them to stay on the lead lap. He can also, by doing so, slow down Blomqvist and allow his teammate to catch up. So this is real tactics could come into play here. Just want to go back to something we were talking about earlier on, the GTD balance of performance changes, Jeremy. Issued by IMSA earlier in the week, but effectively negotiated by the manufacturers sitting around a table or on a Zoom call or yeah. whatever. This is a something a little bit different uh, for a major series yeah the the series collects independently all of the data and puts it before the manufacturer technical group who i don't know whether they do rock paper scissors or whatever no i'm sorry i'm being facetious there uh, there was a raft of them all bar the uh Lexus RCF got some kind of changes one way or t'other, but 
am I am I wrong in, in that that they were announced by IMSA, but they weren't mandated by IMSA? Effectively, they are because it's the the series. But but they came about after the the teams worked through the numbers. Yeah, after manufacturers there, they had the technical working group. All the manufacturers are invited to play a part a role in that and. And uh, yes, they, they, they give their input. They basically thrash it around amongst themselves. Uh, if if uh, one of the manufacturers thinks they've got a deficit, they've got to persuade that they've, they've got all the data, all the information is there uh, in terms of downforce, uh, acceleration, pit stop time, everything, you name it, it's there. Uh, and they have to kind of plead their case amongst each other to, uh, to come up with uh, the, the eventual balance forms, as you say. It was a, a, all cars except for the Lexus were changed. The Ferrari, for example, it lost uh, 10 kilograms of weight. Um, and I didn't really get in terms of horse playing. You got a bit more power as well. The Ferrari? Yeah. Well, I I just, no, I think the Ferrari actually got... I, I've got it... Giuseppe uh, Ricci was talking about the, it. When uh, we, we the Ferrari had it. 10 kilograms added. Yeah. It had four kilowatts of power taken away. It had an extra degree of wing no, angle. Added. Uh, no, power taken away and an extra degree of wing angle and a litre of fuel taken away from fuel capacity. So actually, the Ferrari was was, was not back. So Giuseppe yeah. Ricci saying there's been a lot of talking between that manufacturer working group uh, coming into this weekend. Lovely day, sunshine, great racing and just under one hour, we're into the last 60 minutes and there's, well... Hardly anything at all between the front of the field as we've got the Porsche and the Cadillac battling it out. Tom Blomqvist leading the race at the moment. Meantime, in Porsche Penske Motorsport, Felipe Nasser is trying to close that gap. It's three seconds at the moment. 71 seconds, so a minute and 11 further back for Louis Delatraz and Chavonet, another 20 odd seconds back. 13, call it 14 seconds between first and second in LMP2. Era to APR CrowdStrike. GTD Pro at the moment is a little bit off because I think Sarah's got a pit stop to do. Well, it's not actually a full lap between Risi and A. Or I don't. Uh, uh, yes, there is. Oh yeah, there, there is. is. There yes, is now. There is. Yes, of course. Yeah, because, after that uh, last stop. Yep, yeah, there is. Um, a, a, a full course yellow would potentially change that. Potentially. Depending uh, where the leader is. Correct. Um, but all, it all focuses now on a car that is trying to stay on the lead lap overall, and that's the number 60 Porsche Penske Motorsport machine of Mathieu. Jaminé trying to hold off Tom Bluquist, the overall race leader. So very, very tight there at the uh, at the front of the pack. And who who on earth do we choose for our BWO No Strategy Award? I mean, I, I, one that's coming to me uh, is uh, is the number forty Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport car because they actually haven't had the outright pace. They've had a few technical issues. Remember, they've ground to a halt out oh, yeah. on the track and. And yet, they're on the lead lap, and at the moment, they're on the podium. Actually, I, I don't think that's... I'll just, that's my opening gambit for the BDO No Strategy Award. Chetelar, 47 Ferrari, pit lane, speeding violation. Just a click too quick, but that will 
bring them back onto pit lane for a drive through. Philippe Nasser absolutely tearing it up at the moment. That is the car that set the fastest lap of the race. Uh, and with a 135.6, we're not getting near that at the moment in the heat of the day, but huge traffic for the leader as he tries to put a lap on Mathieu Jaminet. Nasser dropped two tenths of a second to Blundquist on the That's last lap. That's the first time for a while that he's been slower than the leader. 138.3 for Nasser, 138.1 for Blundquist. That was the lap before. Now, dare I suggest that Jaminet here could do his mate a bit of favour. I suggested he, exactly the same. I think if, if he's, you're he's allowed Penske, to fight to stay on the lead exactly. lap. Exactly. If you're Porsche Penske Motorsport, you say fight this like you've never fought before. Fight like this is for the race win. Because to be honest, if that number six machine for Porsche Penske Motorsport goes off the lead lap they, and we don't get another full course caution, then they're done. So they have to stay on at all costs. And of course, in doing so, there is a, the biggest bonus ball of all, bringing the team car back in. Spectacular stuff. We're inside the final hour, hour now, aren't we, John? Oh, uh, yeah, half been for five minutes or so. And Nick Damon is in the pit lane watching what should be the last pit stop for Paul Miller Racing. Yeah. It's not been a clean run in the pits for them. No, no I mean, we we're, we're about to get all the last stops for the GTD cars, be they pray or rams, they can get to the end from here. Now, the first one to come in and and driving was that Paul Miller, the white and red M4. It's been at the end of my vision, but obviously what I can see is the man on the front right, all he has done is look at the front right, he's not changed it. They have offered up two or three new tyres, and now it's gone away again. They are hoping to get the air, now they're obviously worried about the tyre wear. Right at my feet now is the uh, Korchoff Mercedes, the number 32 car. That's uh, Michael Greiner getting out, uh, Kenton Cook getting in. They were oscillating between third and fourth. Uh, and we expect to see obviously the rest of the, the leading GT and GTT and GTT Pro cars in as they've now reached that point but then get the end quite easily. Nick Damon with that crowd strike pit report. Be Wednesday night. Crowd strike run a data driven analysis of every team up and down the pit lane and those metrics will get crunched at the end of the race to give a winner and we'll be announcing that on Wednesday on Midweek Motorsport 8 o'clock UK 3pm Eastern Time let's have another look at the Porsche keys to the race Peter um, tires, let's start with tires. Everybody now will have new tires till the end. That's what they've had to get to, and I think everybody's done that. Traffic continues to be an issue. Yes, we've had 18 or so retirements, but it's still pretty busy out there. Um, we can tick off getting a breakfast and beyond for those that are still running. The one, the two ones that have really stood out Ooh. for me have been calm, patience, and no penalties. There's been times when we've seen calm, and we've mentioned it where people, Catherine Lake, for example, at the start of the race, backed right out of it. A lot of penalties in the pits. Huge amount, yeah. Uh, very, very few for incident responsibility. Yeah, I think uh, probably only one or two. Yeah, which is, um, 
oh, well, which is what which shows that there's definitely been some some good driving out there uh, throughout the throughout the pack. Tires, I think, is going to be the biggest one. Even if you do have fresh tires, it is starting to get quite warm uh, here at Daytona International Speedway. The air temperature is 23 degrees, but the track 37 degrees Celsius. And I think it will keep climbing because we've got direct sunlight baking down on the tarmac mm. here. It's when it gets yeah. up towards about 50 that the tire engineers get a bit bit twitchy 50 is twitchy look uh, the uh, number six car is no question about it holding up number 31 at this stage the, the, the last three laps have all been in the 38s one minute 38s uh, where where the number 31 car was doing 36s uh, even all 37s so uh, you know the, the the pace has been managed here I think he's not nothing nothing egregious certainly uh, but uh, Matthew Jamin is driving very, very, you know, driving with a plan. Uh, he wants to, he's pushing as hard as he can. He wants to stay on the lead lap, certainly, but uh, he also wants to make sure there's no way that Cadillac can come past. Last pit stop for the GTD leader. This is the number 57 Windward EMG, Nick. Yeah, falls over and really interestingly, they're not changing drivers. They're giving Daniel Morad the run to the finish. And that'll be a long run for him. Just coming round him now is the 21. I think is, uh, is it Daniel Serra in that one. Uh, they said they've also got that to how far the lead was about 25 to 30 seconds. They had the lead. We have seen that the Ferrari is quick in sun. Daniel full revving the car. Fuel We've got full course caution. Yeah, we have. This is a huge fire on the front of the Lexus, the Vassar Sullivan car. And Joe Bradley has an idea, he knows what's happening. This was on pit out, the driver is out of the car. It's Parker Thompson, he's fighting the flames himself, Joe. They, they, you know what, as the, the number 12's just been in the pit for a pit stop, and I think it's tyre pickup. When it, when it sat there, the tyre pickup began to start to heat up and smoke start billowing from that left-hand front. One of the crew chiefs, literally, as the car was released, started shouting at the and alerting everybody to the fact that the left front corner was on fire. By then, of course, it was too late and the car was already on pit road and making its way out and onto the track. And this is what's happened now. Parker out of the car and has put the fire out, actually. Well done. Great work for him. There were some uh, marshals nearby who were on the wrong side of the, sorry, the right side, the inside of the arm cool with extinguishers. And he's pulled up next to an extinguisher point and got as close as he could just before the pit exit there. Uh, let's take a quick update of who and what was going on down the pit lane. Let's go back, first of all, to Joe Bradley. Yeah, we had, uh, I think, you know what, just snuck in there. Right on that yellow was the 62 GDD Pro leader, the 62 Ferrari, uh, was in the pits. I'm, I'm not sure whether he came in when it was still green and it went yellow as he came in, but uh, whatever it is, that's his uh, pit stops done and done. They might have timed that absolutely perfectly. As Joe said, it was left front on the Lexus. Uh, let's see. Fire it pit out. Where's the 62? Oh. Okay. No, they were, they, they were, were in and out. They, they were gone. They were they were out uh, just about 90 seconds, out 90 seconds uh, after the yellow was called. So that I think is going to be fine. Yes, yeah, Sarah. Ooh, uh, 
full course yellow at 17.50.03. Daniel Serra at uh, 50.03 came into the pits. Yeah, I think you'll get three seconds, don't you? So he, I think he was in. Be okay. No, he was in. He was definitely in. He was in, and then we saw it come up on, a, okay. on race control. So uh, that's, well, it's definitely been Reese's day. Uh, that's uh, sometimes you get these days in racing. They've had, their drivers have done a flawless job. Let's be honest. They have just put fuels and tire, fuel and tyres in all day long, and they've just been fantastic. And that, that's played very, very well indeed for them. Um, but let's see i think what this could give us is a total fresh tire oh. gtp shootout pto no strategy award still to come and then on wednesday when the numbers have been crunched the crowd strike endurance teamwork and speed award let's go to joe bradley in the pit lane uh, with uh, jimmy vassa man with the name above the door of that lexus team uh, Jimmy, it's been a, quite a character-building Daytona 24 hours for you guys, but that was really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, you know, shit happens, right? But uh, it's not the way you want to end it. Uh, team did a great job. We were in position, hadn't made a mistake uh, all 23 hours, pretty much. We did the best we could, had the car rolling uh, the whole time. Uh, the crew did a great job, drivers did a great job. It's just, uh, just unfortunate to come away with the, not the points that we deserve. Uh, the, one of your crew guys actually noticed it. I mean, it was tire pickup that built up heat in the stop, wasn't it? No, no, we heard uh, we heard some sort of a bang underneath the hood. Yeah, so I think it was a, I think it was a plenum fire, uh, but uh, they happen sometimes. And uh, but hey, all credit to the team, and uh, you know we'll come back come back to see if hard. Uh, Jimmy, you you guys, this is a bogey place for you guys. How are you going to break that hex? <laughs> we just. To break it, we got to come back stronger next time. We got a Kaizen, right? Um, you know, the 14 had very bad uh, luck as well with the yeah. P2 driver spinning right in front of them. But, uh, you know, all credit to the team. We came prepared as we could be and uh, just uh, going home with uh, without any watches. Yeah. Well, back and stronger next time, Jimmy. That's the spirit. I'm back at Sebring for the Mobile One 12 hours, part of the 36 hours of Florida, if you will. Hello to uh, Gary on two wheels. I've had to stop uh, stepping to work this morning for a client pickup, but I'm not missing the end of this race. He's got it up on the excellent stuff. He's got it up on his uh, on his uh, on his laptop. Emergency service for uh, Mercedes number 80, the Lone Star machine, and uh, yeah. Nick Dearman has more from the pit lane. Uh, down at the 18 pit with Connor Zilich. Uh, Connor, uh, your work is done, obviously, so with Freddie Ramerson, but uh, how does the team feel about this, uh, this yellow flag? Is it just what you didn't want, or is it you think neutral compared to the rest of the P2 cars? Yeah, you know, it's probably not what we wanted, but, you know, Christian's in the car, and there's nobody else I'd rather have in the car than him. He's done a great job all weekend, and, you know, I look up to him, and he's been a big help for me this weekend as well. So, uh, you know, obviously it's nerve-wracking, and, you know, it's my first Rolex 24, so I want to win it, obviously. But, um, you know, I'm just glad to be here with Aero Motorsports. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. And, you know, to be here at 17 years old competing in this prestigious event, so cool. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the last few minutes here. And hopefully we can uh, come out of here with a Rolex. I hope you haven't promised it, but, like, your dad or something. You've you, you got to keep it, you know. <laughs> oh, I'll keep it all right. <laughs> um, are you surprised by the amount of driving you got today? The team's really used you, haven't they? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've done a good job with the team, and, you know, I've learned throughout the roar and this week as well. So, um, you know, I, it makes me feel good that they trust me and they believe in me. And, um, you know, when we're racing the full season together, I, you know, I, I appreciate having that trust and, and, you know, that companionship. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season with this, this team. It's been a pleasure so far, and, um, you know, hopefully we can end the year with a championship as well. Great stuff, Connor. Thank you. One of the drives to the race, I would say, that young man. And it's going to be so tight for LMP2 because if you come in at this prototype pit stop, which is coming up very shortly, you fill up full with fuel. Depends when we go back to green. You'd have to do quite a bit of fuel saving, but it's going to be really tight, I reckon, Jeremy. If you, I mean, what do you think? Can, could you get home without no, no more stops on an LMP2 car? Uh, from tight. here, um, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, they can come in now uh, when the pits are opened and they should be fine because the caution is going to go on for another five minutes or so. So, yeah, that should, that should be uh, no problem for them, and if, I think. and if they don't, they can come and speak to you later. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that's that, how you that, That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the words for the LMP2 teams and seeing there. That's the words of Lee Diffie sitting just off to my right. You'll recognise him. He's little and Australian. That wasn't Jeremy Shaw saying that at all. You said you're right. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. looking for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it's, ah, right, right, it's, right. Been, it's been a long yeah. day. Blame it's him. been a long day. We got there at the end, John. You're far <laughs> too quick for us. If yeah. I have to explain it, it's not working, <laughs> is it, really? 44 minutes to go. Uh, let's take a VP fuel in-race update before any pit stops. And, in fact, we can't do that because they've already decided to commit to the pit lane. Joe Bradley has the GTPs. Yes, I have. The 31-wheel and Cadillac comes in first, hits his pit stops. And then I'm looking for the 40 to just come around the side of it and then to my left. So the... Let's just have a look at the tyres that's going on. Yeah, fresh set of tyres for Tom Blomquist. Only fueling left on the 31. Everything happening on the 40. We're getting the go-ahead for the 31, and now we've got a full pure run to the flag, isn't it? No fuel saving. This is going to be flat out. Uh, in LMP2 land, the CrowdStrike, the 0-4, that's giving you a full set of new boots and some fuel. And it looks like Porsche has won the race off pit road. The 7 is ahead of the 34, and they trundle past us. The 18, that's the uh, era car we just spoke to Conor Zilic. He has come off with their staying on board with uh, Rasmussen. It's a set of tyres and fuel. The tower car has just dropped to my feet. No one's changing drivers. Just, it's interesting how they all, they've all seemed to manage to save an extra set of tyres, haven't they, just to get to the end. And fuel as well. So I don't think it's going to be any major order change within the P2, just because all the gaps between them will have gone. Well, there we are. Another graphic illustration of teamwork in the pit lane. Porsche and Penske Motorsport to take the lead. And the reason for that, John, is because on the last round of pit stops, the Porsche came in three laps later than the number 31 car, so needed less energy, fuel, whatever you want to call it, to get to the end of the race. I think that was the difference there in that slightly, slightly shorter pit stop enables number seven car to get ahead of the number 31. How critical is that going to be? Well, we've already seen that uh, Tom Blomquist is... Uh, He's on a mission, isn't he? And it's uh, he, he stayed in the car, didn't he? Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. So yes. Uh, Which really I interesting, isn't it, that he's been given the preference over Pipo Durrani for this final stint of the race, 40, just over 41 minutes remaining. Uh, let me just tell you that neither NASA or Blomqvist went full fuel. That was, sure. that was a timed stop. Of course. NASA has 75% 
of energy remaining as it stands now and he's regening like mad on the outlap as Blomqvist took 80 Delatraz 100 Jaminet 95 and Jimmy Bruni uh, hasn't yet pitted because he's just got the pitted. wave around so, so he's going to get back try on and the, get the lap back yeah. yeah okay that makes perfect sense I presume Wesley is doing the same thing yeah but unfortunately he's uh, a couple of laps farther back Bruni here uh, this is going to be interesting for Jimmy because he doesn't need a full uh, set of energy either and he's already got 30% energy stored up so he probably, if he's going to go the same as NASA, he only needs probably another 40, maybe 45 percent, 35 percent. Here's the GT. D cars coming in. Welcome back to the pit lane and the crowd strike pit report. Share Adam. Thank you. Can't keep me away. Uh, Rexy is getting new right side tires. Are they going to give Lauren Heinrich left sides? Of course they are because they have them. So this means that Rexy will get the best opportunity he can to try and defend that second place. But he's got a blocked pit exit because the Forte Lamborghini, the first car to have an issue in this race, well, second technically to the AWA Corvette, but the first one to have contact out on the racetrack is blocking their pit exit. So the AO crew knows that they are going to have to pull the car back. They do have a lap on the third place car, so they are able to take a little bit of time, but this is still an issue, and now he's leaving in traffic. Significantly, but understandably, the 62 Lisi Competizione Ferrari did not pit there because they got in just before that yellow flag. So yes. they keep their position on the track. They do, but by doing by coming in right before we went to, to yellow, that did enable number 77 car to get back, back on, on the, the lead, lead lap. Okay. Albeit at the completely opposite end of the train. Doesn't matter though, because, no. uh, well, actually it does matter, doesn't it? Because uh, the, uh, the 77 car won't be able to pass the other GCD cars. No. Uh, no. But wait a minute. Yeah, no, it won't. There's, there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of cars between the leading 62 Risi Ferrari and the AO yeah. Porsche. But if again you get another full course caution, they do not split the fields in the GT in, out of the two GT. No, they don't. No, they don't. Correct. Split GTs and, and prototypes. It's a shame, yeah. actually. So we're going to come down to something like I reckon 35 minute sprint. Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the AMR safety crew have had to work really hard under time pressure there because a, a burnt-out car, is gonna, there's going to be all sorts of nasty stuff there to get cleaned up. Great job from them. Fair play to Parker Thompson because oh, yeah. not only did he pit, uh, put the car out uh, to all intents and purposes, but he pulled it off to the left as far out of the pit lane exit as he could do. We said this earlier on, a fire in a racing car gets your attention very quickly indeed. And being a left-hand drive car, that was right in front of Parker. He'd have seen that and have been working out where he could get to where there was a fire point, where he knew there were extinguishers. It's something that you do on the track walk. You walk around, you look to see where the markings are on the wall, where the fire stations are, and you keep those in your head. Some drivers, and this was mentioned to me some years ago, if you can try and use the fire uh, areas the the painted areas to tell you where the fire bottles are try and use them as, as, as part of your um, orientation of the track so if it's you know uh, 
two concrete blocks beyond the fire and then you keep keep the the fire thing in your head for when you yeah. need it yeah good that uh, full course caution is is exactly what the number six porsche penske motorsport team were just praying for with everything because that gets them back on the lead lap and really in in the lead the lead bunch um yeah, so bad news for Acura, that. Uh, yes, it is very bad news for uh, the Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti, number forty Acura, who have they've they've had they've had to fight uphill all, all race long, um, haven't quite had the pace of uh, of Porsche and Cadillac, um, and of course had a, that technical issue that Louis Delatraz did a great job to get the car kick started again and back moving. But so it's not been the cleanest of runs. But to be on the lead lap with thirty six minutes to go, I actually think they would take that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Who's that? Sorry. Uh, the 40 Acura. The 40. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely true. And uh, here comes number five car now. Jimmy Bruni just got he got the wave around. He's gonna he's hustled around. He's gonna make it to pit stop now. It'll just be a, as John Handoff was just saying. It's a, a, a time pretty stop. Pretty much a, a time stop. Just a splash of fuel. Really. The question is whether he can catch up with the back of the pack before we go back to green. Shit. Um, Adam is watching. He hits his marks. There we go. Fuel nozzle. One. Two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a longer stop. They've done right side tires, but also in is the 85. Uh, let's see how long they do. Now, they're, they're time stops, but they are longer stops still. They're, they're stops that are long enough to change all four tires for both of these Porsches. 70, 80% energy for Jimmy Bruni. So that's more than everyone that's more than the two leaders, they've only got yeah. 75%. Della Trouser's got 95% in third. Wow. Jaminir is 90%. Uh, Bruni, 80%. Westbrook, another further couple of laps back on 95%. So Jimmy Bruni can go full rich and full attack, but can he hustle round in time to get the prototype? Class split. That'll be the question. Yeah, I don't think we're going to go green this time, are we? No, because no. they're still they're still making the, the class split now. They'll move all the prototype cars ahead of the GT well, cars. Well, that's great so, news for Bruni. Yeah, he should be fine. I think he'll be able to uh, make up that ground. He's just going round the uh, international horseshoe now. He gets to go all the way to the back of the GTP field. He yes. doesn't have to sit behind the LMPs, he but he doesn't go get to go past the, the lapped cars. So he will be eighth in line, uh, and he'll be get, he'll have to be getting his tyres up to some really good uh, temperature and pressure yeah, as he's absolutely. on this. He'll be absolutely flat to the boards right now. In fact, he's just had a just huge walk up. Oh, oh, he's he's the got off the road. Oh, he's Bruni off the road. Yeah, oh. at turn six. At turn six. Oh my goodness! Oh, he did a complete U-turn there, <laughs> uh, the opposite way around, so to speak. He turned. But right instead of left there, right hand out. in order to miss the Marriott Barry. He's gonna he's gonna struggle now to catch up the pack, I think. And he may have damaged his new brand new well, Michelin tyres. Yeah. He's absolutely flying down towards the Le Mans chicane. So this is the black Mustang sampling car we're talking about going in to the braking area for the Le Mans chicane. Now goes through it. No hint of a lock up there. So that's good. Good exit. Safety car is at the western horseshoe and the safety car lights in the sunshine look to be off i think they seem to be out pretty might get this you know I, 
He might still get this, here he comes. He's flat out across the start-finish line as he's trying to get back onto the back of the queue of cars. I'm looking for purple sectors here. Well, he'll be told <laughs> off if he does, won't he? Jimmy yeah. Bruni will be absolutely spitting feathers for that little mistake, but yeah. I, I don't think it's going to cost him. I agree, John. I think it, it probably cost him five seconds, probably. Uh, but it might work in his favour here that he doesn't. He's going to go blasting past all of the GT cars, and there's yeah. still the split. The split is still just about going on. He'll get to go past the P2s as well if he gets a hustle on. Here he comes out of turn five, the Western Horseshoe. He'll be on the back of the GTD cars. It's a question of how far up the prototype grid he can get. There's cars weaving behind the Cadillac safety car as they go through the Le Mans chicane. I don't think he's going to get all the way to the back of the GTP field here as the safety car, the Cadillac, the silver Cadillac pulls away. Here comes Bruni. He's not quite on the back of the GTD cars no, yet, but I here he comes at the absolute flat out. And he comes through. He's up on the wall. He goes past a few of the cars, and now he's gone past uh, up to about the midfield. He's not going to catch the no. prototypes. He's not going to catch the prototypes. At what point does he have to steer where he is and freeze the field? He's round the outside. This looks like something from a movie. He is going to catch them, you know. He's going to come past the GTDs. We go back green now. He's not going to be a million miles off, but he's about three or four, no, a little bit more. Cars away as he comes through now. He's coming up on the Corvette. Jeannet on, on, trying oh. to go around the outside of, of uh, the uh, Acura, excuse me, John there, and ran a bit wide on the exit. That five seconds of FUBAR has absolutely cost Bruni and he's now still fighting through traffic at the front of the field. Oh, contact between the 04 CrowdStrike LMP2 and one of the BMW GTPs, number 24. 24. Oh, oh, that's not what that's not what the 04 team won in LMP2 with Malta Jacobson. This is the second place car we're talking about, been battling with ERA all the time. Daniel Serra still six seconds to the good. So down at turn one. Porsche going right round the outside, gets a little hip check. Oh, gets a hip check going in there from the Acura, the number 40 car. Feisty Louis Delatraz there. Oh, oh, but there no, wasn't much got, room. Got, got no, pinched. he got squeezed out. Yeah, yeah, fair. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to take that back, seeing it from the overhead. But that was, that was, that was a bit of a nudge. It's a restart. How are they going to see that? Could be crucial. Malthe Jakobsen down the inside trying to take the lead in LMP2. He was alongside the Aero car. Yeah, look, I mean, the LMP2 cars are quicker through the corners than the GTP cars. Uh, the G GTP cars are a lot heavier. Well, take your pick. I think the Aero car hit it as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that from above. Yeah. I think it could be either of those two. So let's get back to the front of the field with 30 minutes to go. Uh, 21 and a half hours of practice and qualifying, half an hour race. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, well, with that great work from the uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport team in the pits, they've got the jump on the number 31 Cadillac. And Tom Blomqvist for Whelan Engineering Cadillac has been given the honour and the trust to finish this race off. A whole raft of penalties, two for the 
Lone Star number 80 running the red light and improperly served emergency service. They'll have to come back down the pit lane again. They're doing it now. And the 78-40 Lamborghini pit lane speed violation, they're coming down as well. At the front of the field, NASA from Blomqvist, from Delatraz, from Jaminet. They're all on the lead lap. Jimmy Bruni, 11 seconds further back, will be cursing that slight mistake. Cursing it. That was the difference, wasn't it? it? Was, that was absolutely. all it was. But he had to push, though. He really had to push. He had to get those tyres up to temperature and pressure. And who knows? You never know. There might be another caution in here, too, with the, it I being such a. No, 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 not saying want it or not, but it's certainly possible. We've seen it in the past. But it's, is this just going to be a straight shootout between the number seven and the number 31, the Porsche Penske Motorsport car and the Whelan Cadillac? Two manufacturers, two quite different technical philosophies the Multimatic chassis underneath the Porsche with a 4.6 litre twin turbo V8 then you've got the big 5.5 naturally aspirated V8 in the Delari chassis Cadillac hashtag Michelin PRT post race tech well it's a warning just a warning for the crowd strike car good call yeah. I think that's I think that's good officiating I do Malte Jakobsen will be getting told that. I hope he gets told that because that, that will be a, a sigh of relief for the young man at the front of the field, Jeremy, closing up again. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, Louis Deltraz in third place, he's just turned that Acura's fastest lap of the race, a 35.9, 35, 6 and 7, the other two. So it's, it's only a couple of tenths of difference, but uh, he's, he's on a charge. Really bad luck for number 80 car, the Lone Star Racing Mercedes. Boy, have they done a fantastic job. It was such a, a late deal coming together. The fourth driver, Adam Christodoulou, he was only told about five days before he had to get here that he, that he was to, to come along. I mean, they, they, they were they're actually leading the class prior to that final yellow. Unfortunately, they had to make uh, full, they had to take on emergency service, then had to do a penalty for that, and they got another penalty because they ran the red light as well, so it's dropped them out of contention, but it's been a brilliant run by Lone Star Racing. Uh, Adam only found out five days before, before they get here, exactly. it took him two and a half days to get back, because he was on hours. holiday. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, he had four cancelled flights and all sorts of dramas. Louis and and he, all, his, all his gear was in London as well. <laughs> Louis Delatraz is flying here. Yeah. Not only did he follow, he's followed that fastest lap of the race for that car up with some really strong sectors and another good lap in but third. Remember this time yesterday, or just a little bit later, coming off pit stops and restarts, the the Acura was actually quick. And he's got more usable energy yes, than has. the rest. So right now, according to our telemetry, Felipe Nazar and Tom Blunquist are on 60% each. Delatraz has got 80%. So he can, whatever he can get out of that Acura, he can fire it right up to the maximum here. Jaminé 75, Bruni 60. I suspect that's because he was absolutely <laughs> kidding it, ah. trying to get through the traffic. So the top three then coming back together. Yeah, and meanwhile in, in LMP2, uh, number 74 car, Felipe Fraga, just got past D Tom Dillman in number 52 on the last lap, fourth, third position. And right behind Tom Dillman is Scotty McLaughlin in car number eight for Tower Motorsport as well. And in GTD Pro, Daniel Serra has a 14 second lead on the number 77 AO Porsche. But in GTD, Daniel Morad and Miguel Molina are right together, second and a half for the 57. That's the Winwood AMG yeah. and the 21 Molina car is, of course, the Ferrari B12. 
BDO knows strategy. Well, where do you start with this one? Where do you start with this one? Who's got it right and who's got it wrong? Has Delatraz got it right? And the Acura team, they've got more energy than everyone else. And they're making use of that at the moment to close down on the two leaders. Certainly trying right now, though. Uh, once Nazar and Blanquist have got up to temperature, then pressure on their tyres, they've really started to pull away now. Seven tenths uh, that Blunquist took out of Delatraz, and a second that Nazar took out of Delatraz. So Delatraz is dragging every bit of performance he can out of that number 40 Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti Acura but they, this Porsche and this Cadillac at the front, they are just so so strong Coming through to 25 minutes to go NASA 135.7 last time, Blancfist 135.9, 135.9 yeah. for Delatraz so maybe just easing his pace a bit well, I mean, bare, a little bit on that last lap, certainly. But Felipe Nazar's last lap, as you said, 35.7. That's one-tenth of a second away from his best lap of the race, which is the best lap of the race. Nazar's at full attack. With how many times have we seen this in him as a competition over the years? Something to think about here for the BDO nose strategy. Tim Sindrick strategy for the number seven, Philippe Nazar. Got them to the lead. What about the 40? The Wintilla Racing with Andretti Autosport car hasn't had the pace, but they've kept themselves in the running. New fastest lap of the race there for Tom Blumquist. Uh, 135.554 for the number 31 Wheeland Cadillac. And uh, that is a, a new lap record. Uh, his, he, he had the record last year in the Acura of 35.616. Also, what about the 57 Winwood car? There have been more pace than strategy. Confirmation then, 135.554 for that, Tom Blomqvist. And that, that's a, a tenth quicker, or just under a tenth quicker, than Blomqvist set as the best lap of the race last year in the Acura for Marshank Racing. So the, the, the bar keeps being, uh, keeps being raised. 23 minutes to go. NASA by three quarters of a second. Delatraz, another four, three and a half seconds back. A second now between Rasmussen and the 18 car in LMP2 and Jakobsen. Has he been slightly just shaken by that little incident with the BMW? Has he done damage to the front end of that 04 crowd strike car? He's got Felipe Fraga not that far behind him in the Ranch 74 Riley. Yep. The two leaders were a little bit quicker than Fraga on that last lap. Actually, about three-quarters of a second faster on that last lap. Here's the traffic, Jeremy. Let's yes. see who negotiates this. Traffic giveth, traffic taketh away. This is where the dice needs to be rolled. I would say that Blancfist has got a bit more grip in his car. He's close right in there. That was a completely different line through turns one and two, and he's there. He's under the rear wing of the Porsche as they go through the International Horseshoe for the 779th time. 8.33 is the lap record. We're not going to get near to that, but this is going to be a good run. And it's going to be 
a proper race to the finish. Grandstand finish? Yes, I think so. And they've just dropped Delatraz and Jamini, no problem at all. These two drivers here, Felipe Nazar and Tom Blomquist, they are just at the peak of their powers. The question is, in these last 21 minutes, in this heat of the day, can the Porsche hang on on the tyres? We've seen how good the Cadillac is on the long run. Is that going to play a factor here? Track temperature over 100 Fahrenheit, 39 Celsius. And this has only going to have been a 30-minute run to the finish. Everyone staring at the screens who are involved with these two cars. There was a bit of a smile there from Pippo Durrani. Nah, I think it was wind. <laughs> oh, I feel sorry for the people in this box, <laughs> if that's the case, but he, I, he, I thought it was a ac smile. Actually, he's a very, very, generally speaking, happy uh, person. Very jolly. But he is a ferocious competitor. What does he know? What is he getting? What is he hearing from the driver? He's listening to what's going on in the cockpit. Tom Blomqvist, I don't know. Is he verbose behind the wheel? Does he like quiet? The spotter will be telling him what he's coming up on. And at the moment, that's a turn of BMW. And he closes up on the leader again, who gets a little bit of wheel speed on the kerb on the right-hand side from the Michelins. They go through the traffic together. Into the dogleg, the left-handed kick. More traffic ahead. Leader goes to the outside. Second place car has to follow, might get blocked here. That's the 82 Kelly Moss Porsche. Goes around the outside, no, that's clean. NASA by a car's length under braking. The concertina back together. Now on the power, up onto the banking. More traffic ahead, but that won't actually play any part. The two leaders are pushing. Now, they are now 20% worse off than Delatraz in third. Yeah, but they're a second lap quicker. I'll take the second lap quicker, thank you very much. I think we're 20 minutes to go. I think they, I think they should have, I mean, unless they've made a major miscalculation, <laughs> no, they, they should have uh, plenty of, of fuel to go to the end. No. Well, once a Cadillac. 45% left for NASA. 45% left for Blomqvist. Delatraz, 65. Yeah. 60 for Chamonix. Yeah. Bruni, who had more than all of them except for Delatraz is now also down to 45. Yeah, but we're, we're within 20 minutes to go and the, these cars can do 55 minutes or certainly 50 right. minutes absolutely flat out, so no problem there. AO, the AO99 going slowly around the circuit. There's been a mishap for the LMP2 car of Paul Lupchatan, eighth position in LMP2. Slow lap last time around at two minutes 10. Yeah, still going slowly, just going over the tri-oval now, heading to turn one, so I think that is a sick spike, the Dragon. Tom Dillman puts the into Europol number 52, Orica's fastest lap in last time around and backs it up with another quick lap through the traffic. He's trying to chase down. Leaders in traffic at turn six. Literally, cars driving off the track to stay out of the way of this lead battle. The rest of the field know what's going on here. They're spectators, but some of them are involved and embroiled in their own battle for victory. Yeah, battle the third in, in LMP2 is really intense. Now, Rasmussen's uh, got a, a good edge. He's pulled out three seconds over, over Jakobsen, who is literally is similarly three seconds over Fraga, but Fraga has got Dillman and Scotty McLaughlin right with him. 
The Le Mans chicane really went the favor of Felipe Nazar there. Blanquist getting stuck behind a GT car right in the yes. middle of that left-right-left chicane, and that was critical. It could come down to a bit of traffic. Well, yeah, thanks for being four tenths. Thanks for being with us. If you're just joining us now, you've come to the party just as the presents are being unwrapped. Perfect timing. Fashionably late. Around the world on RS2, 107.9 WDIS at the track, Sirius XM, Channel 207, and of course in sound and vision on the World Feed TV and IMSA.TV. Thanks for being with us as we are counting down to another grandstand finish here at the Daytona International Speedway and the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Round one of the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for 2024. The pit crews are spectators now. They are hooked to the screens. They're looking at the splits, listening to their drivers, trying to work out if they can perhaps eke an advantage somewhere. But they've done their job. They cannot influence this anymore. It's the spotter and the driver and the gods of racing that will decide who win this race. The leader's going to get blocked here slightly coming out of the Le Mans chicane. Goes on the high side of one of the Ferraris. Just about squeezed through between the safer barrier and that red machine. The Cadillac is a little bit closer this time though, isn't it? Heading it in toward the tri-oval. Not close enough, Jeremy. No. I don't think quite picking up enough of a draft. Drops in behind the Reese car to try and get a little draft from the GT. Half a second or thereabouts. Closes in under brakes, Blomqvist. But NASA is doing a grand job, but he's using more energy. Yeah, energy's not, I don't think uh, energy honestly really is an issue at this stage, John. I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they've got plenty to get to the end from here. Uh, it's just a question of uh, having, working their way through the traffic and looking for any opportunity to make a pass, which is not going to be easy, that's for certain. No way. Meanwhile, in LMP2, Christian Rasmussen for Aero Motorsport has hit the afterburners. He's 4.8 seconds in the lead. Wow. Yeah, but the battle between Dillman and Fraga is on. And right behind them also, actually, McLaughlin's just McLaughlin's gone, through gone through. Ahead of Dillman. Scott McLaughlin goes through in the Tower Motorsport. Origa, the orange and black number eight, and he now takes the battle for the third spot on the podium to Felipe Fraga, six tenths of a second. There's less than a second between third, fourth and fifth there in LMP2. Leaders through the Le Mans chicane, no traffic this time around them. In fact, yeah. no traffic now as they're on the banking, no traffic till the exit of turn one. So now we'll see who's got the advantage. The Cadillac just tantalizingly outside of where it will get the most yeah. draft. Uh, yeah, and look at the Porsche just moving around yeah, just a little smart. bit, trying to break that draft. I think that's smart from NASA. He's also taking the shorter line through the tri-oval. Don't want to put too much lock on the steering and scrub off pressure speed. They're getting up to close on to 200 miles an hour there, 197, 198 miles an hour. No real rain to speak of, but the cars are looking battle-scarred and dusty. There's been a couple of off-track moments for pretty much all of the GTPs. 
One minute 35.924 for Felipe Nasser, the race leader last time around. His best, a 135.6, so with just three tenths of a second off the fastest lap of the race he set uh, only about 15 laps uh, ago. And uh, Tom Blomqvist, he was oh, a, just about a tenth of a second slower on that last lap. And McLaughlin's on the podium in LMP2. He's gone past Frager. Wow. He's seven seconds. Oh, he's dropped back again. Those two are having a cracking scrap. But they are gaining on Jakobsen, even as they scrap into the pit lane. Very slowly indeed for the... Spike. Spike. We know that car's been going slow. The EO number 99, not the finish that they wanted in that car. So 13 minutes to go, and there's so much at stake here. Fabulous battle, by the way, oh GTD yep. as well. See if we can pick those guys up. Yeah. Morad and Molina. There's Morad. They go through the uh, Le Mans chicane at the moment. 21 with the red and white stripes on the roof is Miguel Molina in the Ferrari. Yeah, that team cursing that yellow flag. The oh, yeah. Windward Racing did not need that. Fastest lap of the GTD race goes to the is held at the moment rather by Moliner with a 45.8 he's just at a 46.3 46.6 for Daniel Morad what a drive it's been from Morad this year Rivera's flying too isn't he he's he's been outstanding every time he's been in that the Triazi competition the number 023 the dark red Ferrari not that a works driver for nothing well <laughs> He's got past Kenton Cook and left him. Now that uh, there's a three-car train there in GTD, it's for third place in the class, but uh, Sheldon van der Linde in the pro car is right ahead of Albert Costa yes. in number 34 Ferrari for Conquest Racing. And then that Triazi car that's come back into the picture really fast in this last stint of the race, Alessio Rivera. And then back in fifth position now, it's Kenton Cook in the caught off Preston Motorsports entry the Mercedes don't, don't forget the checkered flag ends the race but starts the conversation Michelin post race tech to come exclusively on IMSA radio hashtag Michelin PRT to at IMSA radio your thoughts comments points arising brick bats or bouquets will take them all the original audience led post race show is Michelin PRT hashtag Michelin PRT for after the race checkered flag. NASA by eight tenths of a second. There's history going to be made here either way. Felipe Nazar has won this race before in class, never overall. Team Penske or Porsche Penske Motorsport, Penske have won this race overall since 1969 with the Lola. So for them, it would be huge. For Porsche, it would be a record 19th overall win here at Daytona. It's been a long time since they've had an overall win here, but it's, so there is huge amount. If Bloomquist were, and the Whaling crew were to win, Bloomquist would win three Rolex watches in a row. Matching the record of uh, last year, his teammate Elio Castro Neves. It's just crazy, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> High he's stakes. Only got, <laughs> he's only got two wrists. What's he gonna do? Put one on his ankle. 10 minutes to go. Rasmussen, two and a half seconds to the good in the era car over the crowd strike car of Malfi Jakobsen. Yeah, he's extended that lead a little bit. It, it, it was it was out to four seconds. All of a sudden, it came down to two. Yeah. And now Christian Rasmussen has 
Rasmussen has found another three and a half tenths on that last lap to put it out to two and a half seconds. Delatraz is going to have to watch his mirrors now because Jaminet is under two seconds behind him for the third step on the overall and GTP podium. He was a couple of tenths quicker last time around. It's 1.4 seconds now. Oh, this is all getting very, very tight indeed. Morad and Molina in GTD, the 57 EMG, the black and blue car ahead of the red Ferrari with the red and white stripes on the roof. 1.7 seconds. Isn't it interesting that to Matthew Jaminet uh, having got that break with that with that caution, uh, unable to, uh, to to really challenge Louis Delatraz in the Acura, uh, he doesn't have the same sort of pace it would appear as his teammate Felipe Nasser. 36-6 last time for Jaminet, 36-3 for Felipe Nasser. Or oh, how Jaminet could do with those extra three tenths of pace at the moment. This is as close as we've seen the Cadillac for a little while in the battle for first with eight and three-quarter minutes to go. Up to high speed for the Le Mans chicane. The Cadillac has to keep going for these gaps. Hitting the kerb nicely. Coming out of the final part of the Le Mans chicane. What do you say about this race, gentlemen? What do you say? Oh, Dilma's got back past uh, Scotty McLaughlin. Yes, correct. And he's now right on the tail of Felipe Fraga again, because those yeah. three are pretty much together. There's they less are. than a second between them. Yeah. LMP2, but definitely the, the, the I mean, so competitive, so, so competitive. That, that's a battle for the third step on the box there, Peter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, the, eight, the 18 era car that leads by 3.3 seconds from uh, Malta Jakobsen in the 04 CrowdStrike car, uh, that gap has come down a touch, uh, but it really has been those two cars and indeed their young guns that have impressed so, so much in this 24-hour race. BTO knows strategy. Is the strategy find young guns? Well, <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> it's a fair point. You've got to you've got to use what you've got. Find the uh, super sin silvers or the brilliant bronzes. You know, it maybe well, not maybe that is part of it. Leader gets to the inside of the Iron Dames. No impediment for either of the first two cars. Porsche versus Cadillac at Daytona. Echoes of glory days with a huge crowd, a record crowd here for the 2024 Rolex 24 hours at Daytona. The GTPs burst onto the scene last year. We wondered if they'd even make the end of the race. Could an LMP2 car sneak a victory? And the GTPs over the course of the season and here at Daytona entertained us royally well. They've clicked it up a notch this year, Peter. You bet they have, as is Tom Blunquist. He's three tenths up come at the end of sector two on this lap as they come up towards the stripe again. It, it is just yo-yoing back and forward. That Porsche 963 at the very top, right into seventh gear. It's just got that ever so slight top oh, speed he's advantage. Oh, a little bit long. The lead Porsche there, oh. there, was, there was a tiny moment, and I mean a tiny moment. You could just see the car snaking as... Felipe Nasser was trying to pull the car down to the apex of turn one. This is now coming down to the finest of margins. 
Six minutes to go in the race. So that's going to be about four laps, possibly five. No. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I don't know. Spare I mean, a thought for the teams, the families, exactly the, the drivers right. uh, who are in the pit. They're watching between their fingers. Just have a think what they're going through right now. Felipe Nasser's teammates, Matt Campbell, Joseph Newgarden, and Dane Cameron. What would it mean to them to get uh, none of the drivers in this number seven car have won the race uh, overall? Mm. So uh, to win, to win overall here would be a real a real highlight in all in four very glittering careers and yeah, two best. team usa alumni jeremy in this car too it's true the, the this best. is close this is close half a second coming out of the le mans chicane is as close as blomqvist has been and pick up a little bit of toe from the uh, gt car but it's still not enough he needs to be maybe two and a half tenths maybe even closer than that as nasa pulls out from half a second to a second but again struggles to pull the car down to the apex of turn one he's got the ao portion number 77 right ahead of him he gets through on the inside blomkvist's got to go here and he's not going to make it he'll have to swing round and then tighten the exit and that will cost him some speed on the infield lauren heinrich part of the porsche Porsche family and uh, yeah didn't, didn't, didn't give the Cadillac much favours there did he? I've, I've, wow. got to, I've got to tell you I think that Porsche's running out of grips Jeremy. Yeah the Felipe Nasser's sec, uh, second place uh, on two occasions here for Nasser each time he set the fastest lap of the race uh, he hasn't got the fastest lap of the race here uh, but he is leading it he'll, he'll make that trade oh, Are we going to be two to go or three to go here? It's oh. going to be very close. Let's see NASA is getting out of the slower corners very impressively. It was the great Bob Wallach, wasn't it, who always used to say, if you're brave and your car's set up, you can get through the quick corners quickly. But if you can get through and out of the slow corners better than your opponents, you're in those slow corners longer. That's where you make up the time. And this was a guy that had to put down the huge horsepower of the 935s and 962s, big turbocharged monsters, and traction out of corners was something that was definitely at a premium there. Traffic again for the leader, swings to the high side. Here comes the Cadillac flashing the lights down into turn one again. This is going to be so tight, whether it's two to go from here or three. Really tight. I think... too close to call it was it about 312 the when they came over the flag line. next time around okay so there's just under seven miles to go for the 2024 rolex 24 hours and they are both down to 10 percent of their fuel I, that was That's tighter okay. than we thought but i think it'll be all right yeah, it'll be all right jimmy bruni might be in trouble though well, he's eased he's, his pace dramatically. He's, uh, in fact, excuse me, the white flag has come out now. What? The white flag is out now. So this what? is the no. last lap. Why? I have no clue. No, it's being shown to the GT cars, isn't it? Well, but Behind it shouldn't it. be. Yeah. It shouldn't be. Um, okay. Well, I'm now confused. 
I heard the call from race control and I presume that was for next time around. Yeah, it there should was... be. We've still got uh, almost two minutes on the clock. That's yeah. plenty of time. Indeed so. I can see the white flag being waved now. So this is Felipe Naza coming round for the final time. The chequered flag is out and the 2024 Rolex 24 hours of Daytona goes to Porsche by about a second from Blomqvist in second place. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion here. And there's still time on the clock by my watch. Yeah. I think they've timed that to 40, to 13.40, but we didn't quite get away at 13.40. We were a tad late on the green flag. So Thankfully, it's not, it doesn't really make any difference because no. uh, on that last lap, Blunker's got held up badly by traffic. Yes, cost him more than a second. So there was two seconds between them as they crossed the line. Let's just wait for the... LMP2s to come through. There's no sign of celebration down in the pit lane. Now the celebration will go to Shea and Joe in the moment for, for... No, they've stopped again down in the pit lane. This is extraordinary. We promised you 24 hours and we've got more drama at the end of the race as well. Here comes the Rasmussen era car. This is the blue and silver machine. It's going to be about seven seconds over. Crowd strike through to the checkered flag. And will take LMP2. Comes through across the line. Daniel Serra for Risi competition has won in G uh, GTD Pro because EO Racing has taken the checkered flag. And it'll be between Daniel Morad and Miguel, uh, Miguel Molina. Uh, it's Conquest. Here, come, here they come again to the line with the checkered flag. So they've now won it twice uh, in one afternoon. And there's a lot of celebration. Confirmation then. Era Motorsport take LMP2. Risi competition, Ferrari, GTD Pro and Windward Racing for GTD. Let's go to Sheer Adam first of all for some reaction. Going to have to climb over the wall to try and get back to our drivers because they did not come out to the pit lane with all the crew guys who very mutedly waited on the pit wall for an opportunity to celebrate and celebrate it properly. But now the hubbub has begun. Matt Campbell is walking out to the wall to celebrate with his guys. He's being carried off, John. Let's go to GTD Pro, where Davide Rigon is celebrating for Risi Competizione with Joe Bradley. Davide, another big one for Ferrari. Oh, amazing, amazing. What a team, what a Ferrari did uh, this race. So we really push uh, so much since the beginning. Thanks to my teammate, uh, uh, so uh, all the engineers, uh, Giuseppe Risi put us uh, an amazing car. So. Super, super happy now. I would like to enjoy with my team. Yes, absolutely. Good. Dane Cameron, your first ever podium visit at the Daytona 24 Hours, and it's to the top step overall. How long have you been dreaming of this moment? 15 years. And every year. And so long with all these guys. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was starting to think it was never going to happen. Well, you're about to go up on the stage and get a Rolex. You've already got them from winning the championships, but this is from something different. We hear the emotion in your voice and just how much this means to you. But the group of people that you were able to accomplish it with, that's got to make it mean even more. Yeah, for sure. To my engineer, he's the manager of the whole program now. Uh, Raul from the last program. So yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of hours, a lot of time. Fifteen years is a lot of laps around here trying to get this one done. So yeah, amazing. That's Rolex Daytona 24-hour winner Dane Cameron. Giuseppe Ricci, congratulations, Ricci Ferrari Daytona 24-hour winners. Thank you. Uh, it's very it's a very special win for us. We've been trying for. for uh, up to 25 years, we've had five second finishes, and uh, it's great to be here. Uh, and I take this opportunity to thank IMSA for also. I've always believed that IMSA is uh, is the best sports car series in the world. We have our differences, as in every family, but uh, I'm happy to be here and thank all the all the people that come and back us, and most of all. Everybody that has a 296 in the world, I hope they enjoy it. Thank you, Giuseppe. And uh, it's a pleasure to see Giuseppe Ricci and Ferrari win any race for the Daytona 24 hours icing on a cake. Congratulations, Dean. Thank and, you very much. And it's a real pleasure to be able to talk to the captain as a Rolex 24-hour winner. Your team has done it with Porsche. What does this mean for you and your whole organization? Well, I'll tell you, we entered into this partnership with Porsche, they've been our partners in, on the automobile business for many years, but this is one that, uh, you know, last year at Le Mans, we stumbled, we had some good runs last year, but to come back here and have both cars run for 24 hours and then win the race, it's hard for me to believe it. You last won this race in 1969 in Alola. Things are a little bit different now technology-wise, and you're still up on the box. Well, I'll tell you, this is... This goes down to one of the biggest wins we've had. Now we got to go for the big one at Le Mans. You know that, so thank you. Mission accepted. Good luck. Thank you. Roger Penske sounded really emotional. There. He's a racer. He's, He's a, a racer. racer. He'd been on edge all the way through the last hour or so, just yeah. as we were. And that's a yeah. And for for Porsche, that's a 19th overall win. They move six ahead of of Riley in the overall standings. What a what an achievement and for these four drivers, Matt Campbell, Felipe Nazar, Joseph Newgarden and Dean Cameron. All climbing what the boards. The number seven, uh, not designed for that many passengers. Oh, I bet it is because you want to win the race. You build a car to win, so you need to do that when you win. Uh, and isn't this amazing? You know, this this Porsche program... Did it, you hear what Joseph said there? No, no, no. Where's Victory Lane? <laughs> well, all I'll say to Joseph is, it was worth it not having the fried chicken on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. There, there's the uh, there's the two seconds. <laughs> that was tight, wasn't it? Oh. i tell you one more lap, Peter. They'd have been tight on the energy. They were pushing hard. Yeah, they'd have made it, though, I think. Um, they'd have made it. Isn't that unusual where you see four drivers that have never won the race overall 
winning come. the race overall now, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I mean they Felipe and well Felipe Nasser and um, Matt F Campbell won it together in class two years ago in that incredible finish with Faf. Four yeah. drivers of that standing and caliber. Yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and uh, I'd say Nasser's second overall East Virginia Steel on two occasions. So. Yeah. Uh, to get that monkey off his way. I mean, he, he, he's been a star since he first came over here. Yeah. He was a star in Formula One. He just wasn't driving for, for the right team. But uh, today he showed his class uh, once again. Felipe Nasser comes, comes home with that victory for the, for the captain. And the whole team, Joseph Newgard, Matty Campbell, who was stellar all the way through. And Dane Cameron, what a great return for him. For He's going to be doing the full season in the Ipswich Turk Sports Car Championship this year. But BDO No Strategy Awards. Uh, Tim Sindrick has pulled the seven through to uh, victory there. A great run for Wayne Taylor Racing with a car that didn't have the ultimate pace, uh, about six tenths uh, away in terms of the fastest lap. Comes in in fourth position outside the top classes, Era and CrowdStrike and, and Riley. And into Europol, all great in LMP2. Reese coming through the field to win Pro. Eo Racing hanging on for second, although they qualified in pole position. Winwood Racing coming through to win GTD ahead of AF Corsa. Uh, Conquest in third. Triazi in fourth in that particular class as well. Where's your vote going, Jeremy? Is, it, is this just one? One, one yeah. Oh, crikey. Go on, I'll let um, you think about it. Yeah, yeah, that's Peter. really difficult. I mean, I, for me, the, the, the picks would be, I, I agree with Peter, the, the number uh, 40 team uh, in GTP yeah. uh, would certainly be worth a, a shout. I mean, uh, and then in, in GTD, you see you've Conquest Racing and or Trials Competition, it's first race for Conquest back in IMSA for, for many years. For Triazi, a local team down, based down the yeah. road here, they, they were punted out of, I think, second or third position with about, what, three hours to go. And to come back and, uh, and finish there just off the podium in fourth, brilliant job. For me, it's got to be the number 40, Wayne Taylor Racing Acura with Andretti. They didn't have the pace, and they dragged that car with such will to get it on the podium. They didn't have the pace of the, the Porsche, the Cadillac, and yet they scored a big chunk of points for the championship. That's a very good point, and the car was dead stick in the middle of it the was. night, remember? Yeah, yeah. Power of positive thought got yeah. that going again. Yeah. I've got <laughs> no idea. Um, Nick Damon will chip in in a moment as well. A lot of emotion uh, down there. You're listening and watching. A very, very historic moment as four drivers who've never won overall paired up or quadded up at least in the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsport 963. Take it by just over a couple of seconds. That two-second margin is not indicative of what we saw during the last few hours of this race. It's been tight and we finish with uh, five cars on the lead lap of which three of them are Porsches. Porsche, Cadillac and Acura fill the three podium spots. In LMP2, it's Era from CrowdStrike, from Riley in the Orica battle. Risi Competizione give Ferrari the win ahead of Porsche and Eo Racing, the pole sitting car. And Paul Miller Racing, despite the struggles with brakes at the end, are on the podium. And Winwood for Mercedes AMG ahead of AF Corsa for Ferrari in GTD. And in third, Conquest Racing for Ferrari. We'll have our winners, of course, for the uh, 
CrowdStrike Endurance Teamwork and Speed Award on Midweek Motorsport when we've crunched the numbers. I've got those. Uh, uh, for the uh, data. Uh, let's have the numbers for Michelin Endurance Cup before we wrap up, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, in the GTP Wheel and Engineering Racing Cadillac, uh, number uh, will have 18 points to finish second in the race, but will be uh, the leaders in the in the Michelin Endurance Cup by two points over Penske Porsche Motorsports number seven. Uh, the manufacturers will be tied, but uh, Porsche will be ahead because they won the race. In LMP2, CrowdStrike Racing by APR, 17 points to the 15 of the race winners, Era Motorsports, and the 13 of Inter Europol with PR1 Matheson Motorsports and GTD Pro. The uh, Paul Miller Racing, despite that disappointment towards the end, will lead on 15 points to the 14 of Risi Competizioni. Manufacturers, uh, Ferrari and BMW tied on 15. And in GTD, finally, uh, caught off Preston Motorsports and Inception Racing. Both have 13 points, but uh, caught off Preston with the highest place finishers. So I think they will uh, come away unofficially with the lead. Winwood Racing just one point behind, uh, but having won the race, they'll be more than satisfied with that on 12 points. And Triazi Competition on 11 points. History made down in Victory Circle. Our BDO No Strategy Award goes to the number 40 Acura in third position with a car that had to be planned and schemed to get to that position. Let's hear from the man with his name above the door, Wayne Taylor. Wayne, hello. hello. You've won our BDO Strategy Award. And you know what? When I spoke to you earlier in the week and you said, you know what, we haven't got a chance... And I walked away and I thought, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. And you know what? All right, it's all about the win here at Daytona, but you guys are on the podium and that means something. I did it more so than ever any other race because when I look at my trophies at home, I got a lot of wins here and then I got a ton of second places and a ton of third places. But quite honestly, with going to a two-car team and just new drivers and new partners and everything and knowing coming into this race, with some of the stuff that was put onto our cars, we knew we had no chance because not only there was tire degradation, there was just so many things. And I thought, if we can at least get somebody in the top five. Um, but I got to say to um, you know Colton, Jensen, Jordan, and uh, Louis, they did an outstanding job. And then the team first time together. You know, we're flawless in the pits. Yeah, absolutely. It's good at all. Feels like a win then when you look at that trophy. It does. I'm, I'm so happy and to I, hear that. And you know what? I'm going to be back next year. I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> well done, Wayne. Well done. Wayne Taylor and uh, the BDO Nose Strategy <laughs> winner for the number 40 car on the podium. Thank you very much to Nick Damon, Shay Adam, and to Joe Bradley, our CrowdStrike pit reporters, uh, the booth team, Jeremy Shaw. Uh, and Peter Mackay alongside me, John Hindorf, all of our technical staff, but uh, particularly uh, Alyssa and uh, Aaron, who talked us through the race from up in Concord and helped us right across the weekend. A big thank you to the Tape Apes. I know that uh, they are working with heavy hearts this uh, weekend after the recent death of one of their own, Brett Simmons, was one of us too, one of the family. They've done a cracking job for us all over the weekend. It's going to be Michelin post-race tech 
Coming up, we'll answer your questions. Hashtag Michelin PRT. But for the moment, on the PA and on 107.9, it's goodbye from Daytona as Porsche celebrate winning the 62nd Rolex 24 hours of Daytona. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.